Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan... Tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. tonight but man we lost john madden we lost jeff dickerson and no matter what aisle of uh, the political spectrum you're at we lost senator harry reed and that's always a loss when you lose somebody who has done so much for our country whether it's good or bad i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna comment on that but we d- did not lose Dan Aguirre. I was afraid we were going to lose Dan Aguirre because his fandom on this team was in jeopardy. But this Bears win still has him as a loyal Bear fan. Dan Aguirre, how are you? Man, today's fucking terrible. Oof. Earlier today, like I got the the notification about uh, about JD, mm-hmm. and I sent it, you know, to everyone that's involved, you know, with you and Aaron and Tooch and you know Zimmerman and. I even sent it to Shane and uh, and because uh, I honestly wanted to check on his son reading the article mm-hmm. and he, an update on that. Mr. Marsaw's son is doing well, which oh, again we're very happy about. Mm, excellent. Uh, yeah. So like two. I'm, I'm I'm not shitting you. Less than five minutes later, uh, my friend sends me 
an article saying that John Madden has died. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I sent it to everybody else, the same people I was just talking about. And one of, I think it was Aaron Mikulski, uh, someone in that chat group said, there's always three. There's always three. Somebody else is going to die. Mm-hmm. And within like another five minutes, Senator Harry Reid has passed away. Like, fuck me. Mm. What a day. It's sad, man. It is. What a day. Not I mean, good. And yeah. it's especially sad is the loss of Jeff Dickerson. I mean, this guy is 44 years old. Um, excuse me. He lost his wife two years ago to cancer. Um, he dies at the same hospice that she passed away. They That's leave, just fucking brutal. They leave behind a nine-year-old son. I mean, it can't get any sadder than that for that poor kid to lose yes. your parents so young in life. Um, it's, it's someone horrific. just, uh, I think it was, it may have been Schefter. Mm-hmm. I just tweeted. There's a GoFundMe to help, you know, raise money for, uh, Jeff Dickerson's kid. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, uh, find that and pass that on, uh, to people. It's, uh, you know, it's just, I think, you know, you're, you're left speechless after something like that. Now, Jeff is a guy that we never had uh, the good fortune of having here at the Barroom Network, but I certainly enjoyed his work over at ESPN. Uh, and, and as a uh, writer and as a broadcaster, uh, he was prolific at both. At both, And it's weird because just, I think it was two or th- just two or three weeks ago, he was a guest on Dan Wiederer's uh, video podcast. And he looked fine. Uh, he didn't look ill at all. Uh, he didn't look real happy, but um, it, it was just bizarre. And so when news started to leak out, you know, to pray for him and word started to come out that he had colon cancer, it was quite the shock. And so, oh, yeah, if you man. read that story uh, that the Sun Times put up, uh, the quote that Kaplan had, mm-hmm. and he goes, um, when I walked in there last Thursday, and this is directly from the story, all these guys were, were there because we all loved him. Jeff said to me, quote, I just got to get to my next chemo treatment. That was today, end quote. So today would have been his next chemo treatment. Oh, wow. Yeah, and wow. obviously it didn't, didn't happen. I got the uh, pleasure of making Jeff mad once on air. <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah, I was on Waddle and Sylvie, and I don't know if it was uh, Sylvie that was out or Waddle was out, but uh, this was like 2012, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was during camp. It was during camp, and uh, it was 12 because they had just signed Michael Bush. Mm-hmm. And they had, uh, again, it was one of them was out, and so JD was in for the, that day's duration along with whomever, you know, let's just say it was Waddle and JD. Mm-hmm. And so they had him doing the show, but they were in Bourbonnais. So I, I called in and I, I asked him a couple of questions and I was like, why is it that you always just carry Matt Forte's water? I was like, I was like, you're just sitting on here saying there's no way Michael Bo-, and it pro- he proved to be right. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, why don't you, Michael Bush is a good player. I was like, you don't think Michael Bush could take some playing time from Forte. I totally disagree with you. Mm-hmm. And it, it, he got really pissed off actually, mm-hmm. but yeah, he loved Forte. And I was just thinking, uh, at the time, I was like, well, why do you think they signed Chester Taylor? Why do you think they signed Marion Barber? Why do you think they signed Michael Bush? The Bears are trying to upgrade Matt Forte. 
every year they're looking for someone else to be better. And I was like, Michael Bush was good at Louisville. He was good with the Raiders. This guy can play. And, uh, but you know, Dickerson proved to be right, but I hate that he, that he passed away and I hate his wife passed away. Just in the, the in the same hospital, it's just fucking tragic. Mm-hmm. And I wish his kid. Well, I mean, that's not just BS cliche talk either. It's just, Fuck man, it's horrible. I don't even know what else to say about it. Then, then, then John Madden too. Damn man. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk at length about John Madden because I think uh, the two of us and and we'll bring in Tooch when we talk Madden too. I think the three of us can share some of our own personal stories regarding really one of the greatest uh, sports broadcasters of all time. Uh, but there's more to it. Let me just say one thing there's, about there's Madden. And much we'll more to it. There's much more. I'll let to you drive it. the car. Okay. Uh, Madden as a coach. 103 wins, 32 losses. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fucking exceptional. It is truly exceptional. Truly exceptional. And and he made his fame as a football coach. That opened up the doors to being a broadcaster and then, you know, doing uh, endorsements. And so all that. We'll, we'll touch on all that later in the show. But why don't we begin this segment talking about this bears win over the Seattle Seahawks. Dan, you were totally shocked by it as I was too. I had predicted the bears weren't going to win any more games of this going back to their, uh, their last win. I said, this is it. The bears won't win anymore. So I was shocked that they were able to pull this game out. What were your, your immediate reaction when you heard? Cause I don't think you saw the game live, correct? I did not watch the game live. And that's uh, part of my, I told you, I was like, man, Matt Nagy really has hurt my bears fandom. Mm-hmm. Maybe that sounds like I'm just trying to pile on, mm-hmm. but I, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go out with a woman and watch some movies. And like yeah. I said, we watched the fourth matrix and that, um, Bradley Cooper movie. It's called nightmare alley. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can talk about those later in mm-hmm. the show, but that's what I was doing at the time of the Bears Seahawks game. And then, you know, maybe some other things later <laughs> that we could talk about later, hypothetically. But the point is I ended up going to bed and, the, the, if you had told me at any point in my life that I was voluntarily going to miss the game and not even see it the day of, mm-hmm. I'd have told you there's no fucking way. I must be at a wedding or something against my will. <laughs> but I literally, I had no idea what. I still, thankfully, it wasn't. It wasn't spoiled for me. Mm-hmm. So I got up really early on Monday and started watching the game as if it were live because I didn't know what happened. Good for so, you. That's awesome. Yeah. So I watched the game and. um and wow, it was my favorite win of the season. And the, the, I was I was scared, man. On the two-point conversion, uh, Bird is wide open almost as soon as the play has, has begun. And I thought, oh, man, Foles is going to miss him. Mm-hmm. He's rolling to his right. He's rolling to his right. He's rolling to And it's like, he's open. He's open. He's open. So he throws it late. And then I'm thinking, oh, man, the Seahawks pushed him out of bounds. He didn't get his feet down. And then it's like, well, oh, it oh, looks like only one. But wait a minute. One knee. One knee counts as like two, right? Just like an ass cheek does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're in Seattle. Are they going to overturn this? And then they didn't. And I was just like, this is going to stand. Wow. But then my next thought was, well, they still have a couple seconds to go, 30 or 40 seconds. And the Bears defense, man, the last two weeks, their best games of the season. Mm-hmm. Underman with, I mean, they have played their best football, in my opinion, on defense all season. The last two games. Isn't and that them, amazing? It is. That is. I, and I don't want to, because I sent you a, an article this morning, or at least a screenshot, saying that uh, the Bears aren't, they're not sure what they're going to do with Nagy yet. Like, 
God, don't let this turn into like, well, they're playing hard for him, so let's keep him around for 2022. Yeah, that's no reason why you keep a coach. I mean, I, I can get guys to play hard, you know, by with by being nice to them, and that's what he is. The head coaching is much more than getting guys to play hard, and Matt Nagy has failed in some of those other parts in a huge, huge way. Yeah, that that text that you sent me about uh, uh, no decision on. It was Ian Rappaport. Bears haven't made final decision on Nagy. He was a guy who a day ago was saying he could be fired on Monday. I mean, this is just bullshit that some of these national reporters are coming up with. They're just trying to fill airtime. He says, Matt Nagy, if there's a loss on Sunday, he could be gone. Yeah, anything could, could happen. It, it could rain. It could fucking snow. It could snow. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, what, what a way to just cover your ass. And then on the very next day, you write bears haven't made final decision on a, you're the guy that said he could be fired. Now you're saying they haven't made a final decision. What the fuck, man? That's not reporting. That's speculation. I can fucking do that. And that, that wasn't Jason Lock and four surprisingly either. <laughs> oh man, if Lock and Four comes out and says that Nagy's gonna be fired, then we know we're fucked. <laughs> By the way, George <laughs> George uh, and I'm not gonna try to pronounce George's last name, but he says that we're a great tandem. Dan and Aldo, great tandem. That's a nice compliment. Thank you very much. I, I think so too. Yeah. I appreciate the gentleman who said that. Let me ask you this. I mean I'm watching this game for three quarters and I'm thinking to myself, what a miserable, ugly fucking game. This is the snow looked awful on that field, that turf, you know, somehow that field is wet and, and, and looks ugly yet. Everybody's uniform was crystal clear. You know, it just felt like I was watching a really bad video game of the bears and Seahawks. And then, (laughs) and then I I, I'm thinking to myself, there's just no way they're going to pull it off. Even when they took the lead, I said to myself, Russell Wilson is going to march the ball downfield. I've seen it happen the last two uh, week nine and week 11. It's going to happen again. I know they're going to lose. And lo and behold, and I hate, I usually pride myself on being the guy that says, don't ever quit. Don't ever quit. Don't ever quit. It's not that I quit on the beers, but my expectations that they were going to win were down to zero, zero. And so it turned in from a real ugly affair to a, a really nice win for Nick Foles and some of the other players who came through in a big way. Does it bother you, though, then that they won this game and Justin Fields wasn't on the field or you don't care. You just appreciate the win. I appreciate the win. I I do. I sent you uh, the gif of Pacino from Godfather three as soon as it was over. And I finally knew that the bears had hung on to win. I sent you that gif of Pacino saying like, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in, you know, from Godfather three. And that's the way I felt, man. I, I had never felt so down on the bears. In my entire tenure, 30 plus years of being a fan now, I told I voluntarily missed a game. And then I thought I'll watch it later that night. And and then that didn't happen. Like that's never happened for me. I'd probably still be married if I was more flexible on things like this. But like, fuck no, I'm not going on vacation during the fucking season. No. You know, things like that, you know. So and then here it is. Like I'm as low as I can possibly be on the Bears. And then you have the from my seat, the best win of the season. 
and I, I loved it. I did. I, I was so happy. Uh, again, everyone else is going to say, oh, what difference does it make? They're five and 10. Well, fuck you, man. I'm a Bears fan. This fifth victory, it mattered to me. And again, if you don't want them to win, what are you doing? I mean, the Giants are going to get the pick either way. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's going to hurt us to win these games, with the exception if for some reason that would, because you have the Giants next week, presumably, I guess, Mike Glennon. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we should win that game. I, I, I was really worried about the Glennon revenge game last year against the Jaguars. I don't want to sound overconfident now, but that guy really does suck. He, he so, sucks a big day. And you're the guy that's injected that into my mind because all the last two, three weeks, I've been saying that to people. Yeah, the Bears are going to lose against the Giants because it'll be the Glennon uh, 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 revenge game. And, and it's Dan Aguirre that injected that thought into, into my mind. I want to erase it. I want that thought to be, go out. I want the Bears to beat the shit out of Glennon because he made life miserable for Bears fans that one season. Yeah, it was supposed to be his year, you know. Oh, That's what he kept saying uh, in that clip that everyone would reuse over and over <laughs> and over. Uh, well, you know, the Bears fucked him over. And Big we time. know that. <laughs> yeah, so I hope that for his sake, I hope personally, like if it was against another team, like if I had heard that the Packers or the Lions had fucked him over, I'd be rooting for him. But I can't root for him, even if he did get fucked. But I think the Bears should win that game. And then Minnesota, I mean, you know, we should have beaten them on Monday night. Mm-hmm. And God, we could beat them. So you could walk out of the season seven and ten with three straight wins, and that kind of erases losing nine out of ten to upper management. And then they bring this bald fuck back next year. That's what I'm afraid of. But I don't want to even think about that. As for right now, the Seahawks game, I, I love the effort on the defense, the offense. Uh, you know, uh, honestly, Foles looked better than Dalton or Fields all season. Yep, and had hadn't played in over a year since. I think the Minnesota game last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'll you'll hear some of that in the media breakdown that I have. But you're absolutely right. You know, I, I'll, I'll I'll ask this question of you. I asked it on the previous show in the Barroom Network, leading into this one, the Bear debate with Tyler Ellis and John Buffon. I asked them if Andy Dalton is unable to play this week. I mean, he was in a walking boot for all of last week. He didn't practice at all. So. If Justin Fields is unable to play and Andy Dalton is ready to go, who do you start against the Giants? Nick Foles or Andy Dalton? Uh, Foles has made his claim. I think if it's if it's not Fields, mm -hmm. it, it's got to be Foles. I mean, Foles has outplayed Dalton at every step. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised now because Nick has one year left on his deal. If they just say, fuck it, we've got our backup next season. That's another not question. Bring back Dalton. Yeah, that's another question I asked. You've got him under contract next year. You know why? If you you're committed to Justin Fields, let's hope he has a great off season. Let's hope he can play all 17 games next season. But you've got a guy who has been mentoring Justin Fields, and Justin Fields gave him a shout out and said, you know, Nick really loves to advise and he wants to be a coach, and I like that. And and when you listen to Foles talk, I mean, it's almost zen-like. He's got that Phil Jackson mentality, you know, he, after the game. I wish I would have pulled the clip. He was interviewed after the game by one of the network announcers, and he, he talked about how important it was to win for his teammates and how much he loved being with his teammates, and that was the most important thing and so forth. That's the kind of stuff you want your backup quarter quarterback to be espousing and if he's got some tips for Justin Fields as to what he sees in a certain offense and stuff then that's great I'll ask you do you think that Nick Foles was chosen 
I mean, Andy Dalton was chosen over Nick Foles because th- this upcoming season, this last season, I mean, because uh, Matt Nagy was pissed off that Foles was correcting him or challenging him. Do you, do you feel that is a possibility? I thought that's where you were going to take it. When, when you started to ask the question in my head, I started to think where you're going with this. Where's he going with this? And I, I was know. like, <laughs> I started to answer you before you even, yeah, I bet you there probably is some of that in there because uh, first off to comment on what you were saying before about Foles being a good teammate. I mean, maybe he would still be the same guy, but his legacy is, is cemented. Mm-hmm. If he never plays another down, he's got a giant cock and he's got a Super Bowl ring and he was MVP <laughs> of the Super Bowl. So the dude has no reason to be insecure about anything. That's right. He's got money. He's got a great dick. I mean, his fucking We've nickname been told. Big Dick Nick. We've been told. We, we, I, I know I haven't seen well, it. Well, <laughs> I haven't seen it either, but I'm going to assume that these rumors are true. You know, so he's got a great cock. He's got money. He's a Super Bowl MVP. So. Yeah, he has. I mean, he can be Zen-like because he can mm-hmm. look, dude. I can help you because look, I've already, I don't have to worry about jealousy or any of these things or like worrying about oh, uh, all the things that you know I got to get to the. He's already been there, so he can just relax and go with the flow and then cash his check. So I think that that's that enables him to be such a good teammate. Uh, but yeah, I I could buy into the if you want to call it a conspiracy theory to suggest that maybe that's why Nagy was like, you know, this guy undermined me. And, you know, Nagy probably has a tiny penis coupled with his bald head and his shattered <laughs> ego that he would be like, I'll bring in the redheaded guy because he'll listen to me. Cause he's got a red rifle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is hilarious. I, you know, I, I, who was it? Somebody in the chat room, is like a huge anti uh, Nick Foles fan. Where is he? Oh, uh, it's McMuck the General. He says Foles look like trash, and he's he, all day long on other shows and stuff. He's just been trashing Nick Foles. But you know what? I mean, yeah, he's not fucking you know the, the second coming of Joe Montana, but the guy is really one of the best backup quarterbacks in the National Football League, and he's proven that. He has proven that. Did things go well for him last year? No, but remember that after that Atlanta Falcons game where he comes in for Trubisky and scores, what, three touchdowns to win the game down in Atlanta, that fucking offensive line started to fall down like freaking dominoes. And it wasn't until the break where the coaching staff finally got together and they say, hey, what about if we move this guy here we'll move that guy here? They started to think about how to fix the offensive line. And by that time, unfortunately, Nick had injured his hip. But yeah, it, 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 he, he was clearly flustered by the fact that the rush was coming in at him big time and he was unhappy with the scheme Nagy had him playing. Yeah, and the play calls, he knew they couldn't work because the line was in flux. Right. And so I have a little bit more... Um, tolerance uh, uh, for Nick Foles based on the circumstances around him. Now, I don't want him being the quarterback for the entire season. I don't want him to be the number one quarterback for the Bears, but if I go into next season with Justin Fields as my starter and Nick Foles as his backup, I can think of worse things. Now, I would prefer to have a mobile quarterback. That way I have two quarterbacks who are of the Yeah, but you could draft a kid 
yep. low around and develop him and have him third string and someone else that's mobile. Yep. And and there might even be, you know, like a, uh, a, a for lack of a better name off the top of my head, a Tyrod Taylor available in free, free agency who won't be a $10 million acquisition like Dalton was, but could be a two or $3 million acquisition that you could stash him in as a, a three quarterback. Because I think the days of having three quarterbacks on your roster are, are, are here because of the extra game in the regular season and we'll probably see uh, an 18th game added to the regular season so you're going to have to carry three quarterbacks just for safety purposes and there's a lot more flexibility with the the roster and the practice squad now too mm-hmm. yep. and just with injuries alone before if you got put on ir you were done mm-hmm. you're gone for the year and then they had the you know designation for one player that could be uh, utilized to come back uh but now like everyone can come back after a few weeks and, you know, like you said, if it were Tyrod Taylor, hypothetically speaking, and he was on the practice squad, then he could easily be flexed up and, and, and it's no big deal and go back down if necessary. Exactly. Exactly. All right. What but I we- think Dalton's played his way out. I think that's for certain. I don't think he gets offered a deal at all to come back. I can't see why. I mean, God bless the guy. It's not like he's played badly. I mean, he got injured in the second game of the season, and then it was what it was. And then when he had an opportunity. I don't know that Cardinals game. He played horrible. When he had that opportunity to to be a starter, he he looked, you know, that was probably outside of the Cleveland game. That was probably the worst performance by a, court, a Bears quarterback this season. And you're right, Foles probably has the number one performance. Although uh, Fields against the Steelers is is might be a close second. What do you think? Yeah, and again, I was at that game, so yeah, that's right. uh, yeah, it was fun to watch. And you just thought, well, he's done it, and you know, he led the comeback. But of course. You know, they, they still drove down and scored, but, you know, had there been more time, it just felt like, you know, they had to go for that miracle field goal from Cairo. If they had just like a time for another play, mm-hmm. another completion, the Bears probably still win that game. Mm-hmm. Like he was on fire that night, like he hadn't been, at least in the second half, unlike any other game this season. So, yeah, he, he did well against Pittsburgh, more so than in any other game, in my opinion. Yep. Listen, uh, let's get to the media uh, sound bites. And, I, you know, Dan, I had an idea. Maybe next time when we do this, we just isolate as opposed to playing it all, you know, like it's grown to 30 minutes. Tonight's media thing is 30 minutes long. Maybe we just do segments. Like we'll do two minutes of, you know, Habarkish talking about a topic and then we stop it and we talk about that. And then a little later we'll play another segment. I, I'd like to try that and maybe we'll do it next week before the season's up just because there's this thing is so jam-packed with so many different topics i mean it's generally two topics but there's stuff that you want to react to um so if if there is something you want to react to like immediately i i can stop it here on Streamyard, and and then you can react to it so just communicate to me somehow and we'll we'll, we'll get it done but i Man, we've got tons of material here, and a lot of the the voices that you hear won't be our regulars because they're fill-in hosts because this is a holiday week for a lot of guys like David Kaplan and so forth. Um, should I set it up any other way? I think not. I think we have it. Are you ready for this, Mr. Dan? Uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right, here she comes. Comes to this situation. 
a lot of guys, folks, believe me, they lay down. They, they're, the 100% truly isn't there. But I'll tell you what I saw. I, I don't think I saw one of them really give up today. And, and Mark asked me at the beginning of our pregame show what I thought of Nick Foles starting. And I said, well, obviously Fields went out with an ankle, so he's out. Uh, Dalton, he goes out with a groin injury. So who do we have? We have Foles. He's six feet six. He's played in this league. He's won a lot of games. He's won a Super Bowl, and he was the MVP of the Super Bowl. Need you say any more? That's he's got to be the best supposedly, quote unquote, third string quarterback in the National Football League. But I'll tell you what, Nick Foles with his play today, being cool, calm, and collective and hitting the receivers, and Montgomery running, and the defense coming up to play hard. Damn it, congratulations to the Chicago Bear players. My God, what an effort they put in today. And hopefully, and also, what you saw in the games today. We've got two more games left. So far in 15 games, that's the best quarterback play by 100 miles, period. From Dalton and from Fields. Foles stepped up to the plate and played like he like he has played and he can play. Yes, Virginia, there is a Christmas. This was a this was a, a day late for most people, but what a great gift for the Chicago Bears. And you know what? Congratulations to Mr. Foles. You know we've we've always liked him. Obviously, he was the, the odd yeah. man out all year long. And you got to say congratulations to Nagy. Nagy out coached Pete Carroll. And Pete Carroll's won a Super Bowl. So in a kind of a blaze of glory as he goes out the door, Matt Nagy has something he can hang his hat on as far as wherever he's going to be, uh, you know, working in the future. All that being said, our defense, our defense for the last two weeks have played the best they have played in a year and a half, maybe two years. And I'm telling you, they are doing it. I don't know if it's mirrors, but my goodness, they are getting contributions from guys you never even would have thought of in September or October. Well, those kids are playing for their lives, Dan. Yeah, they are. You know know what? what? The backups, and guess what? They're making that happen. Bravo. Well, you know, don't forget, guys, too. You know, you got to look at the records and where everybody is. Okay? Seattle Seahawks have won five games so far. Yeah, so okay. we, that's the dose of I'll tell you what, the bookies took it in the shorts today. We're, we're, we're tied with Seattle, baby. Five wins for the Bears, five wins for the Seahawks. So let's not go crazy here. Tied, we're, tied for five. <laughs> three guys who ended up creating the winning touchdown two-point conversion, like they're not going to be a part of the 2022 team. And, and I don't know if Jimmy Graham's retiring or not, but, you know, Bird and, and Foles, it's, these are all additions for a lot of these guys. So, you know, it's good for them. It's, it's, it's an opportunity for them to enjoy themselves. But... I do think we'd be talking about this game differently today if Justin Fields threw that touchdown to Cole Komet and then threw the two-point conversion to Darnell Mooney. Uh, it just would it would shift the perspective of the conversation in terms of maybe a little bit more big-picture meaning on what happened yesterday. I'll go so far as to say, because Darnell Mooney is a homegrown product who doesn't know how to remix a play like Demir Bird did, that in this case, it wouldn't have happened. And that was something I took away from what Nick Foles had to say was the adjustment that had to be made in the backyard football comments saying they covered the play well, so Seahawks knew it was coming. They had the right personnel out there. And there had to have been an adjustment made both on the part of the veteran quarterback, 
to adjust that play and also the veteran receiver who was on the other side of it. Yeah, and what's interesting, Layla, is that Matt Nagy has said, like, the way he talks about Demir Bird, you might think he's the fifth Nagy son. And, and, <laughs> and like, Bird, I mean, he came into the game with 20 catches in the year. And he just hasn't really done much, you know. Nice guy. Had a great year with New England last year and looked okay in training camp, which a lot of fast guys generally do when, when, you're, when there's not really contact in practice. Uh, and then just hasn't been a part of things. But whenever he's, whenever Nagy has a chance to talk about him, he's just glowing. So it's obviously somebody that impresses in the practice field, impresses in the film room, is doing stuff that we just don't see, um, and is not really reflective in his stats. And, and that was probably one of those. You know, a, a realizing what Seattle had done, uh, you know, to to adjust to that play, which was designed to go Darnell Mooney, uh, and, and then to have the body control to to, to complete the catch. I mean, it, it's it, you know, again. Good for Demir Bird. It, like obviously the Bears love the guy uh, and what he's done, and he just hasn't had that shining opportunity to do something on this kind of stage. So you know, again, it's a, it's a nice thing for him. And I will say, Darnell Mooney, while maybe not at the point in his career where he could do something like that, his 30-yard catch and run where he was dragging tacklers did help set things up too. So we are able to take something from the young offensive players, Khalil Herbert as well, what he did earlier in the game um, to, you know, again, try to say, okay, do we find things that make us feel a little bit better about where this team is going next season? What did you think of Foles' comments, just overall acknowledging that that offense didn't work, even saying on that play there had to be adjustments made and seeing what we saw on the field where you could tell he's going to make a couple different checks because he knows what we know he knows which is that sometimes the the ideal situation wasn't going to work. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I said this when Foles had that great press conference in July. I, I think for those of us who do what we do, we love the guys who talk like he does and just put it all out there. I mean, it would have it would have been fun if he went, you know, full Nick Foles and maybe even told us exactly what he thinks has gone wrong with the offense, but he's also a pretty classy guy. He's not going to do that. So I, I think that, you know, we, we've joked a lot about you know, I heard you guys talking about, hey, they, they have a third-string quarterback who happens to be Nick Foles. A lot of teams would kill for something like that. I think the New Orleans Saints would love to have had Nick Foles tonight Amen. instead of Ian Book. talked a little bit about the choices that were made to start specific players. We see Larry Borm on the left side because of an injury to Tevin Jenkins. And Hub, we're all concerned about what that injury might be just moving forward, too. But that was one we focused on specifically, or just the choices that were made as far as who got snap counts on the defense when we know that there are players out what did you think about how players were used? We didn't see as many young players as we could have who are still trying to get some game reps in. Yeah, guys, I, I'm disappointed in, in a lot of folks who don't understand what happened at right tackle. It, it's not complicated. Jermaine Fetty was a first-round draft choice of the Seattle Seahawks. He spent his first four years there. He was one of the captains of the team yesterday because of it, as was Bruce Irvin, a former Seahawk, who isn't really even a bear. You know, he's only been here uh, a couple weeks. That, that was all about just paying respect to veterans. And, and I am quite sure that, that had Jenkins not gone down early and Borum not, you know, gone gone over to left tackle, that he would have gone in at right tackle. I, you know, one of the things I realize that there's a segment of the audience out there that doesn't want to give Mac Maggie credit for anything, but he deserves tremendous credit for the fact that he clearly hasn't lost this locker room. These guys still want to play for him. And that's one of the reasons, you you know, you pay the respect where it's due. And so that's why Jermaine Effetti was the starter. That's why Artie Burns got a, you know, kind of a 
cameo start ahead of Thomas Graham, who played most of the game. Um, Nagy did what he had to do, you know, but I, but I think that, you know, in his position, hey, let's not forget that, that he knows what's going on. He's probably going to be one of the casualties. He doesn't owe this organization anything at this point, and yet he did play the youngsters most of the way. They stepped up and made plays, but he also paid respect to veterans too. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that we can be critical of, but I, I understood exactly what they were doing there, and that's one of the reasons these guys are still playing for him. I appreciate the discourse, but my concern about it was the fight that we saw if Fetty get into a Tevin Jenkins the week before on Monday Night Football and then also simply the fact that some of these guys like Bruce Irvin aren't named outright starters every week and the captain position for a lot of players as you know they like to earn that title or they feel like that's a leadership role and I thought that that deserved to be discussed. I'm not saying we can't discuss it, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just telling you what I think was going on there. And by the way, a lot of people think Jermaine Effetti was right in what he did with Tevin Jenkins the, the, the previous Monday night in the heat of the action and in the moment. Would you be okay like with him? said he's not a first stringer. Right. Either. Would you be okay with him being the second stringer next year? Here. Sure. Yeah, that's what he's I said not to Connor. Be here, though. He'll be, he'll be gone. Well, I guess he's is, under I contract. I don't think they, yeah, I really don't think they gain much. I was looking at this earlier. I don't think there's. There's not much cap savings if they release him. There's like three million, versus, right? Is versus it? what they actually end up paying him, it's it's minimal. And it, so yeah. the point is, he's being under contract. Why wouldn't you just keep him? Because yeah, he is a backup quarterback in this league. He's in the top half of backup quarterbacks. He showed that again yesterday. They're, like you're right, Jess. If assuming going forward, whoever the head coach is, Justin Fields will be your starter. Nick Foles makes sense as your backup quarterback, especially because he doesn't have the history with ever whoever the new head coach is going to be. I, I still I still point point out that I think Matt Nagy not getting what he was hoping for when he traded for Nick Foles. He did not think somebody would challenge him as often as he did last year. Probably. And I think that was a source of huge frustration for Matt Nagy because he's under the microscope to begin with. And, oh, by the way, your quarterback constantly, we saw it with, remember, the Brian Greasy game last year <laughs> where Greasy was, well, you know, was speaking out of school a little bit and basically telling us that Nick Foles was telling him the, the offense wasn't working. And, We've seen it now for the past, whatever, 18 games that it doesn't work. And Nick Foles was right all along. Now, let me say this. In theory, I agree, we, we, we sort of agree, Connor, you're kind of on the fence about Foles as a backup, whatever. Oh, I'm not on the fence. I don't want to. Connor might ultimately I, be right. I am a Because think cat. about this. Uh, Carmen, who's the backup on Baltimore that couldn't play yesterday? Tyler, Tyler Huntley. Huntley. Tyler Huntley. Yeah. Harbaugh has said this over and over when Lamar went down. And you saw this in Huntley's play. They didn't change much with Huntley in there. Tyler Huntley can ball and a little bit, are, man. Well, yeah. and, that, and here's my point. If you are going to some, I hope, you know, RPO-type thing with, with you know, Fields, maximizing Fields' abilities, it's a different offense if Folds is in there. And you, so you might want to get a backup that has more of Fields' abilities, basically someone that can run a little I bit. I want a backup that I give a damn about. Like, I, I don't want to so have this conversation back and forth. So that's the one thing that I would make Foles, about what I Foles know. is so immobile, you have yeah. to change your offense, assuming it's an offense that utilizes Fields' ability well, but, to but move. Fields, is, Fields, yes, Fields can move. I, I mean, I get it. Fields can also, look, we saw it over and over again at Ohio State. That's right. They were a hard play-action drop-back. Like, he can do that. Justin yes, but Fields I would maximize it by doing an RPO offense He's, and a Adding in that. His last game, he was 8 of 11 throwing downfield, yeah. 10 or plus more yards. I like, know that's not the deepest shot they measure. That's 20 plus, right? Yeah. But 10 plus, like I'm in, 8 yeah, of 11 for absolutely. that kind of number. But also maximize the, the, the running backs you have, which I was talking about during the show. I, well, like, combine.
combine all this, and I don't know if you can do that if you'll, you have to change your offensive field, in, in my opinion, if Foles is there. So, so now I'm going back on what I said. I, well, see, I, I've yet to understand how Matt Nagy doesn't understand a pretty simple axiom, and that's a good young quarterback is always helped by a solid run game. Sure. I, I don't. Yeah. Like, I'm not an old-school football guy. Like, I'm ready to push the thing forward and do the whole thing. Let's go. But it still looks... Well, look at the Packers. Matt Jones does it that way. Look the at Patriots, the Packers. Like, look it, at the Buccaneers. It helps, man. I like the Packers this year to win the Super Bowl because yeah, they can too. run the ball. Yeah. Well, because but you they like, can run the but ball. But stop it. You no, like no, no, the Packers because no. they have Aaron no, Rodgers. No, of course, of course. Yes. But I'm saying, why am I picking them above Brady or above the Rams? Because he's Aaron Rodgers. No. As much as I hate to say it. I love yeah, Brady. Exactly. What are you talking yeah, about? I, I love, love Brady. Brady. But uh, come on. I mean, this Brady's guy's 44. This guy, this, Aaron Rodgers has fewer interceptions the last two years than Brady has this year. No, I understand. I, and, and I get the but Tom Brady's the goal. I get it all. Three Aaron weeks Rodgers, ago, I was picking the Buccaneers, but the way no. the Bear they they can run the ball with two running backs and Rodgers being Rodgers. He's sick. I hate to say how good it's sickening how good he is. The throws he makes. I think, I think we ought so, to talk about how good he is and be happy about it for the rest of the time that Ryan Pace is in the front office. <laughs> no, seriously, like I think why do Bears fans why do Bears fans spend any time worried they like Aaron Rodgers? I, I you don't should know. be screaming how much you love Aaron Rodgers so that this so ownership much. group, which hates only one thing, and that's the Green Bay Packers, yeah. why don't you hear it from fans every day how good Aaron Rodgers is, how much you should love this guy? Bears fans should wear Aaron Rodgers jerseys oh, to a damn God. game if oh. they feel like that, now that's a protest. Do it. Everybody show up in an show Aaron Rodgers. Show up, spend your money, and wear 12 in green and gold. Let them know that you can't stand the way you've, they've run this organization. Number one, I, I don't know that this two-week window to, to begin an interview process early is everything that maybe people thought it would be when they, when they first learned about it. It's a two-hour Zoom interview. Okay, or, or virtual interview. They can use whatever platform they want, but it's capped at two hours. So that's kind of a get to know you process. That's where you you, you sort of initially meet the guy. You're not going to hire a head coach unless you've met with him for a lot longer than that. So would it be uh, a way to you know discover a little bit uh, about? Some candidates that you might have some interest in, sure, that's possible. Uh, and you could put guys on a list of, hey, we, we really need to double back with these candidates that were impressive uh, in the Zoom. But I, I just I don't think the the process is um, qu- quite as beneficial to teams making a move as some expected. And in the Bears' case, what I've said kind of all along with this is. Who is running the coaching search? If it's if it's Ryan Pace, okay, and and you're going to make a coaching change, you could go ahead and, and do that yesterday. You could do that today. You could do it tomorrow. Uh, but I, I don't know the answer to that question, and, and I think some expect that the Bears have you know, bigger decisions to finalize uh, before they launch into a coaching search. Ryan Pace is moving on from Coach Nagy. If that's his decision that he needs to get uh, going on that decision because of this new ruin, like you said, uh, the NFL does encourage this. Uh, the NFL knows exactly what they're doing. They're putting uh, more, uh, you know, more attention on the last two weeks of the season. All right. They're making it more interesting. They're making this a reality TV show and everybody's talking about it. Teams like the Chicago Bears who are out of the playoffs. Now everybody is watching them. What are they going to do 
with this embattled coach. Are, are they going to fire him this morning? We're all talking about it. It could happen. Now there'll be interviews going on all over the place, and they are forcing teams to move on quickly, bad football teams to move on from their coach with two weeks left. And if you don't, you you won't. If someone does hire a guy off of Zoom, then you are behind these guys. You don't get to interview these guys early. So if the Chicago Bears are moving on, but like you said, who knows what they're going to do. But I think no matter if they're keeping Ryan Pace or not, that really has nothing to do with it. It matters if Ryan Pace, whoever's in charge of there, are you keeping the head coach? My problem with the whole thing is, you know, I know you use the term the four horsemen. I don't want an apocalyptic decision made, uh, you know, because I got a feeling it's not going to be the right one. We've seen that group get together and make some bad calls, frankly, and and I'm not sure that I want them doing it again. And and I even if it costs you a candidate or two, I think there are guys out there and there are ways of getting good coaches if you get the right football guy. That's my only. That's the only thing I want for Christmas is just somebody um, that, that can be kind of an overlord of the whole project and start from scratch. Yeah, you have zero confidence in the guys who are running the building yeah. up there at Hallis Hall to make decisions and choose the right guy. We're talking about George McCaskey. We're talking about Ted Phillips. And if Ryan Pace gets fired, we're talking about Scott Hagel, uh, the guys who have been in the room to make these decisions lately for the Chicago Bears who have given them – a uh, one win in a playoff since 2010. So, but here's the thing, man. Like you guys know, in the NFL, the only thing more rare than a Hall of Fame quarterback is a Hall of Fame coach, a football guy who can run your building, who can turn your franchise around, who can be there for years, who can set the culture, who can set the standard. So these guys are rare. There's not a lot of them. So if you let other guys interview, if you let other guys go out there and find the guy, and you're saying, Molly, they got to find the right guy. They got to find the right football guy. Well, let me tell you something. There's like two or three of them in the whole damn world, right? There's not a lot of these guys who can come in your building, turn your building around, set the standard every day, uh, see the problems before they happen, make things happen, uh, uh, run your building. And we've talked about before, when, when you put a guy in your building, he's got to control everything, right? He's got to control the kitchen staff. He's got to control the equipment room. He's got to control the, control the nutritionists, the development of the players, everything that goes into uh, making the team successful, making the players successful, uh, watching what's going on every day in the building, making sure things don't fall off. That's how hard it is to win in the NFL. There's not a lot of guys like that. If you're going to go out and look for him, you better go out pretty damn. The, the coaches would always get fired, but the personnel directors and the general managers very rarely ever got fired. You know, nowadays, they're getting rid of the GM. I mean, if they get rid of Mike Zimmer, they might just as easy get rid of Rick Spillman at Minnesota. If they get rid of the guy at, uh, I can't think of his name, no, at the Giants, they could get rid of Gettleman, Gettleman with them. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So there's, the, a lot of these guys are tied at the hip, and there's major decisions for these owners. And most of these owners aren't qualified to start doing Zoom calls, uh, you know, and in, in interviewing coaches. I mean, I don't know. I think ultimately, though, it is the owner that has to hire whoever is going to be in charge of football operations. And I think one of the more interesting things is they're relying on the people they know around the league to help make recommendations. So as an example, if if you had given your experience, the, the things that you did well over the course of your career as a coach and, and a football man and, and the things that you wish you could have done a little bit better. 
if you had an opportunity, say George McCaskey decided, you know what, I, I, I want to call Wani and, and get his take, what would you tell him in terms of the most important things that he needs to take into consideration if he's trying to, to reset the Bears franchise? Number one, with the talent that they have and the draft picks that they have that they've spent on quarterback, you have to get somebody that can get the most out of and develop and put a system in if you're going to go offense with Justin Fields. I mean, because he's surrounded. Look at the top three receivers from their win against Seattle. I mean, it, it was uh, David Montgomery, it was Mooney, and it was Komet. I mean, those guys are going to be here for a while. They're good young players, and, and Tom knows more about the offensive line, but I'm encouraged by these young kids on the offensive line. I, I truly am. So there's talent to be developed. Uh, with that in mind, you could hire a defensive guy. I wouldn't have a problem with that. I would just tell George, listen, if you want to hire a defensive guy, the first question that I would ask him, who's going to be your offensive coordinator? And he tell me in detail exactly what you're going to do on offense. And, uh, and, and then the other thing, too, you know what? And, and this is how it's changed. We never got an interview back, you know, in, in a day before, unless you were a coordinator on a playoff team or a Super Bowl team or, you know, you didn't get an interview. Oh, and this was the, the owner's mentality. And maybe this is dinosaur, okay? People might get a chuckle out of it. But I think, you know, there were some pretty smart guys back then. And their whole deal was they wanted to see the coordinator in pressure situations with a history of making decisions. What did you do in that championship game or to win the division? What calls did you make? where they could go back and they could reference, you know, this guy's been in pressure situation. He's been under the gun, and this is what he wants to do. You, they could get a pretty clear picture of the guy that they were hiring. Now, that's, you know, I mean, God bless Matt. What was he, coordinator for six games, maybe, you know, with Kansas City? And you, and you see some of these other guys it's have never really been to a playoff and had to make a decision on a fourth and one on the goal line. I think there's something to that. You want to hire a guy and be content with learning on the move? Good luck. You pay attention to the Bears as much as anybody. So when you look at the game the other day, you, you talked to Nick Folds after the game. He said that two-point play to Demir Bird was two guys just playing football. Even though he was supposed to run a corner route, he stopped. They made eye contact. He, he threw the pass. So in the final two games, who gives you, Brad Biggs, a, ta uh, a roster evaluator, better chance to evaluate the roster, the experience of a guy like Nick Folds or the inexperience of Justin Fields? See, that's a, that's a great question, Tommy, and it's a loaded one, but I, I understand why you're asking it. If, if Foles is out there, do you get a, a better look at some of those offensive skill position players that he got involved against the Seahawks? Uh, Nick Foles completed passes to nine different players in that game. Uh, the Bears have had completions to nine players in only one previous game this season. You know, we saw the tight ends get involved. Uh, there were five receptions by Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet that went for 14 yards or more. So you're seeing all these different guys start to uh, be able to produce uh, in the offense, and that's something that they've struggled to do. And I'm not putting it all on Justin Fields, but they've struggled to do that with Fields in there. So 
I think if you, if you want to see some of these positions surrounding the quarterback, you, you go with you go with Nick Foles, right, or or possibly Dalton uh, if he's healthy. But uh, Foles played well on the road uh, in rough conditions. Did he play great? No, uh, but there weren't any turnovers, and um, they moved the ball. You know, they had a three and punt to open the game. And then, for the most part, they were on the move every time they had the ball. I, I think uh, most of their possessions were five plays uh, or more. They had that one 15-play drive that didn't result in any points, but they were able to move the chains. They were effective uh, on third down. And, and then you wonder, does the, does the coach want to you know, give himself the best chance to go out with a couple wins here at the end of the year? ensure that his record at the end of four seasons with the Chicago Bears and including the postseason is a winning one. What the Bears were thinking when it came to the quarterback position this year? You know, I think uh, what they were thinking is they had pretty much given up on Nick Foles at the time and they were hoping to be able to uh, leverage their depth at the quarterback position uh, into some kind of compensation at some point. you know, I think uh, they had planned on drafting a quarterback. Obviously, they didn't know they were going to be able to get Justin Fields. He kind of fell into their lap, and they were able to move up for him. Uh, but, you know, they, they planned on having a young quarterback. If they had any faith in Foles at all, I think what they would have done is maybe gone out and signed a lesser-priced quarterback who they thought could be number three, and then have Foles compete with the rookie and, and then, you know, have a lot more cap space left and, and give them some flexibility. Maybe they don't cut Kyle Fuller in that case, or maybe they, you know, they keep one of their veteran offensive tackles, or, or maybe they go out and sign another free agent in another position that was a, an area of need. Uh, but, you know, as it was, they kind of overinvested in the quarterback position, which left them with limited flexibility elsewhere. Well, I completely agree with your analysis. I, I think we, we have to at least consider one more piece of it, though. We, and I was the leader of the Anybody But Dalton Club at the time. I, I just didn't see how he was uh, in any way an upgrade over Nick Foles. But we also have to remember that it happened a good, what, month and a half before the draft. And that while the Bears were in love with Justin Fields, I think at that point, you know, they really didn't know how it was going to play out or even if they were going to end up being able to draft a quarterback in the first round. And and it may be that they just decided to create the competition between Dalton and Foles and hope for Fields. Uh, and when it worked out, they, they had an embarrassment of riches. I, I guess the part where they lost me is that once it did work out, why go into the season with all three? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I get that too. But obviously, they didn't think they could get something in return at the time for Foles, and um, you know, they, they they felt their hands were tied at that point. But you know, even if uh, they didn't end up with Fields, they still could have drafted another quarterback. Um, you know, after uh, the round one, you know, that you had Kyle Trask and uh, Davis Mills, and you know, different guys out there who. Uh, who could have come in and, you know, if, if they believed in, in those players and, and been uh, factors. So, um, you know, I guess it's easy sometimes to sit here and, and second guess in hindsight. Uh, but, 
you know, uh, the Bears have made so many questionable decisions at the quarterback position, um, not only in, in Ryan Pace's tenure, but throughout the years that I guess it's become uh, kind of uh, a, a hobby of all of ours, right? It's second-guessing the Bears quarterback decisions. Just because you're the first team to hire a head coach, a new head coach, doesn't mean you got it right. You know, just because no, it just first... gives you the, the 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 opportunity to hire whoever you want. Sure. You know. And I think there's a big difference between especially with where the Bears are at. I think there's a big difference between hiring your next right head coach for Justin, for the organization, for all that kind of stuff, and just winning the press conference. Right? This idea that you can throw out somebody who's been there before, who understands what needs to be done and return return whatever this is to some sort of acceptable status quo. I don't want that. I want change, and I want it big. And I I think that's where a lot of Bears fans are at. And I go back to yesterday, and this is why I brought it up a few times, just watching that snow game, knowing that running the ball is going to be important in a snow game, just even though it's important every week. Yeah. And this idea that you have Fields and what he can do with his legs, you have Herbert and Montgomery and what they can do, toughness. uh, You saw it yesterday. Montgomery's tough runs, Herbert's great run for a touchdown. We know Fields can do it. this just take advantage of this RPO world we live in. Add in Fields passing, and he's only going to get better in that area. Who can maximize that? Is it Leftwich? Is it someone else? We don't even know. Like who can? Is it a college coach? Yeah. Who can maximize this once and for all? And I mean, maybe maybe Bill Lazor hangs on. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I will freely admit I have no idea. But the problem is I'm not sure they know. Yeah. <laughs> They've proven in the past they have as much an idea as you and I. And that that's the thing. Just watching that game, like, they have talent there. Now, you got to get an offensive line, all that stuff. We know that. But but the quarterback is the key. You have two running backs. I just kept thinking of the Ravens under Lamar when, when he came up. And Fields should be a better passer than Lamar. No, oh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. He's got the deep ball down, that's for sure. Or at least seems to have that as part of the game. Well, I got to tell you, Dan Aguirre, it doesn't it sound weird listening to these guys at the end of the season after another losing season? It's like, you know, on Sunday night, Monday morning, they're talking about, you know, the new coach. Well, of course, everybody was thinking that there was going to be an announcement that Nagy was fired on Tuesday. So that, that was, that's why there was a lot of that talk. But it sounded kind of strange to me how there was very little talk about the game and much more talk about Nagy's future and, and Ryan Pace's to a degree. I, I do have to ask a question about uh, sure. the audio there. Mm-hmm. Well, if audio for me, I guess it was video for everyone else. Who was the guy that was suggesting wearing the Aaron Rodgers jersey? I believe that was Connor McKnight over at WSCR. And I, I had that in my notes here because I knew you were going to not only bash that idea, but also probably put a contract on the announcer who said that. <laughs> yeah, I really didn't like that at all. And who, who was the guy? What was the guy's name? It was with the network uh, uh, that liked the Brett Favre, had a Brett Favre jersey. Oh, um, I was a fat, fat Mike. Yeah. Fat Mike. Right. Right. With the bar. Yeah. Network. That's right. I always <laughs> felt weird calling him fat Mike. Cause I don't want to be called fat Dan. You know and it's like? <laughs> well, I don't want to be called fat Aldo, but the reality <laughs> is I am nowadays. Um, but you're absolutely right. Uh, and you know what? I, I agree with everyone that criticized fat Mike for owning that Brett Favre Jersey. Totally, totally get it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a Jim McMahon, Chargers jersey or McMahon Eagles or something. They're certainly not a McMahon Packers jersey. 
Yeah, but but I'm not against uh, owning jerseys and caps from other teams. Now, I would never own a Green Bay Packers uh, jersey or or cap or anything um, because of, you know, the rivalry. But I've got a. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even like. I know a guy. Yo, know, he's been on here, Sylvester. Yeah. Remember, yeah, Sylvester lost a bet for the the NFC Championship game. Uh, again, you ha- you saw that he happens to be black. So mm-hmm. uh, when there was a '94 title game, and he was like so sure that Dallas would beat San Francisco that day and beat him again. Anyway, I forget what he put up, but they lost. So, so Sylvester had to wear cowboy boots. And a 49ers shirt or whatever to school the next day. He had to wear he had to wear cowboy boots. <laughs> and I would never risk, oh, well, the law says you have to wear a Rogers jersey. I'm never gonna make that bet. Never. Yeah. Because I'm never going to wear a Rogers jersey. I'm not. And I if for some reason he ends up in like here at 42, the way Favre tried to go, ended up in Minnesota. I'm telling you right now, I will not buy an Aaron Rodgers Bears jersey. But let me ask you this. If you were told, listen, you want to save the life of one of your pets, you're going to have to wear this uh, uh, jersey to the game tonight. Would you do it? Uh, well, I mean, in a, <laughs> if, in a world like where I'm saving my mom's life or something. No, no, one of your pets. One of your pets. I would but, never bring up your but, mom well, in a situation. Well, yeah, 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 I know. But <laughs> even the pets. But, I mean, who could actually tell me that, though? It's it's not a film. No. So, in reality, there's no way to make that steak. <laughs> if I'm in a movie and that steak is viable, then, yeah, I would do it. But considering it's reality, you know, again, that's there's no reason for where to, to even – contemplate that I agree. uh yeah i i just i i wouldn't wear a jersey even if you're mad at jordan george mccaskey and we've been losing for so many years like fuck that like rogers is still the guy that like not only does he take your lunch money and he fucks the girl that you want to fuck well maybe not <laughs> he's he wants to fuck the boy that you want to hang with <laughs> yeah. but he wants to fuck your best friend <laughs> yeah yeah either way He's the guy that does this and then and then throws it in your fucking face. I mean, imagine for a minute. I know everyone listening is a, a Bulls fan. But imagine if you liked any other team in that era other than the Bulls. Imagine if you were a Utah fan, for example, and you think, man, Jordan makes that fucking shot after throwing Russell to the floor, which should have been a foul. That's my opinion. And then he leaves his hand up in the air. Like that arrogant motherfucker yeah. gets gets away with it and, and taunts us. You know that's the way Rogers does us. Mm-hmm. So f- to wear something of Rogers, there is no way. That reminds. And, and, and for them to suggest that we all secretly like him or something is preposterous. Right. That reminds like, me. What was that guy talking about? Like, yeah. is he stoned? <laughs> I know I'm stoned <laughs> right now. Fuck. I, Even I, if I were drunk, stoned, whatever. <laughs> There is no way I would agree with that guy's premise in any scenario. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Well, I, I, I do have to say this. Now, you have used the words, I hate Aaron Rodgers. Those are your words. I hate yes. him. You hate him. I right? don't even want to watch him play. See, I, I, See, I, I say that. I, I'm, 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 I, go ahead. Please finish your thought, and then I'll, 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 I want to do a little monologue on Aaron Rodgers. Go ahead. I feel the same way about Brady, too. Mm-hmm. I've seen them so much. And I've we've lost too much to Rodgers that other than the games where he plays the Bears and I have to watch, mm-hmm. I don't want to watch him. 
even if they're losing to team a b whomever i don't even want to watch him play that's how much i hate him even in a loss like if he's going to lose another playoff game this year which he's going to mm -hmm. oh every every year we got here about rogers or the cowboys going to the super bowl that's mm -hmm. what either dallas or green bay it's every year you know we have to hear it he'll find a way to lose in the playoffs again and i don't even want to fucking watch him lose again i just i hate him so much i don't even want to watch him play okay I get what you're saying. Your your fandom, your your the, your love for the Chicago Bears is a bit different than mine. I love the Bears. You know, I fucking watch them when they're losing forty to nothing, and I'll stay to the fucking clock hits four zeros. I um I, I think about them virtually every fucking day of my life. So I love the Chicago Bears, but that doesn't stop me from really respecting the play of other football players in the national football league, even if they play for the hated Packers. And when I watch Aaron Rodgers play, there's a, a sense of envy and jealousy because this guy really is a fucking master quarterback with his mechanics. His footwork is like Michael Jackson doing moonwalk, great dancing, you know, Fred Astaire dancing. Think about the greatest dancers, Bershnikov. That's Rogers' footwork in the pocket and getting out of trouble. This guy's not fast, but he fucking creates time. And so he can play with a good offensive line, a bad offensive line, any line in between. And the guy is so fucking accurate with his passes. How could you not appreciate that? I reluctantly started saying, all right, Tom Brady's the greatest fucking quarterback of all time. How can I not say that now after he's proven? Now, Rodgers hasn't won the championships, but I, I believe that's more. He had he had in Mike McCarthy a, a sort of a Matt Nagy-type fucking coach. Mike McCarthy was good, and then when people caught up with his offense, he never fucking changed. And that's why even with the Cowboys, and the fucking Cowboys are loaded with talent. They should be blowing people away. But I think it's Mike McCarthy, if anything, that's holding that team. So anyway, I'm pontificating. Uh, uh, and really what I want to say is that I just have a lot of admiration for Aaron Rodgers. Now, if he, he was the victim of a bunch of Bears fans being the shit out of him, I wouldn't tell him those fans. <laughs> I I just I can't agree with you on this one. I, I I can't. I I he's beaten us so many times. Yeah, the guy's good. I'm never gonna lie to you and say that he's like overrated. He's uh, he gets a pass for being a underachiever. I do believe he's an he's like I joked with you before. He's like Reggie Jackson. He's Mister October. Mm -hmm. He's Mister Regular Season. Great, great, great. He's got these great stats, but what's he going to do with in the playoffs? You could put Aaron Rodgers on the 85 Bears, and he'd find a way to fucking lose. He'd blame it on somebody else, of course. Oh, it's Mike McCarthy's fault. Oh, it's uh, it's uh, Eddie Lacy's fault because he's too fat. You know, it's no, it's always somebody else. Never it's Greg Jennings' things. fault. It's someone else's fault. He always. never said those things. Now, I will agree with you that he's not a good leader. He's not a good leader. There have been plenty of players who have left the Green Bay Packers and have criticize Aaron Rodgers because he's to himself because he's he thinks he's the smartest man in the room he supposedly has like a IQ of 161 or some shit like that 
and and so he he does he's not a he doesn't conform with all he doesn't try to fit he called in. science propaganda today too by the way no <laughs> he's not that smart <laughs> yeah he said that on, not even joe rogan but on pat mcafee mm. it's on his podcast i saw the headline earlier on google really what the fuck yeah i just man fuck this guy i don't i don't have to like the guy that beats me up i just i don't I, I just don't, I don't understand like the, I'm supposed to like suck his dick because like, oh, he's good. I, I just don't see it. I mean, like, again, if, did you feel this way about, you know, I don't, fuck, I'm trying to think at some point in our lives when the, we were losing to someone else. I don't know. The Vikings were always really good in the fucking seventies. Yeah. Were you, were you like sucking Fran's dick too? Like, Oh my God, Fran's so good. We're so bad. I got to admit, it's funny in the chat room, a lot of people are saying, my, I was acting really gay towards Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Yeah. That's bare truth. No, I'm in a a metaphor. No, I know. I know. I know. I know. We're just fucking around here. But yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, when I was a kid and when when the I started watching Francis Asbury Tarkenton highlights and the f- way that motherfucker would run around the backfield and fucking defensive linemen in the middle of the play, I, 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 who have been running around for six, seven seconds, have their hands on their knees and they've just stopped chasing him because he's still running around trying to find an open receiver. I was fucking holy shit. How come we don't have a quarterback like that? We had Bobby Douglas who would run around, and then when he threw the ball, it landed 10 rows up <laughs> in the in the end zone. Or if he kept it in the field, he threw it so fucking fast that the, he would break the, the metacarpals of uh, the wide receivers. So it was it was basically envy, you know. Fran Tarkenton was was a badass. Bart Starr was a badass. I never felt that way though about Brett Favre. Brett Favre, for some reason, he just always struck me as as an asshole. But even worse than Aaron Rodgers strikes me as an asshole. I don't know what it is about Brett Favre. I don't know. But I don't anyway. like either guy. But and I, I I was so happy when Favre finally retired and was done and it was his last game was against us and Jay beating him and winning the division championship on Monday night football in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, God, what was the guy's name that had the, the, the sack that knocked him out? And he was only with the bears like two or three years. Uh, Wooten. Yeah. Corey Wooten. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Great moment. Uh, Lovey winning the division title scoring like 40 that night. Uh, yeah. I was so glad to be done with Favre, but, uh, my hate for Rodgers has probably exceeded Favre. Mm. And I would have never thought that to be possible. Because, you know, Favre, I mean, just every year it's just like, oh, we're down here in Kill, Mississippi to find out if Brett's going to play this year. It's like, he, you know, he reveled in all that fucking tension. <laughs> and I just, God, I got so tired of that shit. But I don't even want to watch Rodgers play. It's the same shit. Well, you're going to probably see him in the Super Bowl. If not, definitely oh, the, the God. conference He's championship. He's going to lose in the playoffs like he always does. But every game is the same. Hey, man, hey, like- hey, hey, recite that stat that you you sent me in at the text. Uh, you know, Dan and I sometimes talk about Aaron Rodgers in our text, which shows you the level of uh, weirdness that we have about this topic. What was the stat you said about uh, Rodgers and uh, NFC conference games? He's got like a losing record or he averages under 200 yards or 250 yards for passing. He just has not had a lot of great uh, conference championship games. I know he's had a couple of good ones, um, but do you recall that, Dan? 
I don't recall it exactly. I remember the text. I don't know what it is. Uh, I, whatever the statistics were, I didn't know them. I was just getting them from, you know, from the internet. Okay. Uh, his exact stats. Mm -hmm. He hasn't done well in the clutch. And like I've told you, I, I say this out of pure bitterness, but I believe it to be true. There's no way to ever prove it. But I think if Cutler doesn't hurt his knee in the championship game, then Rodgers is going to be the guy that's never even made it to the Super Bowl. I firmly believe that, and I'll, I'll go to my grave believing that. And, but, but I can say that I believe, and I could be wrong, mm -hmm. I think Rodgers, at the end of the day, whenever his fucking day finally is over in the NFL, he's going to have one Super Bowl ring. And good. I wish we had that ring. Yeah, I, but, I'm, not, I'm not rooting for him to win another championship. So no, no, but, <laughs> but I know what like you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Everyone acts like he's 112, and he won one when I was fucking 30. He won a Super Bowl and I was 30. I'm 41. You're 41? That's yeah, that's how long ago it's been since this fucking guy won a Super Bowl. And everyone just like throws rose petals at his feet like it's coming to America. And he's James Earl Jones. <laughs> I love it. All yeah. right. Hey, all right. Getting back to that media thing, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. First of all, started with OB and Hampton. I mean, it was it was kind of cute <laughs> of how happy they were at the end of the game. They were praising Foles, you know, a great game and all this stuff. And then as as they started talking, and all of a sudden it kind of dawns on them, yeah, we were both playing against Seattle. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden they came back to reality. Uh, but I was I was surprised when I tuned into the highlight and. You know, it starts it off. I, I cut out the part where Mark Carmen was like singing the Bears fight song. It's so fucking. Yeah, he happy. was doing that facetiously, like always, though. Okay, so but, but he always—it's like every time anyone tries to enjoy the Bears winning, he always is sarcastic like that. I think that's his shtick, where it's like you're not supposed to enjoy the Bears win because you know they they suck. And it, I just don't agree with that approach, but it, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I was just uh, remarking at how happy they were, and then all of a sudden reality <laughs> jumped in. And then did you hear Hub Arkish talking to Layla Rahimi, and didn't he sound like he was, like, like criticizing her? Oh, fuck, I just broke my pen. Anyway, Yeah, I, I feel like. Did you get that uh, vibe? Hub, it's like he reminds me so much of Matt Nagy. Every time I listen to him, I'm like, God oh, damn, I wish he'd shut up, you know? Um, and again, I respect him for what his legacy working on the Bears games and stuff, but mm -hmm. usually his opinion is just like so antithetical to everything I that I believe anyway. Mm -hmm. It's like he's like last season, he doesn't do the post games anymore, uh, thankfully. Not that I'm a huge fan of Molly either, and I don't like Patrick Manley at all, but. Uh, Whenever it would be he and uh, and Manley, he was always defending Nagy, like constantly defending Nagy. I think he, I mean, even uh, in the last few weeks, he's still been defending him, and not so much about his coaching record, but defending him like uh, the guy's a good guy, you know, lay off of him kind of stuff, you know. Let's not all pound on him, you know, and and and. I don't know. I, I, and then he, he sort of sounds condescending towards Layla. And then when he's talking with uh, Dan Pompey and he clearly, clearly disagrees with Pompey on, on his point on the, the quarterback situation, 
he very respectfully says, you know, yeah, you know, I understand. I agree with a lot what you're saying. But he, he takes a, a completely different approach where he's telling Layla, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that uh, my, my, a lot of people don't understand what was going on at right tackle. I mean, how can you, t- you're talking down to a, a fellow, a peer person in the industry, but maybe I re- I'm reading too much into that. I didn't, uh, to be fair, I didn't take it that way at the time, but it's an arguable point as you point, as you illustrate it to me, I'm like, damn, you're right. Uh, it's, it's even if he didn't consciously do it, like, I'm not saying that he, you know, he, he set out to make Layla look bad or something. Mm-hmm. It just maybe is natural. I, I don't know. Maybe I, it's I natural just, bias I, to I, look at her and say, oh, she's a lady. What's the fuck does she know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> There's been a couple of shows where he's been on that show and he sounded like there that Layla asked a question that he just thought was stupid. And in one instance, I had to kind of agree. I, I was like, what, what the fuck is she asking that question? But it, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to read too much into it. I respect both of them. and uh, But I just wanted to point that out. A- another thing on the highlights there is um, Olin Krutz saying that it's harder to find a Hall of Fame quality head coach or a winning head coach, somebody who's going to come in and take control of everything from the nutrition to the kitchen to weight room stuff, everything, that it's harder to find that person, that head coach, than it is to find a competent quarterback. I'm paraphrasing a bit there. Do you agree with that? I don't know. I I, I definitely don't want Olin to beat me up. (laughs) <laughs> by disagreeing with him. But uh, no, I, I don't know if that's true. Maybe it is under the context of the Chicago Bears banner. But I look at a guy like that little boy they have in Green Bay, and I honestly believe that he would be awful without Rodgers. Mm-hmm. But he looks like he's some great fucking coach now. Mm-hmm. I, I just I think context and stuff matters. And everyone is always sucking Bruce Arians' dick, too. And I saw him Sunday like, you know, saying like, oh, this first banner, we, there's two more. This one doesn't matter, you know, and all that. This is Little League shit or whatever. It's like, dude, where would you be without, without Tom Brady? Yeah. Absolutely. Where were you? You were leaving Arizona where you're a bad broadcaster for CBS until Tom Brady arrived. So mm-hmm. I know everyone pawned for him. And like, how can we leave, let him leave the building, man? That dude was nobody before uh, that Tom Brady was there. He would have never won a ring without Brady. So. But anyway, going back to your point, I still think that a lot of it depends on uh, who you hire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of teams just, it doesn't matter. They always make the right hire. Mm-hmm. It just seems like over and over and over, whoever they get, they end up getting the right guy. And the of the lesser ends like us always make the wrong move. Yeah, that's uh, true. And then um, – Wanstat goes on to talk about the importance that he feels of hiring. I agreed with Wani so much. Right? Wasn't that a great point? Yeah, he was clearly, you know, doing the comparison. Wani's such a good guy on air and doesn't want to, like, ever make it seem like he's like, oh, I could do the job better. He never wants to, you know, he goes out of his way to not make it seem like he's, you know, oh, I, I should be coaching again or something like that. He never wants to make it about him. Uh, so he wouldn't want to make anything personal, but his dichotomy or juxtaposition uh, was about Nagy. You know, like well, Nagy had what six games as OC. He's like, but under most situations like that, the people you bring in, you don't know what they're how they're going to react in 
in tough situations, you have to let them go through the ringer a little bit first and in comparison with like someone like Nagy. Right. Like I, I remember when I worked in corporate America and I was trained on how to interview prospective employees, they would tell you, ask questions where you at, where you ask the, the, the job uh, applicant, uh, tell me what you would do under this situation. You know, an employee punches somebody in the face. How would you handle it? Whatever. And so that way you would get an idea of how they would handle stressful situations or, or, or whatever. And so that's the same thing that wants that is saying about a head coach, not necessarily verbally answer the question. What would you do on fourth and one on a situation where the blah, 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 but you want to see it on tape. You want that person to, to say, you want to ask the question to a prospective head coach. Um, what happened on this particular play? It was third down and four. You guys decided to run a sweep. Why did you make that decision as opposed to throwing it down the middle when the tight end was open the, the entire game? Stuff like that, you know? You want to really dig deep into these specifics. Uh, PJ says, we need a head coach who has had sustained success as a coordinator or head coach before. No one-year wonders. Someone who had, had has had continued success. That will translate to winning here because it's he's done it before. And that is so true. When you look back at Matt Nagy, he had six games, six fucking games of calling plays. He had very little experience in talking you know, to, to a big room of players because he was the quarterback coach. And what he was an offensive coordinator for a year, but he had Andy Reid basically doing that most of the responsibilities of that job. Please go ahead. I was just going to say, other than John Fox, we've never hired anybody that had a resume prior to, you know, Ditka had success with Dallas all those years, but he was just a special teams coach. I don't mean to minimize that, but no, it's not like he was Tom Landry that we're bringing in. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, after Ditka, Wani's, uh, you know, had success under Jimmy Johnson, but never been a head coach in the league. So you don't know what he's going to do. Mm -hmm. Dick Duran, just a coordinator who ended up, you know, taking the job because after the McGinnis thing, like, let's say, who really wants to take the job now? Okay, we'll settle for Dick Duran. Uh, uh, Lovey, uh, you know, had success as the, the Rams defensive coordinator, but he hadn't been a head coach yet. Mm -hmm. Mark Tressman, Matt Nagy. I mean, and like I said, the only one that had a resume prior to being here was Fox. That's true. But you're hoping that we have somebody like that, not like Fox per se, but I agree with the, uh, was you say it was PJ? Um, I want somebody that you can trust. I know Mike Tomlin's not going to be available, but somebody like that where you just feel like you're in good hands now. If Mike Tomlin was fired tomorrow i would I, I would let him become the gm i would give him the fucking keys of the car really absolutely if mike tomlin got fired i'd let him be the fucking general manager and the coach bring him on in right now <laughs> I, I just put up a question by uh push a t earlier in the show that dan who do you want the bears to hire next at head coach and clearly mike tomlin is your guy huh if mike tomlin were available i would jump all over that but i don't think he's going to be uh, would it and, be would it be something like, um, hey, Mike, how much do you want? Come on over and then hang up the phone and immediately pick up Matt uh, the phone to Matt Nagy and say, hey, get the fuck out of here. Somebody's going to be occupying your office in about two hours. <laughs> would it be like uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I guess, you know, they're going to go through some change with 
Roth Roethlisberger presumably is going to retire. Mm -hmm. And of course, the rumors are Rodgers could end up in Pittsburgh or Denver. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a chance maybe he says he wants a clean break. You know, like uh, he's been there since 07. Mm -hmm. Maybe he wants, I doubt it. Mm -hmm. I think he'll stay. He seems like a guy that just likes the image of the Steelers and the consistency. So I don't expect him to be available. But if he were, I, I wouldn't be opposed to him being the GM too. Uh, now, Todd Bowles, I don't know if I would give him the GM slot, but Todd has earned another chance to be a coach. Plus, uh, given the, the the defense on Mahomes in the Super Bowl, man, like, yeah, I would love to have him as the coach to bring that physicality to us and uh, just bring us a, a different, you know, offense and get rid of the fucking Kansas City shit. But, uh, yeah, yeah, so I wouldn't offer Bowles the GM spot, but I would, I would lovely, lovely. I would uh, lovingly accept him as the uh, as the head coach. You um, are my Tom. I got to tell you that uh, for the last few weeks, uh, Greg Gabriel has been has Todd Bowles on his very short list of of candidates for the Chicago Bears head coaching job, the presumed head coaching opening. Um, and then uh, on on Monday's show, he spoke for about 10, 15 minutes about Pep Hamilton. No. <laughs> Why? He's already been here once. That's right. What well, that doesn't mean anything. People grow and get better at their jobs. I, I don't want him. I don't want Pep Hamilton. Well, <laughs> anyway, it, it, listen to uh, Greg Gabriel. It's Monday's show, and he goes on for several minutes. Yesterday's show, he goes on for several minutes about Pep Hamilton. I should have isolated that, um, but he's he's he thinks he and Todd Bowles would be an outstanding combination as. as oh, I thought you meant Pep as the head coach. No, no, no. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh okay. Uh, See, I thought Pep you were trying to say he was saying the head. Coach. No, like, no, no, Bose, Bose for head coach and, and Pep Hamilton as offensive coordinator. Oh, well, maybe, maybe that, but I definitely don't want him as head coach. Mm -hmm. I got another uh, thing here that before we get away, I want to make sure I mention to you. Um, the fact this is that a Dan and Aldo show on Friday night would be dope. He would be picking up a six pack. No, you wouldn't factor. You'd be picking up dope. Is what you're... <laughs> well, just as long as it's not during high school football season, because I'm, I'm stuck on Friday nights doing that. Could you do but, a show on Friday nights? Um, Yeah, now I could that the season's over unless one of these fucking basketball games affected me the way like next Tuesday could. The reason we're starting late tonight because I had a fucking basketball game mm -hmm. to deal with. But in uh, basketball, so bad on the radio too. It's, I mean, I get really? the NBA or, yeah. And our announcer, he's so solid. Our guy. Um, no, basketball it, is a great sport for radio. Uh, for the NBA, but not for high school. Why not high school? I, I don't know because I don't listen to high school basketball on the radio. So I'm asking exactly you because who does? <laughs> who wants to listen to? Well, uh, unless, unless your kid is playing, right. nobody else is listening. But don't you think it, it doesn't the community of, of of supporters for that high school? Let's say there's two thousand kids that go to high school. Don't you then have two thousand listeners? Honestly, the reason we do it it's to placate them so that they'll let us keep their football team because their football team makes money for us. Oh. Period. Their football team makes money, and to keep them under our banner, we, oh, by the way, we'll put your basketball team on too. Oh, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> so, but yeah, Friday night. Uh, yeah, we should, let's talk about it off air, but I, I, I'd like to entertain that because um, that way I could just, you know, party hardy until Saturday morning with you. Um, well, and, I would still have to leave at 1130 East, though. Uh, I still go to my other job. Uh, but 
Uh, but still, yeah, the idea of that's good. But l- let me throw another name at you real Please quick, do. going back to the uh, – I think it's Hampton. Yeah, Dan Hampton's always throwing the name of um, Greg Roman. Yeah, I don't know about Greg Roman. Well, he points out that he's the one who constructed Baltimore's new offense uh, to fit Lamar Jackson's skill set. Plus, he worked with Kaepernick before that when yeah. they went to the Super Bowl with under Harbaugh. He's saying so he's had two quarterbacks now where, you know, he's had to build an offense around their skill set. So he's saying that he could do that for Justin Fields as well. I don't know, man. Bear Truth 9 says no, so I'm assuming he's saying no to your idea. Well, it's I, not my idea. It's Dan Hampton's idea. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, it, it certainly is intriguing. I mean, the successes that he's had. Um, but um, I, I don't know. I, I'll have to do some more research on that, so I don't want to comment on it. But he's he, he should be in the list of people to talk about because his name has been thrown about there, not only by Dan Hampton, but a number of other people. So we'll, well, here goes you another one. Okay. Uh and he was asked if he's get, if he deserves another year next year, and he just said absolutely or yes, a one-word answer. But I could still see Vic Fangio being fired in Denver. And uh, Zimmerman sarcastically said, and I understand why he was being sarcastic, that's who the Bears will hire, you know, right there, just thinking they're righting all these other wrongs and just bring Vic back, and it would be a bad hire. Obviously, Zimmerman was thinking, what do you think about Vic Fangio if he were available. It's funny. I, I know you don't have access to TV, so you haven't seen this, but uh, we just had uh, PZ says that he's in Denver, and, and and he's always been a Vic Fangio fan. But in Denver, he's been a train wreck over there. They are 7-7-1 seven and se- they are seven, seven and one right now, and he is publicly making a case for him to be retained as head coach that I read uh, today. So the honeymoon with Fick Fangio is over. Now I, I have not followed them closely at all. So I'm no expert, but I got to believe that if you're going to blame anyone, because that defense has been playing pretty well uh, uh, for that, for the Broncos, if you're going to blame anyone for the lack of playoff appearances in the Vic Fangio era, I think you got to start with John Elway. He's he's the the quarterback guru. He should have been, he should have had a qualified game winning playoff caliber quarterback on this roster. He missed with Drew Luck, and Teddy Bridgewater is is really uh, Nick Foles. That's what he is. Um, he, he's no longer a starter in this league. So um, I don't know. I I, I I he also drafted Paxton Lynch. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, for whatever reason, and I love Delway as a player. For whatever reason, he's missed on several. They, I mean, to give him credit, the first thing he did when he came in was like, I've got to get rid of this fucking Tebow guy. He's got to go. <laughs> that was a smart move. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I, I still thought that at the time, Osweiler looked good there. And uh, big body, big arm, you know, 6'6". Six, six, uh-huh. But you just thought, uh, for whatever reason, he left and took the money with Houston. And I think had he's, you know, sometimes quarterbacks need to be in a certain system. Remember, uh, Case Keenum had all that success in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. But again, he left, though. Mm -hmm. I think in a lot of, like Nick Foles in Philadelphia, sometimes you have to maybe even take less money because you know the situation is more conducive to your success or your sustained success. Mm -hmm. 
So would you want to run to Jacksonville for a couple extra million dollars, Nick Foles, or would you want to stay here? No, I guess to Foles' response to that is he and Carson Wentz didn't get along. They want him to start. I should be starting somewhere. I get that. Mm -hmm. But in theory, sometimes you have to stay with the system is what I'm saying. And uh, I think that in Denver, Osweiler could have been okay. Uh, But for the most part, Elway has been a, a, a disappointment because without Peyton Manning, you know, what What has Denver done in Elway's tenure? And totally. I hate Peyton Manning, but I'm just being, you know, got to be objective. You hate... <laughs> I'm laughing because you hate Aaron Rodgers. You hate Peyton Manning. You hate Tom Brady. You hate all the great quarterbacks. Yeah, because I'm just, it's the same shit. It's like seeing the same movie every time they play. And Manning, like, do we have to really go through the... You know, all the reports of the shit with he and his wife getting the HGH and oh, all that's that right. stuff. I forgot about that. Yeah, and they get nothing happens to him. But if like it's just like the Brady thing or no, the Rogers thing right now, Antonio Brown gets suspended for lying about COVID. Rogers does it, it's no big fucking deal. Yeah. I'm so sick of shit like that where the, the players even Brady got suspended with New England for lying about the fucking football and inflating the footballs, mm-hmm. which was a, culmin- a culmination of all the other stuff, though, which is the reason Goodell suspended him. But having said that, when you watch the games, it's the same thing. You got Rodgers, you can't hit him. They invent new rules every time he gets hit, like to preclude someone from hitting him. It's the quick Green Bay slant. Oh, it's incomplete this time, but guess what? There's pass interference or there's roughing the passer. Mm -hmm. You know, and they get every call handed to them and it's disgusting. I don't want to watch it. It's the same shit. Like the rules, they, they, they placate to this guy and they, they want him to win so badly. He has the refs on his side in every fucking game and he still finds a way to lose. Well said, man. <laughs> You'd be a good lawyer, by the way. Did you know that? Anybody ever tell I, you that? I yeah, I took uh, you know, uh, I, I had an A in uh, constitutional law in, really? in college. Oh, wow. yeah, we had to we had to take law classes. Uh, actually, the the guy that took it he he's dead now. His name or the professor Berger. Mm-hmm. This. Warren Berger? I don't, I, I don't know if he's uh, no, not that one. But I don't know if he lied to me about this or not. But I, I'll tell you what. What I was going to say and what he always said. He told me I was wasting myself by going into broadcasting. That I should be an attorney. He said that. But the thing I was going to say. I don't know if this is true, but it made for a good story. Mm-hmm. He claimed, in which one was the weather really bad for Nixon's inauguration? I don't remember if it's '69 or '72. Whatever he claims that he he said Spiro Agnew was riding a horse uh, the day of the inauguration and he hit Spiro Agnew with the snowball and went to jail. <laughs> That's what he claimed. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, he told me that story. He said he, hit, he threw one, either hit Spiro or Spiro's horse. Michael Diaz says, you made a wise choice, Dan. <laughs> we we love your broadcasting. But I do, I first of all, when you mentioned that about you being a lawyer, I, I just, I, I automatically thought about a weekly TV series with Dan Aguirre, lawyer, and I'm, 
seeing these scenes where all of the cases you're making, all of the final arguments, you're bringing up the Chicago Bears. Like, for instance, <laughs> <laughs> in 1989, blah, 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 blah. Um, this reminds me of that play with Don Mikowski. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> running across the line of scrimmage. There you and go. And gave him a victory on instant replay. <laughs> there you go. That's, that would be a brilliant. we got to sell that to uh, to Universal TV. All right, here's what I want to do, Mr. Dan Aguirre. I want to bring in Johnny Santucci here, um, and he's got an update here on Matt Nagy's mortality <laughs> because it doesn't look like the guy's going to be around much based on some photographic evidence that John has. And then get his thoughts also on the Chicago Bears and then move on to uh, an open discussion about, about – uh, uh, our man John Madden, because I've got, got movies to talk about yeah, as well. I've got be some movies. Before you bring to it, let me let me be wrong. Like acknowledge Please. my being wrong. Please, I said last week that we should cut Bird because mm -hmm. he had the fumble on the punt return and yeah. dropped a pass as well. I was like, this dude should be gone. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I, I you know look look at me, I'm the fucking idiot. And uh, Cole Commit had a solid game against Seattle, so I want to point out that I, I've been a harsh critic of Mr. Commit, and mm -hmm. uh, he he played well yesterday or. Two days ago. Well, and I got to say this. Uh, we There's been a de big debate in the chat room. Somebody named uh, 3Z's World. And I'm not sure if this is Don Burr uh, with one of his uh, ghost accounts because he's admitted that he has ghosts. But the the, the uh, attitude to, uh, from 3Z World against uh, Justin Fields feels like he's, he's a different guy. I, I don't think it's Don Burr. It's somebody new who is not a huge fan of Justin Fields. And I got to just say, you know, that you're you're missing the boat on on Justin Fields. We're we're all I think every reasonable level-headed Chicago Bears fan still has questions about Justin Fields. We've seen the tape at Ohio State. We've seen some instances here in Chicago where he has looked great. We know from history that great quarterbacks like Peyton Manning and other future Hall of Fame quarterbacks have had rocky rookie seasons. So applying the positives that we've seen about Justin Fields and understanding the history of what's gone on in the National Football League with the development of quarterbacks, that sometimes it takes a quarterback a little longer than others, leads me to believe that I'm not worried about Justin Fields. I think he's going to be fine. I'm still convinced. I thought about it at the beginning of the season. I thought about it in the middle of the season. And just because he's had some mishaps along the way, I'm not changing my mind yet. I, I, I'm sticking to my guns. It's not bias. It's not bias. It's just based on knowledge and reason and logic in my mind. So I, you, you don't think I agree with that gentleman, do you? No, no, no. I, oh, I, was, I thought you were bringing him up because you thought I was anti-fields. I'm like, no, no. No, I know you're not. I know <laughs> okay, you're not. Okay, okay, okay. I uh, I actually <laughs> I got, I had a brain spasm there. I'm not actually sure why I brought that up. I saw his yeah, name. Yeah, <laughs> it has to be with Komet because I was talking about Cole Komet first. And I was saying okay. I was anti-Komet. So let me, and I was let me acknowledging add, that he played well. He's 22 years old, Dan, right? So do you make any accommodation for the fact that even though this is towards now the end of his second season, do you make any accommodation for the fact that Cole Komet is just a puppy when it comes to National Football League Titans? He's 22. Well, you could have said that about Adam Shaheen as well. Yeah, but that's different. He, You know, um, 
Cole Komet played at Notre Dame. Big stages. I think that's Adam why Shaheed everybody likes him, though, play, with the played Bears. Him, oh, he's Notre Dame. we got to Sha- bring him in. Adam Shaheed played at the, the schoolyard down the block from me. That's what he did. Well, if, if, if uh, Cole Komet was just at take whatever school, uh, you know, fuck Texas Tech, mm-hmm. would you have this admiration or adoration for him? Um, or is it because he's a fighting Irish alumni? No, it, it, it really isn't. It really isn't. I, I, I thought that they overdrafted Kokomet. I thought to pick him with that first pick of the second, they had two picks in the, in the second round with the first pick. I think it was number 46. I thought it was too early. I thought that he could have probably been available in the third round. And that draft was super loaded with tight ends, super loaded. So I, you know, in my mind, if, if if you had Cole Komet number one on your board, number three or number four wouldn't have been as bad. You know, I, I can name names for you, but I won't go there. I I just believe in what I see. I think that the guy he he, he frustrates the fuck out of me when he drops that you know five yard pass. It's right there, dude. Catch the fucking ball. But, I know Mooney's been dropping a lot of balls too. Yeah, man. I know statistically the, we he, talked about it. Maybe not a lot of passes that, because. Uh, he's had people on him, but man, how kid last year, he didn't drop anything mm-hmm. this season. I mean, I, he could still get a thousand yards and it's going to look statistically like he had a good year. But if I'm telling myself like Mooney is our number one next year and he plays like this season's Mooney, that worries me. Mm-hmm. Michael Diaz asks, what's the average time for a tight end to develop? And I think that the answer is three years. And I'll tell you why. You, the tight end has all the responsibilities of an offensive lineman, all of the responsibilities, blocking, speedy defensive ends, people out on the edge, containing the edge. In addition to that, a lot of them are now being asked to work out of the backfield and to take some you back type responsibilities. And then there's the entire route tree they have to learn, which a lot of these tight ends have not utilized, not even half of the route tree at the school in which they played. That's why it takes most tight ends three years. Look at the kid from uh, Atlanta who was uh, everybody was heralding. He was the top four pick in the draft. Um, Tooch, help me out here. What's his name? Um, Tooch, there's Tooch. Look at that. Woke him up, man. Tooch, who's the, who's the uh, uh, tight end at uh, Atlanta Falcons drafted with the fourth overall pick? Kyle you know? Pitts. Kyle Pitts. Thank you yeah. very much. This guy was supposed to come into the league and be the next coming of, you know, of Mike Ditka tight end, but it's t- going to take him a while to put up the type of numbers that we know he will put up. So with Cole Komet, I think he's on track to be a a, a, a better than Kyle Rudolph type of tight end. And I don't think I, that's I bad. don't know. Rudolph was really good for a while in Minnesota. I'm not saying he wasn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that was a compliment. Well, I, I certainly hope <laughs> you're right. I, you know, I told you, like, he had a good game last week, and I was acknowledging – that I want him to be. Uh, I want him to be the answer. Mm-hmm. I hope you're right. I just I feel like you're not, <laughs> but I hope that you are. <laughs> I really do hope that you are because you know that means it's another player we don't have to worry about. And that's that's what I'm so afraid of. Anyways, let's welcome in uh, John Santucci, the Tooch. Tooch, uh, tell people uh, what is it that you first offer on Twitter at John Santucci VIP. I want to give you a chance here. Oh. To yeah, free pick every every day. Free uh, sports wagering pick. Uh, today I had the over in the Baylor versus Northwestern State basketball game. Did you win? Yeah, that was a winner. 
I like that. I like that. Um, you got it. A winner for me tonight. I've lost 15 straight bets on, on DraftKings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, having a pool of 1500 one I gave out last week uh, was a winner, the uh, Packers-Colts six-point six teaser that cashed. Ah. The one I gave out last uh, Tuesday. Well, I'll be looking for another one towards the end of the show. Yeah. We'll tease it that way. Tucci's going to have a winner for us a little later. We're going to go uh, longer than normal uh, because we started late and because uh, Mr. Aguirre doesn't have to go to work. I'm not sure how long you can be with us, Tooch, but uh, we'll try to keep you awake as long as possible. I, I'm on vacation until the 5th of January. I'm loving Woo, it. We got a party here. <laughs> my boss made me take all, all of my vacation days. You know, he was like, you know, you're going to, you know, you better take them. You're going to lose them. I was like, I thought I could roll over you, know, like, <laughs> you can only roll over one week so i rolled over a week and i'm off for the rest of the year good to hear a few, few days into there but uh are we ready for a little bear state of affairs absolutely now uh dan won't be able to see this because you're uh, you're, you're going to actually uh talk about matt nagy's mortality <laughs> that is a shame oh, here we go aldo <laughs> All right, Bears state of affairs. Man, the barkeeper said uh, they might not win another game this season, but they might have a two-game win streak coming up here. Two, Matt, a famous Matt Nagy two-game winning streak. Here we go. The Giants roll into town, man. <laughs> With Mike Glennon in a revenge game. Revenge and, and, and Mike Glennon, that sounds incongruous to me, although – <laughs> I agree with you, brother. <laughs> I was watching the Seahawks uh, Bears game. You know, I, I had the under, and I felt really great about it because they were playing in a blizzard. It was like only the third time that it snowed uh, during a Seahawks home game. You know, mm -hmm. and my oh, this is good to cash. You know, look at that. You know, two under teams barely, and, and it goes over, of course. So, <laughs> but I, I was watching Matt Nagy on the sidelines. He looked, he looked old to me, man. Like a vampire drained him. You know, so I, I put together a few slides. I've got uh, this first slide, although is Matt Nagy when he was hired by the Bears. Oh, look at the handsome young guy. He looks like he's 25 years old. Fresh-faced. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, this past Sunday when it, at the Seahawks game. Look at him, man. He's like Whoa. eyes sunken, faces thin. He's got, he's got no more, uh, uh, you know, uh, fat in his face anymore. Just all sunken. <laughs> So it's scary. Naturally, naturally, I put together what next year's photo would look like, Aldo. Oh, you did. There, there's Matt Nagy. <laughs> 2022. That does look like Matt Nagy in 2022. There's no doubt about it. Whether, whether he's working for the Bears or not. <laughs> yeah, this job can really age somebody. That's for sure, man. I, I tell you that it struck me, man. I was like looking at him on the sidelines, and he just—he looks so old. Although it's this <laughs> this season has taken a toll on him, you know. I and then you know, of course, news broke uh, recently that the Bears have not made a decision on Matt Nagy's future. That's so Bears, mm -hmm. you know. That's, well, but I don't so know bad. if it's true, John. I, 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 don't I either. But, I, I doubt that old thing. But please go ahead. But, but it's so Bears because we don't know it's true. <laughs> That's you right. Know? 
<laughs> we don't know whether we don't know whether they know what they're doing or or they don't know what they're doing. No, that's they, that's, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> right. They're probably thinking they're probably this is like some like Ivy League, you know, business school trick. Let's, mm-hmm. let's tell them. Let's tell them we haven't made a decision yet. Yeah. You know, then uh, let them go. Let them think what they want to think. Then you know we've got them fooled. But they don't have anybody fooled, although they, they Wait, really don't. They what, really. I mean, think about this. Let me ask you and Dan a question. If like, if 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 it's announced at the end of the season that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace will be back next year, we we're going to collaborate and we're going we're going to win. We're going to have a winning season. It was just a down year. Well, would you, how would you feel? I wouldn't want to watch next season. Go ahead, Dan. You answer first, because I, I I might get into a long monologue. <laughs> I, I, well, just think, like I told you, the Seahawks game, I didn't even watch on the same day of the game. That's how far down my fandom has been. And I, maybe it's wrong for me to say, or it just, I feel like it's Matt Nagy is taking my fandom away from me. So if we have to deal with him for a fifth season after losing eight out of nine at one point this year, and he had the six game losing streak last season and but the four game before that, like, fuck, man. Like, what does it take to get a guy fired? Yeah. Like, Ma- Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati should have been fired like 27 times before he got finally uh, relieved of duties. And that's the only time I can think of where a coach just over and over and over, you're like, really? He's back? Yeah, he bro. must be blackmailing the owner. What the fuck? You can always like, I would think that Marvin Lewis. Like, maybe he, he must know something on McCaskey. Hmm. No, I don't. It's not that. It's if he's back next season. If he's back next season, it is because they like him so much, like a son, that they want to give him another opportunity. That they're going to lean more of. All right, we kind of forced you uh, to start Justin Fields, the quarterback, and you told us, you told us that he wasn't quite ready, but we wanted it. And so because of that, you're coming back. I can see that happening. Oh, no, don't let that happen. I can see that happening. I, I, I can see Linda Blair vomiting in The Exorcist on you for saying that. <laughs> no. uh, you know what? I was really hot for Linda Blair when she was young. She grew up to be really sexy, though. Know? But that's yeah, a different story. She, that's when she was fucking Rick James in the early 80s. That's right. <laughs> If we had the Chappelle show drop right now, it'd be perfect. (laughs) Charlie Murphy. (laughs) Ah, we'll work on that. (laughs) Um, I don't know, man. To answer Tucci's question, it is it is possible that it could happen that the Bears will figure out some way because they don't want to pay. You know, there was that big that big uh, controversy that. McCaskey and, and uh, Ted Phillips did not fire Pace and Nagy last year because of the COVID and there was a loss of revenue and they didn't want to pay for another general manager and coach while they had those guys on the payroll. I don't think that's true. I, it's 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 been proven that they will pay multiple coaches because they've fucked up so many times. I don't think Virginia is going to say, you know, boys, you got to stop spending money like like your drunken sailors. I, I I don't think that. I think they're going to go ahead and spend money like drunken sailors. But, right, but well, let me interject please, on this real quick, please. I, I just uh, this is me just playing devil's advocate to what you're saying, which I'm afraid you're right on this. I just hope that you're not. <laughs> but my devil's advocate 
to that would be, you remember that terrible press conference that everybody ripped them for in January yeah. where they come out and kept saying collaboration, but George kept saying he knows this is not a popular decision. Yes. He said that like five times. That's correct. So he knew then mm -hmm. that Bears stakeholders, whether it's just emotion or or uh, viable finances, did not want this guy back. Mm -hmm. And I consider the ticket holders stakeholders in this because they spend the money. The you know, the people that have season tickets. Mm -hmm. So nobody wanted him back in January of 21. Mm -hmm. they, and he acknowledged that he knew that. So do you think he's going to come and try to sell that again, knowing how unpopular that is at this point? I'd like to think he's way more pragmatic than that. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that this organization has reached a point where they know they are now the laughing stock. They know that the fans are like, you know, we're, we're talking about having a civil war in this country. I think the fans are going to have a civil war with the people at Hallis Hall. I mean, it, it's reached that point. It, it's gotten to be, you know, a situation where it, it, George McCaskey is going to start to think about things differently. I just, I feel it in my bones. I don't think they're going to let this one go. I, I, I don't think they're going to make the same mistakes they have in the past. It's 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 a gut feel. I have no reason at all to. I, I I can't offer you any proof of you know. Well, look at it when they did this or when they did that. Because if I were to do that, it would be a terrible example. Um, so I, I bet you they were close to firing him. Remember those reports? Yes. Around Thanksgiving, I bet those were true. Yeah. And because everyone, you know, it got broken, and I think that that's probably why they were gun shy. Yep. I totally agree. I believe that firing was coming, except that somebody snitched on them. They didn't they didn't leak it. They snitched because yeah. they probably thought it was disrespectful to Matt Nagy. So they wanted to get it out there. Now I could be totally wrong. I'm only uh, I'm only speculating, but yeah, Tucci, you're you're agreeing. You agree with the fact that the McCaskies were probably gonna plan on on firing Nagy after that uh holiday game. I think it's obvious that word got around. Hallis Hall, that they were mm -hmm. upset and, you know, that axe might fall, you know, and then, of course, somebody out there, had, you know, who's probably a source for, you know, uh, many reporters, mm -hmm. you know, got it, let it go, you know, uh, and uh, uh, Mark Conkle was the guy who broke the story. He he ran with it. And then uh, the, the McCaskey family, he really didn't have a choice but to walk it back. Right. Right. Well, I'll tell you. Um, if Matt Nagy's back next season, how would the, how would you feel? All the excitement level for next. You know what? I, I if the off season goes as badly as it could be, because my problem isn't just with Matt Nagy. My problem is equal parts Nagy, Pace, and McCaskey. I mean, that's that's where I'm at. So I'd love to see two thirds of those problems go away. If McCaskey doesn't go away, I understand that's a lot harder to do. You got to convince the board of directors who's going to lead that revolt. Uh, it, it probably won't happen, but hopefully there is a revolt against General Manager Ryan Pace. And I have not seen enough of a groundswell against Pace. It worries me every time I see a tweet, or a Facebook post, a a, a a a stranger walking down the street praising Ryan Pace. I'm like, what the fuck are you looking at? 
How much of an opportunity are you going to give this guy? Well, it wasn't the player's fault that he drafted. It was the coach's. He hired the coach. Well, he didn't hire Fox. Well, he hired Nagy. And if last season, if he would have seen that, man, this guy is not the right guy. He fucked up on Trubisky, the guy that I picked in the draft. Am I going to give him the confidence of developing my next quarterback choice, Justin Fields? No. Ryan Pace should have drafted the quarterback and hired a head coach who he saw as a perfect match as opposed to hiring them, hiring them separately. The whole thing about Ryan Pace not telling John Fox that he's going to draft Mitchell Trubisky, I mean, who does that? Who? What kind of a boss does that? You know, my boss does something like that. It's like, dude, you know, here's here's my fucking two week notice. I gotta, I, I can't work for an idiot like you. That it just doesn't make sense to me. It, it really fucking pisses me off. Is what it does. There's collaboration now, though. I'll... <laughs> yeah, the collaboration is so good between those guys that they have five wins <laughs> this year. <laughs> I, I wonder. You know, you bring up a great point because you know, he, you know, he he, uh, he drafted Trubisky without telling anybody. But I mean, I wonder if uh, if Justin Fields didn't fall so far, you know, they probably weren't even planning on Fields getting that far where they could get up and grab him, you know. I had so, all five of those quarterbacks going in the first ten picks. Yeah. I, I thought yeah. they were so good that they would be gone by a tenth pick. So when the board started to fall like it was, I yeah. started to say to myself, you know what? If fucking if fucking Ryan Pace doesn't figure out a way to trade up and get one of these five, then yep. then you fire him because <laughs> it felt it felt perfectly for the guy. Yeah, I mean he might have been like, I don't want Matt Nagy, I don't want to draft a quarterback because Nagy's still here, mm-hmm. you know. Right. But Fields fell so far they had a chance to grab him, which right. which brings us to the Giants, whose pick it was that we used to get uh, Justin Fields and uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the only this. The Giants Bears game is a crappy game. It's like the only incentive New York has is beat to beat the Bears is that they'll you know they they might get a higher draft pick with our first round pick if they beat us. So yeah, that right. is right. Yeah, that's a great point because you know they should not beat the Bears for right. their draft pick. So yeah, maybe the money should go to. I need a winner. <laughs> Dude, the fact, the Bear, Bears are a six-point favorite. I'm not. I don't think we've been a six-point favorite all year. <laughs> you right? believe that, man? I, uh, you bet on the Bears? <laughs> it depends on who's playing quarterback. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I honestly, if you tell me Andy Dalton starting, there's no way that the Bear. I think the line moves and the Bears are minus three if Dalton's playing. Are you uh, with Fields? Maybe minus three. Maybe the minus six is with Foles. Um, I, I can't believe you just said that. Well, I, I think Fields is the guy for the future. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but Fields hasn't, you know, it's like probably, you said uh, earlier, he's, he struggled a little bit in his rookie season. And some of that, uh, is on him, but a lot of that's on coaching You're right. and more, more than anything. I think that that's more of an indictment on Nagy than anything that we could bring up is the fact that we've made the quarterback. With all this promise, even even if you said he wasn't ready, mm-hmm. it's still your job to make him ready. Mm-hmm. And he's had spurts so we can look at it and say, ooh, see that run against the 49ers? Mm-hmm. That second half against Pittsburgh where we can say, what a fucking play. But for the most part, he has struggled, and that is the harshest indictment on Nagy for him losing his job, in my opinion. 
The factor says, would any of you guys take back the Fields pick and not trade up? So keep No, the- I'm still making the move. Yeah, me too. No, no, Absolutely. No. Yeah, my no, my no, goal no. going into that draft is get one of those five guys. Now it's going to be impossible to get Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson because you knew they were going to go one two. Although it was Trey Lance actually they won number two, but you knew those first two picks were going to be quarterbacks, and there was just no way you had the draft assets, the trade assets to climb up that far. So I I said to myself, any one of those other three top five quarterbacks, and then if you don't get it. And you get Davis Mills in round two, even if you have to trade up to get him, because you definitely need a young quarterback. And look at fucking Davis Mills. He's two and one in his last three games. He's statistically, he's had three outstanding fucking games. This guy can play quarterback in this league. Now, the thing is, Justin Fields has more upside. Justin Fields, because of his athletic ability, because of his ability to elude the pass rush and pick up yards, because of his strong arm, he's got he's like that five-tool athlete that they talk about in baseball. He can do all five incredible things that a football player is that you want a football player to do. This guy can do it. Davis Mills can't. So you know what his ceiling is going to be in this league. Justin Fields, he could be a great one. I tell you. Do you mind if I, I read a, a little bit of our lad's scouting report on Justin Fields? Oh, I thought you were going to read about that. Before, no, please go ahead. Before the before draft. The draft. Okay. Before the draft. This is what our lads said about Justin Fields. Talented enough on multiple levels to be a big-time pro. Has a tremendous arm and is one of the best athletes at the position to ever come out. And he plays with a slow heartbeat that exudes confidence. Had multiple games over the final month that created questions about his ability to quickly process information in order to avoid mistakes, though. But an ideal fit for a redshirt year in the NFL. A top-shelf athlete and competitor for the position that is a credible dual threat. Can create something out of nothing with his legs and will gain plenty of yards after contact. Has the body of a thick running back and will truck over defenders. Can launch the ball with a simple flick of the wrist. Has good deep ball accuracy and isn't afraid to test it. Tremendous balance and low, lower body control to consistently give him a dependable base to throw from. Can add zip to the ball on demand. Will put as much juice on it as he needs to. A tough gamer who knows how to win. Will sometimes get fooled at times by complex defenses. Will need to. Will need more reps to improve his anticipation. Sometimes waits too long for his man to come open. Uh, does a beautiful job of throwing over the linebackers. Has experience at both taking the snap from under center and in the shotgun. Blessed with good arm strength and velocity. At times on intermediate routes, the ball can be too hot for crossing receivers, which we've seen this year, and bounces off their chest. Cole Komet. A gifted and dangerous runner. He is very smooth and literally glides down the field for positive yards when his reads and the number count dictates a run. Knows how to... C- conclude his runs with a baseball slide generally takes off only to run and drop back situations when all of his receivers are covered he extends plays with his open field athleticism can create and improvise set career highs in completion percentage at 70.2 percent completion percentage and yards per attempt 9.3 yards per attempt in 2020 in uh let's see sorry accurate passer on the run rolling out right or left and throwing a strike to one of his talented receivers distributes the ball to wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs. 
The Georgia native checks all the boxes of a big-time NFL quarterback prospect. Height, weight, explosive speed, a leader, football smart, very intelligent, makes good on-the-field decisions, a captain with top-flight character, coachable and dependable, competitive with mental and physical toughness, stamina, excellent physical condition, strong, overpowered all of college players, quick and explosive when he decides to run, a performer with confidence. He's durable, shakes off arm tackles, can take and give a hit. He sees the field and understands what he is seeing. Excellent ball accuracy and placement over the past two years at all levels, short, medium, and long. Did he miss or overthrow open wide receivers? Yes, but not many. If you haven't missed a few throws, you haven't played. An impact player with starter ability. Stephen Mee says these scouting reports are trash. <laughs> the bad ones given to Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Patty Mahomes. But I got to say this, Stephen. What Tooch read there from footballoutsiders.com, to me, all of that was accurate or most of it was accurate based on what I've seen. If you watch Ohio State football. football. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's exactly who he was. And – we haven't seen all of those traits, or at least all of the positive ones uh, yeah. uh, at the NFL. We've seen some of the negative ones. So, so we've been forewarned, uh, yeah. but we have not seen all of the positive ones. And so that's what we have to give him time to achieve because yeah. we have seen some of the good. It's just going to take time. Every one of these five top quarterbacks has taken time with the exception of Mac Jones and anyone that studied the draft last year knew that he was the most NFL-ready quarterback, but he has the lowest ceiling. You know, yeah. he could end up being like uh, – who's the guy that won the – the uh, Rich Cannon uh, run the Super Bowl with, with the Raiders. Um, that's 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 him. He's, he's uh, Mac Jones is going to be uh, Rich Cannon. He's not going to be Tom Brady. Even with Belichick coaching, I just don't see that. Yeah. Troy Aikman was one in 15 his first season as a rookie. <laughs> right. Thank what you. What happened after that? Three Super Bowls in a row. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they got all of the weapons around them. They gave them an outstanding mm -hmm. offensive line, a Hall of Fame running back, and Michael Irvin. And who was the other key wide receiver on the on Alvin that? Harper. Thank you, sir. Alvin Harper, <laughs> Michael Irvin. <laughs> Jay Novacek would beat the buzzer on that one. <laughs> yeah. Phenomenal offense. Yeah. You know what I started to do, though, Aldo? Uh, I was afraid Tooch wouldn't get it, and I know you would have. Uh, I had the theme, and this is from the Kirby <laughs> Enthusiasm season finale. <laughs> I had the theme from the Academy Awards. Like the, you know, <laughs> I was going to play that. In the mic, but again, I didn't want. If Toots didn't get it, I would didn't want it. Thought <laughs> Toots, did you see Curb Your Enthusiasm season finale here Sunday? No, is it good? See, yeah, I you know, you know, he makes me so nervous. I can't watch it. It's just yeah, you know, I I, I get kind of a little sick of the fact <laughs> that always creating chaos. But the, the a really great bit they had is anytime he's talking <laughs> to somebody and they're going on for a long time, he starts playing the theme on his on his phone. He starts playing the theme of the Academy Awards when they're <laughs> ushering people off the stage, and it, yeah, works. Yeah. it works. I started to do that when you were reading the article, but I didn't want if you didn't get. At the bit, it would seem like I was being an asshole. <laughs> that was good, man. That was good. That show has yeah. some really fucking moments 
to it that I laugh my ass off. But overall, it's the same fucking thing over. He's getting into fights because he says the wrong thing. That's around. Yeah. It's like, geez, can you give me a little bit more? But it, I do laugh my ass off. I, my point I with Fields is that why you wouldn't like that uh, incest survivor group episode. You have to watch that. <laughs> I have to watch that one. I that's the that season one. one finale. I think it's <laughs> I arguably the best episode, or the one with the doll in season <laughs> two, which is incredible as well. But you seen that yeah, one, Tooch? The uh, the incest survivor group. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know. I, I I'm behind on Curb Your Enthusiasm. I haven't watched it in a while. Well, let me let me just give you a 10 second or 30 seconds of that. So, yeah, he's you know, he's married back in the first five seasons. Right. So he and his wife are walking in this. You know, he runs into his ex-girlfriend and and she's way hotter than like Cheryl would have ever thought. You know, and Larry's actually says that like, oh, you can't I couldn't possibly have broken up with her. Right. And uh, so the girl's like, I've been trying to reach you, Larry. And uh, long story short, she says. You're the only person I ever told you, uh, uh, told you, I never told anyone else about this, about my stepdad molesting me. And uh, so she's like, it's really bothering me now. So I want to go to this incest survivor group. Will you go with me? And of course, Larry's like, the step even count? He's, she's like, Larry, it counts. So they go to the group. And this is the only other spoiler I'll give you. He's there. And everyone looks at him. They're like, sir, it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> And she like puts her head down thinking, oh God, here it comes. And it needless to say, what Larry's going to say will set up a shit storm at the end of the episode that to this again, I've seen that episode. It it aired in 2000. I've seen it probably 20 times. Wow. And I still laugh at it. Like it, it, that episode solidified me as a Curb Your Enthusiasm loyalist. Boom, boom, boom. Ba, 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 <laughs> That's good stuff. Good yeah, you stuff. have to see that one episode. I will definitely see that. All right. Um, uh, Tooch, you got anything else you want to share about your thoughts on Chicago Bears before we introduce some other topics? Yeah, my point was with, with Fields is that he's got all the tools. Yeah. Man, he, he, he's a rookie. He hasn't seen you know, what NFL defenses throw at quarterbacks before mm -hmm. you know everyone's like oh nick Foles, man he, nick Foles is a nine-year veteran who's seen a lot of defenses knows the situation knows uh knows the hot routes all the back and forth you know what if this safety is going to move here linebackers are going to move here i need to get the ball over here mm -hmm. you know but yeah. fields doesn't know that yet and let's not forget fields didn't have the reps that annie dalton had in training camp mm-hmm and people are like, oh, he's a bust already. If, if people said that Troy Aikman was a bust, Dallas wouldn't have, have had, you know, three Super Bowls in a row or whatever it was right. back then with Jimmy Johnson. Uh, but well, yeah. to be fair, Barry Switzer won one of those, and right, it was Barry three Switzer out of four. Won. Yep, three out of four. But uh, Tooch makes a great point there. When you look at the um, – there was five quarterbacks drafted in the first round. One of them has hardly played, so we can't really discuss Trey Lance right, in this right. conversation. But of the three other quarterbacks, all of them had a training camp as the number one quarterback. All of them. Justin Fields, the fourth not. of those five, did not. He did not have the benefit of reps as number one. And so when we compare – the, the quality of play of these four 
number one first round draft picks that have played substantial amount of time this season. You've got to look at Justin Fields and smile because he has more than held his own against Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones. He really has. There's no doubt about it. So, you know, that's a great point, although because uh, Justin Fields, you know, they, they didn't give him reps because, oh, you know, we promised Andy Dalton that he was the starter, which is the same thing they did with Mike Glennon and, and Mitchell Trubisky. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, it kind of kind of uh, uh, proves my point that maybe the Bears weren't planning on for Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. He just fell far enough for them to grab him. Could you know? be. And then, you know, well, we've already got Andy Dalton, you know, mm-hmm. so – you know, we promised him. We promised Mike Glennon too. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, that's the kind of like misjudgment of uh, talent or player personnel that the Bears are known for. You know, and that's that's what really rubs me. We were talking about last week when like guys like T- Tabor and Graham come in, and you know, they played a pretty good game last week, mm-hmm. right? Same, right? What are we look? What are we looking at? You know, they don't know what they're looking at. I would not have been upset if the Bears would have told Mitchell Trubisky, Mitch, we want to give you another season. We're going to acquire another quarterback. We'll probably have three quarterbacks. Nick will be back. We'd like you back. You know, he signed with Buffalo for three million. So give him four fucking million to stay here. And, you know, and let them know up front, there's going to be a a rookie quarterback coming in. We don't know what round we've, we've got our, guys that we like and so it could be a first rounder it could be a second rounder or a third rounder so he's going to be in the mix too and so you're going to have to fight for your job come back you're not going to get any more money than we're offering you so would you guys have been okay going into the season with a justin fields mitchell trubisky nick Foles lineup of quarterbacks i don't think the results would have been much different than what we got this year so sure. <laughs> Ah, good answer. <laughs> Dan, what do you think? I I I'm glad for Mitch that he got away. I agree Again, with that. I was a fan of yeah, Trubisky, yeah. but he needed a break. Yes. Cuz 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 uh, uh uh Matt Nagy was was a carcinogenic to his his career. <laughs> yeah, and the way the way we were talking earlier how Nagy's kind of you know, appalled by the the temerity of Nick Foles to stand up and tell him, no, you're wrong. I'm the one that's taking the shots. Mitch played the role perfectly the way you would have drawn it, drawn it up. And just, you know, when you heard the audio uh, on the sidelines with him a few times, he called Nagy, sir. Mm-hmm. You know, he gave him as much respect. He would have never stood up to him. And, you know, it, it's the same old thing. The offense still sucks. He had a guy that looked up to him versus a guy that views him as a fool in Nick Foles. And uh, either way, it's like he's the problem, man. He's the problem, and it's time for him to go. Pusha T says Mitch is getting the last laugh. How the hell is he getting the last laugh? I mean, he's the backup quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, and the limited amount of action that he's seen this year, he throws an interception that looked exactly like the type of picks that he, he threw here in Chicago. He throws into double coverage, and the guy is not open. There's no fucking possible way that his receiver could have caught the ball. That ball was almost purposely thrown to the defender. And it, so a very small sample size for you to say that he's got the last laugh when the highlight of his career with the Bills so far is – is that interception? So I, I don't get that. He didn't Mitch, get much playing time when Allen guy. was injured. You know, when Allen yeah. was injured, he barely got any time. 
You know, they, they'd they rather throw Josh Allen injured out there than Mitch Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think maybe he's saying that Mitch gets the last laugh because he's somewhat absolved uh, that the overwhelming majority of people now blame the coach versus Oh, Mitch. if that's true, Pusher, you're absolutely right. I'm with you 110%. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that is going to be on uh, Matt Nagy's tombstone is, you know, could not develop quarterbacks despite a, having a reputation of doing so. I don't know why or how he got that reputation because it's uh, who was the quarterback he mentored at Philadelphia? Nick Foles? Carson, no, no, uh, Carson, he was already gone when Carson was exactly. There, right? It had to be Foles then, right? Whoever. No, but Foles goes back to 2013 with Philly. Yeah. Uh, so I don't so, know. I'm, I, but my, that's my point is I don't know who the hell Matt Nagy has, has groomed as a quarterback. He doesn't have that track record. No, he's never. And Alex Smith didn't need him either in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Retro movies, uh, retro TV and movies says that Mitch's highlight with the Bills was the win against the Bears in the preseason. He's absolutely Ooh. right. It looked he looked super sharp that day, but they were playing a vanilla defense, and you know he had his way. I don't think that would happen with the Bears defense that I've seen the last two weeks, even with those scrubs in there. I I, I don't. I hate to call. I got scrubs. a question for both of you all now. Uh-huh. This just popped in my head, but if the defense playing the way it has the last two weeks. And hopefully, and I, I love Richard Dent because, you know, for every, for years, he you know, got double-digit sacks for the Bears, and nobody else has ever done that in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. But Quinn presumably is hopefully going to tie or exceed our club record for most sacks. If in 2022, I asked you, you have to keep, Mac or Quinn, but you can't keep both. Yeah, it's it's a good question. I, I asked it uh, on the Bear Debate Show. So, Tooch, would you have some yeah. thoughts? I want to now show share mine. Well, I mean, this is it's it's a moot question because you can't get rid of Mac because of the cap hit. But uh, I would keep Quinn. I just think he's been playing better. I mean, I, the dude gets to the passer, gets to the quarterback. Hmm. Well, I'll say this. Um, I know I'm avoiding your question, but I'll, I'll answer it. But I, there's no reason why you can't have both. This was a, a question that was sent to Brad Biggs in his column last week, his Q&A column, which is must read along with his 10 thoughts on the, on the, on the game. He was, he was asked that, and, and he said that he's been a proponent of at least looking into the possibility of what you can get for Robert Quinn. If you can get something like you got for Von Miller, which was a second and third round draft pick for a team that is totally lacking in draft picks, you should consider it. I'm not saying you should, or he's not saying you should. You should consider it. At the same time, one of the ways that you can go into next season was with just retooling and not rebuilding and trying to get into the playoffs and make some magic happen is to keep both Mac and Quinn, reduce their snaps, reduce their snaps. Just like if you saw the Dallas Cowboys uh, primetime game the other night, they put up this graphic of all, there was like eight guys who had had 
substantial snaps at rushing the quarterback. For, they, they just do a really good job of of changing players in and out. And that's at this point in Max's career, you, that's what you got to do. You can't expect him to play 95% of the snaps, which is usually what he plays. He's got to get down closer to 60 to 70 so he can last all 17 games. And while Robert Quinn hasn't doesn't need to be put on that pitch count, at least based on what I've seen this year, he could potentially need it next year when he's a year older and he's he's at that age where players' uh, performance starts to decline quickly. So bring back Quinn and Mac. Give them specialty roles. See quarterback, kill quarterback, and then have some backups there that can play the, the, those early downs. Um, so I, I like the idea of of bringing those two guys back. It would help the defense immensely. And then that way you can focus on giving Justin Fields the resources he needs to succeed. Foster Cover says we got to keep Mac Quinn and Trevathan <laughs> because of I that. disagree on Danny uh, Trevathan. Danny Trevathan is gone. I don't care what it costs. You just you shouldn't have somebody on the on, on the roster who's just taking up a space because you owe him a lot of money. Fuck that. Go. And let me use the roster spot on some guy who's making the league minimum, but maybe he can contribute some downs. You, you definitely need to do that. I think everybody was like, yeah, Nick Foles got the win, you know, but uh, I watched him trying to escape the pass rush. It looked like he was running in cement. I mean, I, I don't know if Nick Foles could outrun Virginia McCaskey. <laughs> you know, that's and, how she, slow he is. and he may have to <laughs> given her pension for looking at the guys with the tight jerseys and you know she probably knows about his dick too <laughs> you're, <dying. laughs> you're an evil evil person that's why, that's why i love you so much <laughs> i got a good segue for you <laughs> okay <laughs> at jim mcmahon mm -hmm. twitter mm-hmm picture of uh, he and John Madden together, oh, uh, presumably nice. on a golf course. Oh, nice. Madden's got a cigar. Mm -hmm. McMahon is laughing. Uh, he says, John was a legend, one of a kind. I'm grateful for the special memories we shared over the years. Always loved to make him laugh whenever he was in town for a game or really anytime I got to see him. Rest in peace, my friend. You'll never be missed, but never forgotten. Nicely said, Jimmy McMahon. Who wrote that from you, you think? I, his son uh, is the one who tweets his. Oh, he said that, that he said that on uh, the barroom. That's that, right. Uh, he tells his son like what to say, but his son actually does the physical typing of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they are his thoughts. That's great to hear, Jim McMahon. I've had my issues with him over the years, but uh, overall, he's a good guy. All right, let's talk about John Madden. And so what I wanted to make sure that people knew because I'm the old fart in the room here. I remember when <laughs> I remember when John Madden won his Super Bowl with the Raiders. I, I I watched the game on television. I don't know how old I was, probably 10, 11 years old, whatever. And so I wanted to start our retrospective, our uh, our appreciation of John Madden's life with that, talking about him as a head coach for Al Davis's Oakland Raiders. And so when I went in, and uh, I think all of us are huge fans of NFL films from that era, um, I, I found a, a four-minute story about John Madden's Super Bowl win with the Oakland Raiders, 
And uh, this is it. Super Bowl Eleven was played in Pasadena, where a week earlier, John Robinson had led USC to a victory in the Rose Bowl. Madden hoped to make it a double dip for Daly City. First, Madden unleashed Lombardi's power running game. He followed it up with Air Coriel passes to MVP Fred Bolitnikov. Snake Stabler hissed passes that would have made Norm Van Brocklin proud. The route was on. Stabler back to pass, a quick drive to the end zone, pass for the touchdown later! Oakland hammered home the victory with Madden's new 3-4 defense installed that year. For the first time ever, the Raiders were Super Bowl champions. That was the, the culmination of everything that he'd ever worked for. John, how's it feel? Great. Great. Waited a long time for it. You know, that was, that was the day. That was the biggest day of all of our lives. John Madden goes on the shoulders of his players. Robinson's Rose Bowl ride was so smooth, he could have enjoyed an ice cream cone. Then, they scooped up Big John. There was a cameraman on the ground, and he was taking the shot up, and he didn't move. And my guys were carrying me off, didn't see him, and they tripped. It was like the building that wasn't built correctly. <laughs> John started moving in one direction, and you ain't stopping 300 and some pounds. And it was like the London Bridge is falling down. <laughs> you don't care. I mean, I don't care if I would have fell on my head. You're so happy that that erases anything else. I never thought like, oh man, that's terrible. I, they're carrying me off the field, we'll all fall down. Eh, don't even think about it. Robinson was in the locker room when Madden finally made it in. And I remember seeing him after and his statement says, who would have thought two doofuses from Daly City would have this happen to him? And I said, yeah, that's about it. We were Super Bowl champion and they can never take it away from you. Maybe the fact that we chased it so long made it bigger to us. It was the greatest feeling in the world. There was nothing that can beat it. Um, I, I can do a deep, deep dive on this with you if you please, want. I, mean, I, I, I feel I like was hoping we could you go to 4 a.m. just talking about the 70s Raiders from, I mean, right now if you want me to. Please, so. please, go ahead. Uh, the context of that, uh, what with Madden is as follows, and again, I'm going to sound like a Raiders fan here, but I, 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 I believe I'm on the Raiders' side on most of this. But So they lose Super Bowl II. Madden is not the head coach yet. He's on the staff, but they eventually, they make him the coach. And by 1970, and he's the youngest coach. He's like 32 when they hire him and make him the head coach. Uh, they're in the AFC championship or technically the, the AFL championship, the last year of the AFL in 70, uh, to go to the Super Bowl. 
they lose to the Colts. Actually, no, I'm fucking this up. It, it was the AFC Championship then. Yeah, 70. Hold on. 69. Yeah, yeah. So 70 is the first year of the merger. So it's Oakland at Baltimore. Uh, Daryl LaMonica gets hurt, and former Bear George Blanda, who's like fucking 47, then comes in and plays quarterback. But needless to say, it's not enough. So they don't make the playoffs in 71. 72, they're in the infamous immaculate reception game in Pittsburgh. AFC title game. Steelers are down to fourth down. It's late. There's like 10 seconds to go. Bradshaw throws a pass downfield, and this is where all the controversy starts. He throws the ball downfield, and Jack Tatum, who, as we know, crippled a man in the league, and I'm not even trying to be funny with Daryl Stingley. No, that's true. So that's the kind of safety that he was. And he hit, and that was in a preseason game too, by the way. Mm. But uh, he hit Frenchie Fruqua. <laughs> I remember Frenchie. Yeah, downfield, and he hit him so hard, the ball goes into the air. But the key thing to realize is in 72, uh, you couldn't touch one offensive man. Like if you and I are on the same team, although and I touch it, you can't catch it unless a defender touched it in between. Now, that rule has since been changed. Uh, you may remember in the Super Bowl, the Giants, uh, Bavaro, and what was that other fucker, uh, uh, McConkie, mm-hmm. who was always waving the towel. Phil McConkie, he caught a touchdown off a deflection from someone on his own team. But anyway, back in this in these days, you had to have a defensive player touch it. Tatum does not touch the ball. Uh, Fuqua's in front of him. He hits tw- uh, Fuqua in the back. Ball goes up in the air. Tatum doesn't touch it. Arguably, the ball hits the fucking ground anyway, which would have made it incomplete. But Franco Harris, from my opinion, grabs the ball off the turf and runs into the end zone. But the significance here is a couple of things. First off, if you watch the play, all the Steelers linemen are holding like it's a Packers game. Should have been called holding. Secondly, uh, after the catch, no one from the Raiders, t- no one from the Raiders caught it or touched it. Franco catches it off the ground, and then Phil Villipiano is about to tackle him. There's a clear fucking clip. He's hit from the lower legs from behind, and the referee's standing there, and they don't call it. So they go into the end zone, and they still haven't made a call. Uh, According to legend, I wasn't watching the NFL in in December of 72 because I wasn't conceived yet, but... Uh, the officials going to the uh, the Three River Stadium Pittsburgh Pirates uh, bullpen, and uh, they call, you know, the the police, and they're like, "How many officers do you have to get me out of here?" Whatever the answer was, they didn't like it. They step out, they call a touchdown. So, and for forty plus years, this play has been in legend of being so you know immaculate, and so the Raiders are fucked there. So that's two two chan- uh, two chances in the playoffs. 73, uh, they're in the AFC title game. They did beat Pittsburgh in, early in the second round. But they're in the title game. They get crushed by Miami. Go to 74. Uh, they they beat Miami. You know, Miami's coming off three straight Super Bowls, back-to-back wins because they lost Super Bowl six. They beat the, they beat the Dolphins on an incredible play, which is known as the Sea of Hands with Stabler getting hit and Clarence Davis is in the end zone on a fourth down play. I assume you know what I'm talking about. Yep. 
And then they go to the title game and they're kind of flat because they just beat Miami. At the time, people were calling that Super Bowl eight and a half. So they lose to Pittsburgh at home. 1975 rolls around. They're in the championship game at Three Rivers again. The Steelers leave the tarp off the field in sections. And there's great audio of uh, Al Davis going at the commissioner at the time saying, like, God damn, like, they're neutralizing our guys. Mm -hmm. It's frozen on the sidelines. They can't stop Cliff Branch, and now he can't run. Mm-hmm. So they use the home field advantage, but the rest of the field's covered and not just just basically to neutralize Branch. And they felt that they got job there. So you look at it, you got 70, 72, 73, 74, 75. All those opportunities. And then comes 76, and they beat Pittsburgh in the title game, and now they're finally in the Super Bowl. Excellent. So, Go ahead, please. And Minnesota if you think of their history, had already lost three Super Bowls too. That's right. So one of the teams is finally going to to materialize the greatness that they've been dreaming about. Yes. And in that game early on, uh, Clarence Davis, who should have been the MVP, rushed for like 150 yards, mm-hmm. basically running on variations of the same play. The, are they running left behind Art Shell and Gene Upshaw? They, they, they couldn't stop them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jim Marshall's a legend, but he was – and should be in the Hall of Fame, but probably isn't just because he ran the ball the wrong way on that one play. Uh, but Marshall's completely neutralized, and they just are running all over them. And uh, Boletnikov caught four passes that day and got MVP. I, you know, I don't know. But Fran just, I mean, he had the one touchdown to Semi White, but in that game, Fran just played Fran in the Super Bowl. Like if he, if Tarkinen played bad against Pittsburgh, I'm saying if he played badly, Mm-hmm. They would have won. He played horrifically. If he had just been bad, they would have beaten the Steel Curtain in Super Bowl Nine. Go back and watch it. Mm-hmm. If he if he is you know, just a man who could get a slight hard on, they then he's he's going to be good enough to get through the sex, and they're going to make. He's completely broke, Dick impotent in that game. He's <laughs> awful, awful. Uh, to the worst quarterback play in the early games uh, is Craig Morton. In Super Bowl 12 against his former teammate in any of the Fran games. I guess Fran did okay against Miami, but the whole team just was run over. But the point we're talking about is Madden. So Madden is 40, is the youngest coach to win the Super Bowl. And he had all this, you know, all these great division titles along the way, but something always happened. So you got he got completely jobbed in 72. Uh 73, Miami's better. 74, they got complacent after they beat Miami because they wanted to beat Miami so badly, you know, and then they forgot that there's, you know, hey, there's still two more games to go, you know, and then in 75, they felt like they got cheated on the field. So they win the title. Next season, they're in the AFC Championship game. They're in Denver. Rob Lytle fumbles. It's an obvious fumble. Oakland recovers, and they give the ball back to the Broncos. Nobody can explain why the Broncos score a touchdown. They ultimately win the game 20 to 17, and they were completely fucking jobbed on this call. And two things let me, one thing about broadcasting that day. Um, what ended up getting him the gig, because that day was January the 1st of 78, mm-hmm. the same day there was a bowl game on NBC. And they sent Kurt Gowdy to do the bowl game instead. And they brought in Dick Enberg 
to call the championship game. And Dick was so much better than Kurt Gowdy that they were like, uh oh, we've got we got we got our guy now. This is our guy. So within two years, Gowdy's gone. And mm. and Enberg has the gig. So he 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 got that opportunity. He seized it that day and became the man at NBC for years. But Madden basically after the game was saying, you know, I I I can't even articulate the disappointment I have. And I, he's like, why do these officials just constantly get away with making these bad calls? He's like, it's taking the life out of me. Like, I, I can't keep dealing with this disappointment. And whether you can say it's crazy or not, he legitimately felt like they were cheated. And it was fucking killing him. So they go the next season, they're nine and seven. They don't make the playoffs. Only the second time in his entire run, they don't make it. 71's the other year. And he, he leaves. He just, he can't, he's, he's, he puts his heart and soul into everything they do there. To use a cliche, he's using his emotions are on his sleeve. He's, he, you know, Dick Vermeil's the guy they look at as the face of burnout, you know, because he used that phrase when he quit mm-hmm. in 83. But that's what John Madden was. And he just, he couldn't take always seeming like every call went against him and against his team. And he said when he quit, I will never coach football again. This isn't me like going somewhere else because there were all these rumors he would take another gig. He said, I will never coach again. And he cried. Mm. And goddamn, man, he didn't. So by 79, the Super Bowl 14 coverage, CBS, you know, kind of has him there. They're like in the studio with him. And by the way, this is former Oakland head coach, you know, John Madden. And by 80, they're like, this fucking guy. Uh, I mean, we like Brookshire and Summerall, but I mean, this might be the guy. And <laughs> and by 81, they're like, all right, this is the guy. This is the guy. But interesting story on that, too, is that, and this is so not like cool to either guy, but early in the season, they put him with Vin Scully. I think Vin is horrible at football or was horrible at the NFL. I know everyone loves him from his Dodger games. Okay, I'll give him that. But during the NFL, he was as boring as listening to a Matt Nagy press conference. So half the season, he's with Vin. Then second half of the season, he's with Summerall. And because they're thinking maybe Vin is going to be the number one guy moving forward. Now imagine that if we don't ever get Pat and John together. Mm -hmm. So going into the playoffs, they make the decision. It's going to be Pat and John. Pisses Vin Scully off. And one of the most incredible games ever in terms of building a franchise, the catch with Montana to Dwight Clark, actually is not Madden and Summerall. They try to placate Vin, and that's Vin Scully and Hank Stram on the call because even though he's going to be number two and not have John Madden, they don't want him to leave the network. So they give him the NFC Championship game over Madden and Summerall, and he still fucking leaves because he's so pissed that he didn't get the gig with Madden. But Super Bowl 16 comes around, it's Madden, it's Summerall, and we're off to the races. And now we've got them from 82 through 2001 as, like, the best duo in the history of the National Football League by far, bar none. The best broadcasting, and by, by 83-4, he's, you know, doing all the commercials. Well, let me stop you there uh, because, Please. first of all, you're doing an outstanding job of tracking down John Madden's career, outstanding. And I know this is all off the cuff. So as yeah. 4,000 Clovers uh, said, you know, I, uh, he, he loves it when you get into these history lessons. 
Uh, I love it. Everybody loves it. So thanks for that. And I want you to resume. But what I want to do right now is uh, play a, a couple more clips that fit into your chronology. So you just talked about his partnership with Pat Summerall. And I will contend that one thing that added greatly to John Madden's fame was the Chicago Bears, the 85 team, and William the Fridge Perry. Those were gifts to him. And John Madden was always proud to talk about his weight and he's a big guy and so forth. And he would do all these, you know, when he was talking about football, he would, he would talk about, you know, the, the big guy, look at the big guy and so forth. And he, he, it was almost part of like a comedic routine. So I went back to the YouTube machine to see if I could find what Madden said about the fridge in that 1985 season, and I found somebody had posted an entire clip of the first half of that NFC championship game, Bears and Rams, and some of the things that uh, Madden said about the fridge. So I've collected that. It's about a minute and a half uh, clip. Here it is. The best thing that happened to football this year was probably William Perry, the refrigerator. There's the fridge. I saw him out here earlier, and he was just in a T-shirt. You know, he's getting that weight down. I've always noticed when a guy gets his weight down, he starts wearing a lot of t-shirts. You know, you know, when you have your weight up there, you wear a lot of coats and stuff over you. You thought his weight was going down? I think his weight's going down. Yeah, I do. I think that seven and a two is getting closer to the middle of his body now. See, Perry's in there, the refrigerator. He's shaking his head and saying, not me. She said, I didn't do it. The other guy started it. I said, come on, Biscuit. They don't call him Fridge. You know, he got that nickname Biscuit when he first came in. Dan Hampton, 99, next to him, watched him get on a scale and said, that guy's a biscuit away from 350. That's what they call a biscuit. Buddy Ryan calls him the Big Rook. Big Rook. Big Rook, Biscuit, Fridge, Refrigerator. Got a lot of names. Refrigerator's ordering some more supplies. Uh, what he's doing, yeah, he's in for the post game. Look, when that game's over, I want uh, a good supply in there. We got to refuel this thing. <laughs> what would the refrigerator be talking about on the phone? I mean, usually they talk about coverages, adjustments. That's Steve McMichael talking to him now. Maybe they're talking about offense. If they get down there, they're going to put him in on the goal line. That was an interesting story. Dale Hatcher, the Ram punter went to Clemson with William Perry and was telling us what a good diver he is. Yeah, I guess they have a good swimming and diving team at Clemson, and, and when Perry would go out to dive, students and, and people would come from all over to watch him, and he would hit that board and darn near snap it down, then when he hit the water, it would all come up over, and people would just marvel. The diving coach said he could have made the team as a diver. That's right, and he's a good basketball player. Here's He's such a good storyteller. He's just the kind of guy that you want to have a beer with. And it was around that time that he started to do the Miller Lite commercials, and they were just such a big hit. Here's one 30-second spot. Boy, could I go for a nice cold light beer for Miller. So I thought I'd just pop in at my favorite hangout and have one with the guys. Well, the whole gang drinks light. Oh, sure, there's a lot of other light beers around. But we all agree the light beer from Miller tastes terrific. And get this, it's less filling. John, how many times have I told you, use the door, huh? I forgot, I'm sorry. Light beer from Miller. Everything you always wanted in a beer, and less. I got a 
was saying, light beer tastes great. And another thing. <laughs> he's, a, he's such a showman. He's a showman. I mean, I think that Mike Ditka got lessons from John Madden. He said, look at this motherfucker, ex-coach, making all this money on endorsements and stuff. Sign me up. And Mike, Mike followed that same road and had tons of success uh, pitching products all over the place. Let me remind you. Uh, boom. <laughs> tough acting to acting tough acting to acting what was the sponsor again tough acting to acting there it is there you go and ace ace is the place yes ace is the place yeah what else hey, did he know, do uh well i was going to mention about the 85 team real quick okay please, uh, please, please. he always talked about his fun the most fun he ever had as a broadcaster was at the 85 bears he said that is mm -hmm. Far back as like 90, he was starting to say that. And then throughout the rest of his career, he always said he gave Jim McMahon so much love too. He always said, if I, you know, if I had a quarterback, like this is the kind of guy I want. The guy that just throws his body around and is brave and he likes his fucking lineman. He wants to be a lineman. He gets drunk. That's my kind of quarterback. He's like, I love Jim McMahon. And he always mentioned that that season, you know, they, they got to do like five or six uh, Bears games and the Bears. He's like, I didn't see the defense give up a score in any of them, <laughs> and they, of course, they didn't lose any of those games because uh, actually Madden and Summerall didn't start doing the Bears games till late in the year. Mm -hmm. uh, early on, it was still the regional action with Tim and and Johnny Morris. Mm -hmm. So, and of course, there were some primetime games Monday night on ABC, or, and uh, but. The Madden and them didn't come around until like, I think, like the Dallas game, the big blowout, forty-twelve, five uh, to nothing. I think it was. Yeah, something like that. So that's around the time. So they had like three games in the regular season, three or four, and then the two in the playoffs because the Super Bowl was on NBC that year. Mm -hmm. uh, we had Enberg and Olson, who were also very good. Like both of them, both broadcast teams were just phenomenal. I mean, Aikman and Buck and uh, Nance, and although I don't dislike Romo so much, but I'm just saying they pale in comparison to oh. the legendary broadcast teams back then. And then the third team, you know, it was Al Michaels and, and Dan Dierdorf and Frank Gifford, which mm -hmm. is they're fucking great. Yep. Like all three broadcast teams, the number one team, you'd never get tired of listening to them. Yeah. Versus now, like I hate Jim Nance. A lot of people hate Joe Buck, and I, I'm kind of on the – I understand why. I don't like Aikman. Uh, I, you know, I, Collinsworth wants to blow Aaron Rodgers so much that it makes me vomit. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Like, you, I, hell, I was glad to get Akeem Tlaib Sunday. I kept thinking, at least I don't have somebody here that's going to make me bitch about, oh, oh, Aaron Rodgers and, well, you know, or just saying stupid stuff like Buck and, and Nance do sometimes, you know, just – you know, I, I have a rule for broadcast teams. One of the two guys, either the play-by-play -play guy or the analyst, but hopefully both, are whiskey drinkers. Because if they're whiskey drinkers, they're going to be more entertaining. They're going to be more of people that I can relate to. The Jim Nances, I mean, that's that's foo-foo drink, you know, football announcer. You don't want Jim Nance. You want Jim Nance doing golf. You want Jim Nance doing tennis. Or the halftime show, maybe. He was good at that. Yeah, you know, okay. But 
I sound like Larry David. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, he was fine in the studio. I didn't dislike him so much there. Yeah, but he, he shouldn't be do play by play. I, I want somebody who who you can hear last night's whiskey coming out of the voice. It's it's gotta be a little more gravelly and 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 not with the you know the cliches, the country club cliches. I, I don't want that. Jim Nance, get out of town. Al Michaels is the only one that can get away with it. Al Michaels, the, the wine-sipping San Francisco guy, he, he's the only guy that I, I'm assuming he's from San Francisco. I shouldn't say that he, he is. I think he's from one. L.A. Okay, for L.A. guy. I, I love Al Michaels, so he's the only guy. But I want whiskey drinkers. I want Pat Summerall. Pat Summerall, God bless him. I mean, he he he, he exceeded his he, limit. He had a lot of problems with booze. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he exceeded his limit. So I, uh, That's another reason they wanted to break him and Brookshire up, actually, is because uh, together they were like making the other one drink more because yes. both of them could drink, you know, anybody out. You yes. Know? I heard that. And story. Yeah. Together. They were like, man, they're going to kill each other. Mm -hmm. Yep. So <laughs> they both did Super Bowl 14 as the legend goes hung over as shit. Yeah. Oh, man. Both of them were just fucking just ripped the night before. And that's when the network was like, we have to break them up for their own of course, they were together another season, but for their own good. But going into the next Super Bowl that we get, mm -hmm. we've got to make a move. Yeah. And that ended up being mad. Now, I'm just so glad it wasn't with Vic, uh, uh, Vince Scully. I just oh. I think he's like paint what like paint drying or something like listening to him. <laughs> Not in baseball, but in football, I, I will give you that. Um Vince Scully, as a baseball announcer, there's nobody more poetic that's ever done the microphone uh, for baseball broadcasting. Now, I gotta, we got to talk about, I don't know if you were a fan of the Madden NFL game. but that's Yeah, early on. I don't, big I don't have time. A part of his success is, is that game. I mean, you know, yeah. what did he do? He, he, he collaborated a little bit on the development of it over the years and player scores and stuff. But for the most part, I mean, it was just his name attached to it. But it, no, he, no, 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 no. Really? Like, early on, I mean, it was his voice on, on oh, everything. Yeah. That's true. That's that true. takes hours to do that stuff. And early on when you didn't have the, like the first one was like John Madden football, 92. And then I think 93 is when they started calling it Madden NFL, 93, 94. But the first one was called John Madden football. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they didn't have good graphics back then. Oh, I, I got it up on the screen right now as you're talking. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. But I was just saying like the highlight of the game, because the graphics look so poor was to hear Madden say shit like, Oh, that hole's so big you could drive a truck through it. You know, <laughs> yes, yeah. So Madden's true. charisma made that game. You're you're it, absolutely right. I forgot about that. Absolutely right. Yes. Yeah. His announcing of it, and I remember, I really didn't uh, in the early '90s. I was fucking so much that I wasn't playing video games that much. But but once I got a girlfriend in the mid '90s, I was playing much more often. And so those years, I remember seeing. The first time I saw a Madden football game, I want to say it was the mid-90s, and I was just astonished at the level of graphics. Like, the graphics that we have up on the screen are from the early 90s. I I, I didn't play the game that much uh, or at all when, when the graphics were this primitive. Um, we're running a commercial now or something. But um, you're, you're absolutely right. Madden's presence on those games was just outstanding. And he really did. He really d does deserve a lot of credit for, for what happened with the, the popularity of that game. No doubt about it. Um, all right. And so there, there's one other uh, part of the John Madden, you know, 
story. There's probably a lot of other parts, but the, the other part that I have here that we can talk about is Madden and the Turducken. It's already been mentioned in the chat room a number of times. The Turducken became, you know, something so huge because of, of course, John Madden was talking about it. So I got a clip of his first uh, Thanksgiving Day game, or not Thanksgiving Day game, but near November game when he was his first season with ABC and Al Michaels, and they were talking about the Turducken. Home for Thanksgiving. I can't I believe it. I know where I'm going to be on Thanksgiving. I just wonder where those turkeys are going to be for Thanksgiving. I have a feeling. I know. Kevin Barlow. Well, John, for years at CBS and Fox, it became a tradition, the turkey leg and all of that. And, and you brought to the the uh, knowledge of America the turducken. And so our friends at the Four Seasons cooked you a turducken. Oh, there it is. Is, that is. I think it's a turducken. It is a turducken. But I got to show you how to. Oh, oh, I, I, I can't show you. I need fresh turducken. I'm going to have crazy turducken. But anyway, anyway, here's how you slice it. See, a lot of people don't know. You have to slice it down the middle. See, and then you slice it across this way. Because what it is, it's a it's a deboned chicken stuffed in a deboned duck stuffed in a deboned turkey with dressing between the chicken and the duck and the duck and the turkey. So as you cut down that way, you go turkey, dressing, duck, dressing, chicken. You know, one of the great things about your coming over here is I'm able to ask you all of these questions. Because for a lot of years, I thought a turducken was some sort of a, you know, a foul crossbreed. But it's not. Well, it's I mean, three I different mean, things. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's, it's really five different things. It's a, it's a chicken, a duck, a turkey, and two kinds of dressings. And are you going to have one on, on your Thanksgiving table? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have one. I have to bring it, though, but, you know, you know, because it, oh, here's, Here a, it is, here's, here's, a, here's a picture of one. Turn duck in yeah. the picture. That's the, that is one. it. And you see, you cut it, like, right down here. <laughs> see, and then this is what it looks like inside. <laughs> see, so you got turkey and duck and then dressing and then chicken. Oh. And then, then you just have to do it that way or... Nick, if any of that makes sense. It, it, now, can I get some hoisin sauce with that? <laughs> That's unbelievable. You know, you know the, the first time I ever had one of these, I, I I ate it with my fingers, and then I had to shake hands, and I didn't know whether to <laughs> stay away from me. He's a master, man. He is a master. There's no. And doubt you know, about none it. of that. None of that was a put on. No. I mean, it's not like he was trying to be funny or he's just having fun and right. being himself. And that translates the authenticity is my point that it's kind of why he was so over with everybody. Mm -hmm. I know it there, you know, there are a couple of people, I think after the impression started uh, with like Jimmy Kimmel and uh, what was the other guy's name that did the show on fucking TBS. Oh, uh, um, um, uh, He's the conservative guy. Um, I know you're talking about. He does a good John Gruden impression, too. Uh, but he he replaced Jimmy Kimmel at Fox when they started doing the comedy thing. Yeah. I can't think of his name. But uh, Madden sort of got his detractors by that point with people, you know, you know criticizing him for whatever. Uh, kind of the way Chris Berman early on was so popular. And then some it was like fashionable to say you didn't like Chris Berman, you know, at some point. But for the most part, uh, you know, Madden was beloved by all football fans overwhelmingly. Do you? Uh, so, are you saying that towards the end of his broadcasting career, people were kind of pointing out some of the mistakes he would make in the booth? 
Yeah, or kind of, or would be critical of him for like I used to always hear people say that he stated the obvious all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that know. was true. I, I think that was true. There was a point in his career where his his analysis of the game started to fall behind, and it happens to a lot of analysts. Um, by the way, were you referring to Frank Caliendo? Yes. Okay. Thank you, Three Z's World, and a, a number of other people who pitched in that thought in the chat. But I, I did, I did, I wasn't part of the group that was making fun of John Madden. But there were times where I would watch a game towards the latter part of his broadcasting career, and I was saying, "What the fuck is he talking about? That that was clearly an offsides or whatever." You know, he he just didn't have the sharpness uh, that he displayed when he first was the the master of the telestrator. I mean, he he that's another milestone in his career he took that telestrator something that was used by other broadcasters and he fucking made it into art because they were all scribbles and and he he could make the average person at home understand the x's and o's yes really quickly Mm -hmm. and he could make it he could dummy it down for anyone that didn't have a large football iq uh, it could be like just your wife who just is watching a game with you occasionally mm-hmm. and, you know, not overwhelmingly into it, but she could, you know, listen and, and, and understand. I yeah. think that that was like his gift and his charm, his charisma. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's so, it, this, these kind of things really bother me. Like, I don't want to make it about me, but just as an example, like when Steve Sable died and now, you know, Pat Summerall died, now John Madden's gone. It's just, I'm so much closer to the end than I am to the beginning. Wow. These kind of things make me just everybody's dying now. Like, you know, not even just like my own like family or something, but like everybody that I kind of grew up with, you know, is sort of dying. And and, and that's it's hard not to to get crestfallen over that, at least for me. It, it's difficult for me to not <laughs> see those things and and uh, and get really depressed over it. I hate to laugh, but the reason I'm laughing is because I'm 63 years old. So basically, basically you're telling me and to choose in his mid fifties. You're much closer to the end than you are at the beginning. <laughs> Where are we at? Although <laughs> well, look at Jeff Dickerson, Jeff Dickerson died at 44. Oh, well, yeah. That, well, come on. We're joking here. Now you bring up the very serious Jeff Dickerson. Well, no, no. I'm just saying, I believe that I'm much closer to the end than the beginning. I'm no. not saying that to like create like sympathy. No. I, I believe me. that to be true. Well, I believe it to be true. You know, tell me, uh, I'll tell you one thing, bear your soul. That's the name of the show. When right. I was in my twenties and I was fucking doing coke and going out to Rust Street and getting laid and fucking showing up to work late, you know, not showing up to work at all and so forth, I said to myself, you know what? I'm never going to see the year two thousand one, and I love that fucking movie. <laughs> I'm never going to live to to see, you know, if we have, you know, a, a connection with some spiritual being that looks like a black slab of nothing. <laughs> I, I kept thinking to myself, but you know what? Sometimes if, by the stroke of luck or whatever, if you're a spiritual person, we sometimes exceed our expectations in terms of how long we live. So let's leave it at that and talk about something else. You are not closer to the end than you are the beginning. Well, no, I believe I am. Even if I'm half, if I'm halfway there, that would put me at 82. Yeah, I mean, am I going to live to eighty-two? Maybe with all the Probably scientific not. advances that there are, you might live to one hundred and twenty. Well, not that uh, you'd want to. <laughs> uh, to bring him back to John, even when John was <laughs> really older, you know, in his seventies, 
or however old he was at the end. His last game was Super Bowl 43. I would have taken him at that advanced age over anything we have now. Like I, you know, I thought in earlier before that, when Pat was the one who was really struggling, uh, their last game together was Super Bowl 36, mm-hmm. and Madden was really carrying him then. And that was sad, sad to see Pat when he was on his way down. Uh, but I thought Madden, despite you know making some mistakes and stuff, wasn't like as bad as Pat was when he was going out, is what I'm saying. But even so, man, to me, they they were the face of football for so for so many years. And like, you know, it could be a blowout. You know, there's no Sunday ticket, you know, before. Mm-hmm. And you got your regional game, and that's that. So if it was San Francisco beating the shit out of the Rams 38 to three. I mean, but they could still make it enjoyable for you. Even if the game was just not what you wanted to see and it was a blowout, but you could still watch it and be entertained. You're absolutely right. And by the way, 4,000 Clover says, with all the fucking that you do, Dan, you'll be living to 120. (laughs) Well, maybe that's my downside. You know, I'm always, I always worry about that too. Cause why? You think you're going to get like some uh, venereal disease that's going to well, knock yeah, you Yeah, exactly, man. I'm like terrified of like one day I'll wake up with a herpes or something, you know, like then then your dick is ruined to steal that from Eddie Murphy on Raw. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, I want to talk more sports. I don't know how long we're going to go, but I want to make sure we squeeze something in here because everybody's asking about it now in the chat room since you kind of had some sexual innuendos and some of the things that you've talked about over the last half hour. It is time to find out how Dan is doing with his sex life lately. So, uh, Dan, I'm going to turn it over to you. And at the same time, I'm going to take a piss because I know a little bit about what you're going to share now. Although I don't want to miss the juicy part. So save that for at least 60 seconds. I'll start talking about the movie first. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I'll be right back, guys. (laughs) All right. So uh, I'll just say her first name because it could be anybody, right? But I like her first name. It's kind of cool because it makes me think of Alicia Silverstone. So her name's Alicia. And uh, I was like, man, I could fuck her name. That's how much I like her name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So we go on the date, you know, no expectations, you know, no big deal. You know, it's, uh, I would have not going to say I would have gone with anybody, but I, I would have gone with a dude like to see Matrix 4. That's how much I wanted to see it. And uh, so we go to the movie. You know, it's good. I really liked it. I was afraid it would suck because I hated part two and part three. But I love part one, and I really like the new one as well. And uh, so afterwards, it's still kind of early, you know, and I was like, well, you know what? Why don't we see that Bradley Cooper movie? And, and so many times when I was young, like 20, 21, 22, whatever, mo- girls would dig going to movies, you know? It was a thing, you know? And But, like, as I've gotten older, the, I, it's hard for me to find a woman that wants to see multiple movies that, you know, but to my surprise, she's like, yeah, let's go see it. So we go see the second film and we both like it. You know, she didn't like the ending, but I did whatever. Uh, so it's over. And you know, like, is Aldo back? Not yet. All right. Well, I, how, how was nightmare alley? I liked it. Like I said, I, I don't want to give spoilers, of, uh, but Aldo said there was another film. Uh, I didn't know this was a remake. Oh, okay. If you saw the other one, I already know what happened, so I, I don't know. I don't even know what it's about. You I just know, know Guillermo del Toro is the director, and I usually enjoy his movies. Unfortunately, it appears that it's going to be a box office bomb. 
Uh, and that's not from the quality of the film. The film was good. Right. But I will, I should point out again, she did not like the ending. It's not a happy ending, which again, she didn't like that. But I, I, to me, it brings the movie full circle. It's sad. Like not like, not like the Lady Gaga shit that he did. Uh, the, what was it? The remake. It was a something star. What was oh yeah. It star was born. Yeah, yeah, well, it's not sad like that was sad when he died, but it's a different kind of sad. It's like a Twilight Zone, tales from the, uh, tales from the crypt, whatever. One of those like okay. where the you know the the built-in irony comes back on you or the the karma, and uh, fucks you over at the end of it. So that's that's the way it felt to me. It kind of felt like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Uh, is Aldo back yet? I yep, am. He just rocked back. Okay, so we see, you know, we see both movies. And so uh, we're, you know, in our vehicle, was her, it was, by that time, it was kind of cold. You know, it was so much warmer during the day. So both of our vehicles are running. And it's obvious that, I shouldn't say it's obvious, but like, you know, we're in a vehicle and she's like wanting me to do stuff for, you know, I, we're in a vehicle. It's not like I can do much especially in a parking lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm discreetly jilling her off, so to speak, with my hand. Uh, I rubbed two of them off for in, uh, in the parking lot. So I think she, I don't know for sure, but I think she was willing to blow me in the parking lot. But I got a little paranoid because there were still so many other vehicles around. And I knew if I tried this shit, my dick wouldn't cooperate because I'd be so on stage fright. <laughs> like this is where I would get arrested, you know, I'm too old for this shit. So I just said, uh, fuck it. Do you want, you want to go to the house? You want to come over? And I didn't know if she'd say yes or no or whatever. And she's like, she thought about, she's like, well, I don't work until four tomorrow. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was like, damn. All right. You know, so, uh, uh, you know, we go over, um, there's nothing spectacular to mention it, you know, just go to the, as soon as we got there, you know, I brush my teeth and put on, reapply my deodorant because I've been out for a few hours, make sure I don't have any uh, breath issues or odor issues or anything like that. And we go straight to the bed and did it twice. And she came a few times and I was happy. So Mark wants to know if you've heard of Blue Chew. <laughs> yes, I have heard of Blue Chew. But fortunately for me at this point, uh, the engine still runs. Oh, good. But once in a while, you get uh, anxiety. Uh, oh, yeah. That, but that was like that when I was 14. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, my God. I, I thought I told, I'm, pre- I'm probably told this on the air. This is a better story than that one because I'm kind of, I don't know why I feel ashamed telling this story because it's, I, I don't know, there's nothing to it. I mean, I was happy to get laid, but it's not like I expected it or anything like that. I just really wanted to see Matrix 4. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know, ended up happening. So, hey, okay. But um, no, nah, man, this is this is true. So, <laughs> and if I told him, I really wanted to see Matrix Four. I wasn't so interested in fucking this girl. I wanted to see Matrix Four. I just found that I, I could have gone with you. Is what I'm saying. It didn't have to be about sex or anything. Like, no, I, I was happy that she wanted to see. And like when you were gone, I mentioned that when I was a kid, I'd go see movies and stuff with and take you know a girl, or whatever, and we'd see two movies or something. It was fun. Yeah. Like nowadays, if you ask someone to go watch two movies, they look at you like you're boring or strange or oh, fuck no, you. you know, 
but she wanted to see the second film too. And I was like, I, I dig it, man. Let's go. And she was like, yeah, let's go see it. So of course I'm paying, but you know, whatever. But, all right. I'm the guy. Um, it's free for her. So maybe that's more, she's more willing, but that's fine. She, uh, I get it. I'm the dude. So, uh, but yeah, so but but let me before, you, before you get off that, uh, 4,000 Clovers wants to know if you could please describe what she looked like. And, and, and frankly, I want to know too. <laughs> Um, and, and judging by the look on Tucci's face, he wants to know too. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't feel comfortable like putting her picture up or something because no, no, no. We wouldn't ask that. But no, no, no. I, 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 uh, but I'll just tell you that she's a brunette, and I like brunettes. And if we were in school, she could have passed. Like I didn't know her then, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I, I would say she was probably a goth kid back then. Okay. I don't know that, but she's got still has a couple piercings and shit like up front, mm -hmm. like a lip piercing. And, uh, uh, you know, so she's not gothic with by any stretch, but she definitely in her younger days would have probably been like that. And I know she's into that kind of music too. So, okay. And in terms of, uh, comfort down there, you know, like when you, when you penetrated, you know, was it, um, uh... Oh, I let, it's weird. She wanted to do all the work. She got, she wanted to drive the car, man. She, really? she got on, she got on top and she wanted to do it. And, and frankly, <laughs> frankly, she was like pressing down on me so hard that it was, I was a little bit in pain. So I was glad it was dark because I'm sure I was making faces like, God damn, like chill down a little bit. Like she, she was pressing so hard on me. You know, like I said, it, I'm sure I'm bruised. But I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, like, she was into it. So, hey, if I, 41, I can make a lady feel like she's into it and have an orgasm on me. That makes me feel happy. Yeah, for fucking sure, man. I, uh... So, but yeah, god damn, she was pressing down hard. But let me tell you my, I, if I've mentioned this story on air before, I apologize. But it's worth mentioning. Because mm -hmm. uh, it's not, like, you brought up the shame factor. So, uh, I'm 14. And I've never had any pussy or anything. I'm 14. You know, it's a summer after eighth grade, for fuck's sake. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I worked this up. You know, I've talked to this girl all summer. And she's like, hey, you know, come over. My mom's going to be gone all day. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like a Monday or Tuesday, what have you. And I know the date. So I don't know the exact day. It was June 22nd of 1995. <laughs> Jesus and Christ. so. I ride the, I had to ride a bicycle. You know, I didn't drive. I was 14, but it's fucking summertime. So I get to her house and all I could think about was fuck, man. I need a shower. I'm sure my balls and shit stink. I've been riding a bike. So I start, you know, get to you couple the fact that I don't know what I'm doing. I've never <laughs> done this before. And, and now I'm worried about my fucking balls stinking. Like I, if, if this were me now, I would hope that it wouldn't be me riding a bike to, to go get some pussy. But uh, hypothetically, I think I would have the wherewithal to be like, hey, Christy, or um, oops, or whatever her name was, um, maybe I could use your shower. <laughs> because she was like willing to go down on me and stuff. And I stopped her because I was afraid like I would stink or be sweaty. No, or hey, that's so, a legitimate anxiety or concern, at least. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. So I don't, I don't come at all. And it's like I've run out of time. You know, uh, but I, I left, I got grounded when I went home that day, I'm going to, I got a second opportunity, but I'll tell you when I was riding home, if, if it rains on me, 
Mm-hmm. It's like a country song. It starts to rain on me. At one point, my chain like got knocked off, and I couldn't fix it. Ah, oh God, it got it got fixed. But uh, I do it at a garage. Did it for me. Like a guy had like his like a I don't. know, It wasn't a car dealership, but it was like a small garage where they they did jobs or whatever, you know. And the dude like fixed my bike for me. But the whole ride home, it's it's raining. And I'm just smelling my fucking hand. I'm like, oh my God, that's pussy on my hand. Oh my God. And like, I went home and like beat off like three times to the smell of her on my hand. I got grounded because it was late and I was out and it was raining. And I didn't give a fuck, man. I was like, look, just punish me, but let me go beat off here in the other room because her fucking vagina is on my hand and it smells incredible. So I got one more opportunity with her. The second day was July the 10th of 95. So her mom, her mom finds that I'm there, reads me the the riot act, and I was like, "Look, I see you seem like a good guy, whatever, but just don't come back when I'm not here." And I and I, I was going to abide by it because I, I liked her daughter, I did legitimately, and we talked and talked. We didn't work. That's all we did was talk on the phone like all fucking day and night, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't going to ruin this. She's fine as a motherfucker, and like you know, hell, she's already willing to sleep with me. Like, we'll figure it out, you know. Plus, I was like, kind of like afraid to fuck up again anyway. But oh God, so it's the second day is July 10th. So on July 9th, she tells me, "Hey, I want you to come back up tomorrow." I was like, "But, but, 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 but your mom said, yeah, 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 yeah." But she's going to be gone for 12 hours today. They're doing inventory. Like there, she's leaving at 7 a.m. She's like, in fact, can you be here at 7:30? So there's no rush. So I'm like, okay, I'll figure it out. So I get a guy to take me, who ends up fucking my sister a few years later, and I have a nephew because of it. Jesus. Mark, Mark was just too. asking if you use rubbers because you might otherwise have little dance running around. He's asking that just the same time you said that. Go ahead. Uh, uh, that's I was about to mention rubbers. No shit. <laughs> so the first day, I, again, I was terrified at 14. And I just thought, I've got to use a rubber. I got to work because, I mean, that's just been built into my head, you know? Mm-hmm. No pun intended. So I used a, a, something that was like free, you know, like the, the, the clinic. That had gotten like a lifestyle and it sucked. You know, it really sucked. You know, it wasn't comfortable at all, but it wasn't as bad as the second one. So I tell him that too. I'm like, dude, combined with the fact that I'm worried about performance, worried about coming like a fool, like I did with the school teacher a few weeks ago, a few months ago, whatever. Uh, I, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about my balls stinking. I'm worried about all this shit. Is she ever going to, you know, so oh I can't God. keep up with this rubber. And, um, so he goes, oh, I'll take care of that. And he hands me, and I, of course, not <laughs> even knowing the difference, he hands me a non-lubricated French tickler. Oh. Non-lubricated. <laughs> and it's almost a joke, you know, because I had already seen Dumb and Dumber, and he makes that joke, Mr. French tickler. That's what I kept thinking after the fact, because I was still mad about how things went down the second day. So I get there. Once more, the condom, just it, this one feels terrible. It's oh. non-lubricated. Uh, but I'm clean, so I'm thinking I'm going to be okay. Can't keep my dick hard in this at all. I had, I had like four rubbers with me. Can't can't stay hard in any of them. Now, meanwhile, in the background, she's got TV shows on or talk shows. It's like fucking Jenny Jones and Montel <laughs> and Ricky Lake. All of, these are, all of these are like back to back to back. And they're all talking shit about like 
you know, teenage pregnancy and going to boot camp and all this shit. And so in the background, this ambiance is fucking with me too. I'm like, what if I get her pregnant? You know, so I can't keep my dick card. The Montel's in the back yelling at fucking guys for, you know, knocking kids up or whatever. So I, I disappoint again. I, I disappoint. So I go home that day. I'm furious at myself. And I literally was saying shit to myself, like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Am I gay? What is wrong with me? I've had two chances to fuck this fine-ass girl, and I keep fucking it up. Why can't I stay hard? Why can't I come? And I get home, and her mom's already... I To this day, I don't know how her mom found out. I have no fucking idea. Like, it's not like the ride dropped me off in front of her house. Dropped me off, like, a half a mile away. I walked, you know, discreetly. She's like, yeah, nobody's out, you know, and she signals me up. We had all this, you know, CIA shit and, uh, you know, just trying to be cool, discreet. And she sends me out the back door, you know, this and somehow, some way we still got caught. Her mom was threatening me by this time. She's like, you know, she is accusing me of being older than 14 because she says your voice, you're at least 24. <laughs> or whatever. And I've got four, four sons, which she did. Like Christy was the, the kid. And she had four older brothers and yeah. a dad. And they were all going to fucking mutilate me and all this. Uh, the cool part of this, I can take this forward real quick. Sure. Somewhere in 01, I was with my brother-in-law, who now hates me because I didn't vote for Donald Trump. Literally won't talk. <laughs> he actually told me that a vote for Joe Biden was a vote for his death. And I told him <laughs> that you're equating your own livelihood with Donald Trump. You're in a cult. And he, like, his, he doesn't want to talk to me anymore, even though we we're friends. For 25 years, but whatever. Okay. Um, but I was at his, he asked me to come to his company, was playing a pickup like basketball game. Mm -hmm. And he's like, there's going to be a lot of people from the company. If you want to play with us, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up hating it because nobody there knew what to do. I was like, are we playing zone? Are we playing, you know, are we playing man? Like what do they just like, you're the big guy. Okay. I get it. Okay. I'm, I got to play center, even though I don't want to. But what am I doing? Like, I would be like, am I coming? Are we rotating? Like, none of these fucking disorganized rednecks knew what. I got so mad they didn't know. What, I was like, you're making me look like a fool. If I'm going out to the wing to pick up somebody, somebody's got to rotate under the goal. And I just got so pissed I quit. So I sat on the bleacher. Uh -huh. And I'm talking to this guy. It's her fucking brother. It's her goddamn brother, Michael. Now, he doesn't recognize me because this is six years later. But he's talking to me like he and I have known each other. Like he thinks I'm cool and shit. The whole time I'm thinking, this motherfucker thought he was going to kill me a few years ago. I was like, man, let him try it. I was like, he has no shot. But <laughs> the point is, like, it's cool that our brother was sitting there, like, shooting a fucking breeze with me. And I was thinking, he has no idea what I've done with his sister. But I'll finish up the story by telling you, and I have brought this up on air, but to bring it full circle, uh -huh. it's like when I knew that things were good. Once more, it was uh, October 19th of 1997. And so I had told my high school girlfriend, I had told her this story. It's like, I don't know what's wrong with me, man. You know, and I was like, I know you'll think I'm lying, but I feel like I'm a virgin, but even though I'm not, you know, and she's like, what do you mean? You know, and she had me finally explain it. I was thinking she's going to mock me and she didn't, you know, I told her the full story that I just told you all. And I was like, I'm so like, I don't know what's wrong. I just, I feel like, I feel fucking retarded, you know, like what's wrong with me? Jesus and she's like, 
she's like, look, I got this. I got this. She's like, I got this. I remember specifically the Bears were off that day. They were on a bye. The Bears were on a bye. And the next week during the Redskin game when Conway threw his helmet is when I was getting my first blowjob. But anyway, so we're on my waterbed. We're on my waterbed. She's like, shut up. Just shut up. I got it. I got it. And she got on me, and there was no rubber. She got on me, and it was like, oh, my God, this is the cure for fucking cancer here. Like, this is what I've been missing in my life. You have to think of the context. Uh The last time I had gotten a shot of this was July 10th of 95. It's October 97. Mm -hmm. That's two years. Mm -hmm. Two years I've had this failure on me, like like Madden going into Super Bowl 11. You know, like all these (laughs) opportunities you fucked up. And two years later, all the jacking off in between, like, I mean, like this is like ages, like 14, 15, 16, you know, like there's prime masturbating season going on. So you're talking about like 7,000 orgasms ago because I've, I've beat off so many times, but she gets on me and she says, she's got it. And man, motherfucker, she didn't have it. She had, she got on me in four minutes, like the teacher done. I didn't care. I felt like, oh, thank God. I felt like, I felt like Steve Carell at the end of the 40 year old virgin when uh, he sings, like, let the sunshine in. Yes. And Aquarius. Yes. Like, that's the way I felt. That's how happy I was. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> it, was, it was just like I went from training wheels immediately to a goddamn sports car. <laughs> and what was even better about that, too. And I'll cut it short. I know I'm going too long. No, no, that's okay. You can play the Academy Award music for me now. But uh, her mother, her mother, like, they had just gotten divorced, you know? Mm -hmm. And her mom was still fine as a motherfucker and in her early 40s, but had been married for a while. So now she wanted to go out and get some dick and shit. So she would let me stay over because she knew I didn't do any drugs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like, was almost like I was her daughter's babysitter, but. She like, didn't care if I fucked her daughter at all. You know, she let me sleep in the same bed, just let her go out and get drunk and get fucked. She was fine with it. So I got to stay over as much as I wanted. And you can imagine a guy that's 17 and I can sleep with my girlfriend. Like my God, I (laughs) I would say in a a, uh, moderate estimate, I would say from, cause I was with her from, uh, October 97 until April of 99, mm-hmm. I easily fucked her 3,000 times. 3,000. Easily. We were fu- well, maybe that's an exaggeration, but I guarantee you we were fucking anytime we were together five times a day, at least. Damn. Damn. Now, we sk- I remember we would skip school together, and they- there used to be all these old school buses. Like, I don't want to say 100, but like, 30, 50 school buses that weren't in use anymore. Mm-hmm. They were parked out back, you know, just out back. I don't know what the fuck they were just doing. It's like almost like a junkyard. But we would go and get in those old buses and fuck. <laughs> like, it's terrifying. Like, we'd gotten caught. We never did. My- Hell, what the fuck are in the library? Holy fuck. What, what do you remember uh, the Dewey Decimal number that you were at? <laughs> no, no. We were in, like in this back section, like, where there was nobody else there. There's a couple of chairs. And like I said, I don't know why it was there. It was in the, just in the back. Uh-huh. I'm sure if, if someone, you know, at the school, like was looking at the, I mean, there had to be cameras, right? 
Well, I mean, did you go to Columbine? (laughs) (laughs) I was in school when Columbine hit, though. But um, no, I'm saying somebody somewhere probably could have seen evidence of this. But fucking a. But no one caught us. Now we only did like once in the library. But the school bus thing was, uh, I don't want to say frequent, but Mm -hmm. obviously more times than this that once. I I was doing that because she's that was her thrill. She wanted to fucking public. PJ, she wanted to take a risk. PJ has a question. He says, wait, so Dan got back with the girl who wanted her brothers to jump him. <laughs> no, what now? I'm confused by the question. Well, he's he's saying that this girl that you got back with was what weren't her brothers? No, 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 no. I never got with Christy ever again. I had okay. those two opportunities and I never saw her again after that. Right? Okay, so it was a different okay. Yeah, the only, I did talk to her one more time, though. Mm-hmm. And this is true. So the night that Stockton eliminated the Rockets mm-hmm. in game six in 97. Mm-hmm. So I remembered, you have to, again, rewind. When I was talking to Christy, it was in 95, it was in the Rockets run, this big run to go to the championship. Mm-hmm. They're down 3-1 to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Come back and win uh, game seven on the road. And they beat San Antonio when I'm talking to her. They went, they beat the magic when I'm talking to her. So it was game six and I was worried, you know, I was like, God, they just have to get to game seven and they can win this thing. And, but I called her out of the blue. She's I mean, it's landline. You know, we're, like I said, she and I, when we were doing our thing, it was after eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And at this point it's, you know, like 11th grade. I haven't tried to talk to her since then. Cause then they wanted to kill me. You know, I, I get the point, but I called that night and like, she's actually answers the phone and, we talked the whole first half, and I was thinking, this is going to be the fucking mojo that I need for the Rockets to win tonight. And um, I was like, I was like, God damn it. If, if the Rockets win this, I'm going to try to get back with her. It's, it's her. She's good luck. And, of course, <laughs> uh, as fate would have, uh, somehow Matt Maloney got uh, stuck on Stockton and didn't go out, and then Barkley's desperately trying to stop him and hits the three, and that's that. Uh, so... Yeah, I never talked to her after that again. So hey, the girl that, that did the thing with me during the Bears game, or not during the Bears game, the, the bye week, right. that was certainly not the same girl. So okay. So Mark has a question. He says, Dan's first girl is the precursor to precursor, precursor to the Pornhub stepsister genre, which is funny. But my question for you is, would you entertain the idea of opening up a Pornhub channel account for yourself because oh no no i'm like you know fuck man i'm way i'm too big for that shit nobody wants to that's what i'm saying i always you you don't know i mean i i can i can go to pornhub right now they've got all these jobs i know i I, i'd have to lose some some weight and i want to do that anyway because i'm going to that festival in florida Mm -hmm. in may so that humidity and stuff i'm gonna i'm gonna have to work out a lot between now and may uh so that i don't die down there all right, we've got a uh, breaking story here. Retro TV and movies is uh, challenging your uh, claim of 3,000 times. He says Dan would have had to have sex four times a day, two years straight. At first, I called BS. Second thought, at 17, 19, it's possible. So he's not calling bullshit. My bad. He's saying that at that age, it's possible, which of I mean, course I it could, is. <laughs> I mean, I stayed all night with her on school nights and shit. I mm-hmm. mean, her mom, Pam didn't care. Mm-hmm. That's what you don't understand. Like, she didn't care. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, the dad wasn't in the house. There, I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't have liked it. Um, but 
even later on, like in the summer, like 98 and shit, when I was meeting her dad, her dad would drop her off at, at my mom's house and shit. So it was, neither one of us drove yet. Mm -hmm. So we used the school, but we utilized the school buses to, to get back and forth mm -hmm. or our parents, you know? And so, I mean, both of her parents knew that we were fucking, I mean, they just wanted us to, to, uh, make sure that, you know, she was on the pill and she was, and she, she didn't miss the fucking pill. She didn't want to get pregnant. So, uh, she was responsible in that, but like, and fuck, we weren't using any rubbers. And I, and I was, I was coming in her every time. So. Yeah. So I can, I can, I, I, at that age, I, I know exactly what you were going through. I, I can't say for, you know, and I can't say it was 3000 times, but it was in the, well, maybe it was 1500. Who knows? Yeah. It was a bunch, man. Yeah. Well, it was a myriad of fucking pre like, <laughs> there was lots of coming in this girls. What I'm saying, you know what? Real quick. You think, uh, but, I, by the way, somebody wants to know if you left any DNA behind at that library. <laughs> probably, but, um, I don't think so. Maybe who knows? But, uh, the thing is, I, and I don't want to say her name or, Cause this no is names. just what I, well, I already said her mom's name and stuff, but I'm not, I don't want, this is just an update I got on her. Okay. I hadn't seen her since, uh, like 2001. Cause for whatever reason, she's not on any socials or any of that shit. Like I just, it's like she fell off the face of the earth mm -hmm. and I talked to her. I, I have friends with her cousin or her cousin and I were friends before I ever met her. Like he's older than I am. And we went to school together. Uh, so I even would ask her cousin, be like, Hey, what do you know? I, Fuck dude. I haven't seen her either. You know? So like, it's like, she fell out the face of earth, but I found a guy that, that had kept in touch with her and, uh, because of Facebook and he and I were talking and he was telling me just like, cause back in the day, you know, she was like, bye and like pussy and stuff, you know? And like now he says that she has a teenage daughter that she's gone so conservative because she was a liberal Democrat. We were young, you know, uh, but now it's so conservative that, her, and like believes in God and shit. Like when we were together, neither one of us believed in God, you know, it was part of the attraction, you know? And, uh, of course I stayed a godless communist, I guess. And <laughs> she went conservative, hard, right. And like her daughter is a, is a, allegedly a lesbian now and is afraid to even tell her because Ooh. she'll be excoriated and like kicked out of the family. That's how like they, like she's a bigot now. As, as, what was the accusation that's being like that she would like her daughter's afraid that she will hate her because she does like, man, she used to eat pussy all the time. Doesn't matter. Her daughter, she, her daughter's a, a fears her and her reaction. Wow. I was like, God, I'm glad we lost touch then. Cause I always thought, I wonder what happened to her. You know, like, um, I would love to talk to her again or something, but not now. Like after I found that, that killed my ever wanting to know anything about her ever again. Because I always want to know, what is she doing? What has she been doing the last 20 years? Where the fuck is she, you know? But now knowing that she's a hard right-winger. She's part of the insurrection at the uh, White House. Or the exactly. Capitol Building, excuse me. That, that's, that's crazy to me. If you knew, like I said, she was, God, she, it, when we were in school, I got called devil worshiper because of her so many times because she was hard gothic. I mean, like, black lipstick that she had all the fucking piercings and all that shit. And I thought she's hot as a motherfucker too. Um, but I, I got that rub like because of her in a lot of ways, you know, and I didn't give a fuck, whatever, you know, I, I didn't believe in the devil then or now or any other time. So, uh, but 
what I, that's the thing is like I said, I, you take that person and now she's like hardcore, like Christian conservative. It's, it's, this blows my mind. Let me ask you a question. When you get oral sex from a goth girl, is your dick black at, at the end after you come? Is it like all uh, black? I don't, I honestly, I don't remember. She's the only gothic <laughs> person that like had the black lipstick and everything that I was ever with. But that was so long ago. I could lie to you and say, oh, yeah, but I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, so. I, I I have to wonder about that. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, but she was, like I said, in those days, man, she was fucking phenomenal. Like, just, I, I can remember, like, you know, she would let me, you know, not bitch about watching football and stuff and the playoff games and things. And, hell, all those, like, games, 97, 90. I can remember when Elway finally beat – uh well, he had beaten Kansas City. Kansas City was supposed to, you know, they were like the top seed. Mm -hmm. And Elway beat KC and then beat Pittsburgh and then beat Green Bay in the Super Bowl. But at the moment that he beat Kansas City, I think Gerback threw a pass to Ryzen and it went incomplete. I was fucking at that moment. <laughs> and was still watching the game. And she was cool, man. Like, you know, like I said, she was fine, like, with that, like, didn't care if I was still watching the game while I was fucking. I mean, like, I know women that would be pissed off about shit like that. Like, my ex-wife would have like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> she but she knew that about you before she said, I do, right? I mean, I just had to play ball, though. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't try that shit. She would stop, you know. You're talking about during the engagement process. No, I mean, like. I couldn't, you know, try to pull off watching a game while I'm doing it. That's what I'm saying. I knew better. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. Like, I knew the, the ramifications of, of hearing her complain. Yeah. Or, or, or the hostility that would come with that. Yeah. I think, I think that it's, it's a good argument, though. <laughs> well, you got to, part of marriage is compromise. And that was just one of the compromises that I had to uh, capitulate you, to. Would you have minded if she was, you know, watching Sane Elsewhere while you guys were fucking or, or you know the things she watched uh, she always watched Bob's Burgers okay so would you have minded if she, she said hey do you mind if I put Bob's Burgers on while we fuck no no interesting I would have had to block that out Tooch, do you do you demand full attention you know don't I don't want you watching your soap operas or anything while you're having sex with uh, your significant other no, but my wife doesn't like any TV on during the no. uh, the act. <laughs> that's no, that's tough for you, right? No TV. Is uh, that and that's that's I, tough for you? Although I'm, you know, I, I'm I, usually like five minutes afterward, I'm sound asleep. <laughs> so. Listen, my. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've masturbated with the TV on my entire life, so I have to have the TV on while having sex. I'm sorry. You know, the best masturbating in the world ever is when you're a kid, you're 15, you're 16, you know, and nobody else is at the house. And the bears like, game is like when somebody's home, you got to turn the tape down real low and shit. It's like the TV's on one. And you're like, you're just, nobody can hear this shit, right? So you're just beating off to your VHS porn tape. But the moment there was nobody there, mm -hmm. and like you knew you were free for at least an hour, mm -hmm. and you could turn that fucking TV up, <laughs> <laughs> turn that porn up, and just go. Those are some of the best. Because you're like 16, you're like, fuck it, I just came, I'll come again. I'll just keep the tape going, fuck. <laughs> 
have you ever masturbated during a Bears game and you came, you ejaculated at the same time the Bears scored a touchdown? No, but I was. I brought this up on air. This is 100% true. Swear on my mother's grave. In 2001, when we went to Tampa, uh, when the Bears went to Tampa in the third quarter, Jim Miller threw two big touchdowns to Marty Booker. Mm-hmm. And I was fucking during the first one. So I was like, oh, man, we got to keep this going. We got to keep this going. I, I was, this is the first significant girlfriend I had after the high school one that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And she was cool with it, too. And so, <laughs> again, the second touchdown, we were still fucking. And then I ended up having to come. But the Bears <laughs> won. But during both of those big touchdown drives in the third quarter of that game, yeah, I was fucking and I was thinking, this is because we're fucking. This is getting us momentum because the Bears were flat as shit in the first half. And then we start fucking and suddenly the, he's swinging the rock, hitting Marty deep on some, you know, the post. He's open, touchdown. So I was like, we got to keep fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Dan Aguirre opens up, reveals parts of his sex life. Well, all these stories are like 25 years old now because that's when I was good. Like now, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, like I I just, I'm like John Madden at the end, you know, like at the end (laughs) of the broadcasting career. But early on, when in like in 97, 8, 9, 2000, 2001, I was like Madden in 85, you know? Like. <laughs> nah, yeah, well, you still have your, you know, turducken days ahead of you. And uh, you've got you, you've got a lot ahead of you. Don't worry about it. You're not not close to the end. Don't even phrase it that way. I don't think well, anybody, I just think, you know, your, your uh, libido isn't like it was. <laughs> uh, it, it, when you're young, there's no way around that. Even if you did take a supplement, like the blue chew or what have you, mm-hmm. that's just going to help you maintain your erection. It's not going to help you like want it the way you like you fucking wanted it, you know, back as a kid, like you wanted that shit. Oh, wait a minute. We got Brandy in the chat room and she is. Brandy's got a boyfriend now. She can't be listening to these stories. Oh, well, she, uh, she apparently oh, got oh, permission oh. from her boyfriend to write, Dan, you're better than okay. Oh, listen to her. Isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. It is. I, I put her over. If you remember that one night, I talked about how great it was. So Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I, I will forever uh, be mad at you that you didn't invite me into the bedroom and when we were at the Cle- Cleveland Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, you know. Uh, what do you think about Leon fucking in. Uh, and uh, what's her name? Uh, Susie's house. <laughs> so, yeah, Dan. Dan. I mean, excuse me. Uh, Tooch hasn't seen Kirby Enthusiasm. For for those people who have not seen the Kirby Enthusiasm, another one of the funny bits that went on is this whole um, vaginal rejuvenation thing. Dan, you can tell the story better than, than I can. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, there was just a recurring joke of a couple of the female characters getting the vaginal whatever that surgery is called where they make it tight again rejuvenation yeah vaginal rejuvenation surgery but either way uh leon brought he had to stay at that's larry's friend and he had to stay it's you'd have to watch the episode to find out why but he had to stay in susie's bed susie's house (laughs) and they couldn't even sleep 
because like Leon, they're like, he's a fucking machine. He's you know, fucking, so it's like hardcore New York, you know, he's fucking he hit just the headboard hitting the, the table and she's hitting on the wall. Stop it's in like, there. Yeah. It's like four 30 in the morning. Yeah. He's still fucking. That's right. She's got this dirty mouth. So she's always throwing the F bomb. Stop fucking in there. <laughs> it's great. It's, she sounds like Phil. If he were a lady. <laughs> <laughs> that that's part of what makes that show what's the name of that uh female actor dan you should know uh Susie something uh Susie? I, 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 we should know because she's so good but she's part of the reason why the show's so fucking funny and, and leon j jb smooth i mean that guy is fucking priceless if it was just larry david there's no fucking way I could watch that. He's always complaining, bitching, moaning, getting into trouble. I, I do enough of that in my own life. <laughs> <laughs> the first, uh, like maybe the second episode that Leon was in, uh, so, uh, he was still with his wife. Mm -hmm. And Cheryl was like, there's cum on the covers. And so she's like, you got to talk to him. So Larry doesn't even know Leon yet. And he's like, we noticed that there was ejected on the covers he's like it's, he's like ejaculate and he goes ejaculate and ejaculate he's like come come there's come on the covers he's like larry i brings it i brings the thunder to the ladies he's like i don't have to do it by myself he's like that's not my come larry that's not my come and then later in the episode uh he's telling ted danson and ted danson's like that's fucking unacceptable. You got to kick him out of the house right now. I'm a crazy guy in your house beating off on your covers. And Jeff, and Jeff was like, it was me. And he was like, what do you mean it was you? He was like, yeah, we were at Passover and I got a heart on. So I went upstairs and, you know, I beat it. He's like, and you came on the covers. And Jeff was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, you're, you're welcome to come over and beat off at my house anytime. But anyway. <laughs> I did not beat off at your house. <laughs> You're more than welcome to. Um, outstanding show. All right, let's talk about some of the things you guys have seen. Tooch, uh, I got to tell you something. I saw it. You know you which movie like I'm it. talking about? Like the Jane Campion movie? Yes. I fucking love yeah. it. It was it outstanding. Was awesome. It was outstanding. What is it called? Beautiful the Power to of look the at. Dog. The, the power, yeah, the Power, the power of the Dog. dog. Yeah, for those uh, who don't know, uh, it's a film currently on Netflix, I believe, and it is a story early 1900s in Wyoming, I want to say, and there are, it's a story of two brothers. One of them is like uh, like Mr. Super Toxic Male Masculinity, just, just is an asshole. I mean, he treats everybody around him, including his brother, like... Yeah shit and his, and his brother it takes it and he's super polite and so forth yeah the super polite brother marries someone and um i don't want to give anything away but it's just a complex human high high human emotions talking about the dangers of male masculinity that you know sometimes it, things can just get out of control and um it's it's a beautifully told movie. It's a very arty movie, so it's not gonna you know it's not an action picture or anything like that. So, but if you're into into like something that has a literary feel to it, I highly recommend it. The acting is amazing, and the whole really good. Uh, the whole cast, mm -hmm. 
from who's, uh, in, the, who's in the cast? Do you remember? Benedict Cumberbatch is the. Sorry. You know, he'll be the Oscar nominee for best actor for this one for sure. Uh, Did you Cody, know he's got a condition with his eyes that his eyes turn from green to blue to green to blue? Uh, you know, throughout the day, it, it's uh, it's it's part of what I think the camera just really is mesmerized by his look. You know, I think it's, it's those piercing eyes that he has. But yeah, yeah, he's really good in the movie. Who who's the female leader? I forgot her name. Uh, was uh, Kirsten Dunst? That's right. Of Spider-Man fame and yep. a number of other movies. Yep. And, the and then Cody Smith McPhee is the boy, the son of his son, right? Awkward uh, medical student. Right. And Jesse Plemons plays yep. the brother uh, yep. who was in Friday Night Lights, the TV show, and has been in uh, some gangster it, films. Sons of Anarchy. Is that where he so, was? was he in Sons of Anarchy? Is that. Is it Sons of Anarchy or Breaking Breaking Bad? Was it Breaking Bad? He wasn't Breaking. It, was, I don't know if you. I, I remember from Friday Night Lights. I, I don't remember from any other TV shows. And he's done a number of movies. He's he was with Johnny Depp in that Whitey Bulger movie. Yes, uh, yes. he's been in the Scorsese movies. He's, he's a he's a hot actor. Now this was not one of his better performances because he he really didn't have as much to do as Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. and and was, his Bell. character was flat. Yes, you know, it was. Who was kind of just one of an, an uninteresting person. So, right, and he played that perfectly. So, but if you're into those kinds of movies, uh, did you put the pieces a, together at the end? Uh, I I knew in the middle of the movie when he when the Bened when the Benedict Cumberbatch character went off into the woods by himself. I kind of got a feeling as to, okay, I think I know what's going on. And then uh, you know the. The ending with, uh, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't want to give it away because, you know, the twist ending is is great. I can't say much, but, you know, yeah. all the clues were, were shown to you. And then, you know, when when the event at the end of the events at the end of the movie, you know, culminate, you're like, oh, it was all right there in front of me. Mm -hmm. You know, just uh, what happened. I think, you, I think you'd like it, Dan Aguirre. You going to give it a shot? I pulled that up on Netflix at work, mm -hmm. and what dissuaded me from hitting play was I was like, "Ah, oh, it's a western," but Don't, it's not really though. No. <laughs> it's like it a really post western. Yeah, I was like, "It's gonna be like Brokeback Mountain," you know. It's just... I've never seen Brokeback Mountain, but it Neither did have. I, but it, it did have a little of that feel. It has a little broke broke backness to it by <laughs> <laughs> one yeah. thing that i did watch on you all's recommendations and i like i said i feel like an asshole if someone's really passionate about something and i, and I don't like it mm -hmm. uh what is it called station 11 yeah okay. I, I, I haven't I, seen that yet but i, I saw it's on my list episode yeah we the first about episode last i was with the mm -hmm. second episode was so bad i didn't watch any more of it hmm. Yeah. I hated the second, and this is why. But maybe if I stuck with it, maybe it would fill in the blanks. But I got emotionally invested in the character, the main guy. Mm -hmm. I, I think he's from India, but maybe he's Arab. I, I couldn't discern like their culture, but whatever. You, you know, you know, what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And he's with the white kid. Uh, he he's just being nice. He wants to help her get home, and then like a pandemic. I thought it was like a take on COVID. I was like, oh, this is so current. It's, you know. And everything happens. His sister's telling him, like, no, this shit for real. So, again, I thought it was like a historical fiction kind of 
you know, take on COVID. And, and then the episode ends and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens. And then the next episode, it goes like to fucking 20 years later where the girl's a woman. And like, I'm like, what? Like, no, I don't. I mean, again, maybe it's nonlinear and it's going to come back and keep filling in the blanks. Yes. But I couldn't, I could not get into the story of where they were in the future at all. And I kept wanting to know what happened in the other one. And they weren't really running parallel. It's not like this is Godfather 2. Like, you see some Pacino. You go back, you see some De Niro. And, like, they're running equal. Dis- you know, it wasn't that at all. It was, like, overwhelmingly this shit in the future. And then uh, occasionally they sprinkled in some of the guy that I wanted to see. I wanted to know what happened to him. He, he and his brother, like, his sister is a nurse. Like, what happened to these characters? And they just shit on it and made it something else. Like, it was, it went from something that felt like it was 2021. It's happening right now. This is COVID to like, oh, uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to bring the dinosaurs or something out here in a minute. Something crazy is going to happen. There's going to be a fucking space shuttle or something. It's like, this went from like current shit to like sci fi. And that's what I didn't like about it. It, it does have an abrupt. Uh, pace to it in terms of the uh, shifts in time, but it is the type of show that you really have to be patient with and give it a chance. And um, I've seen three episodes, and I think it's it's been great. It's well, the first one was it. great. I yeah. did love the first episode. Mm-hmm. If it was, if that if those were the characters that we were following, then I would be like, oh, this show is tremendous. I when it went to the future, it lost me. It felt like it was a completely different show. That's why I couldn't get into it. I mean, like Steven says, he's watched Station Eleven really good, but two, but they haven't filmed the full season yet. It's just getting good. Yeah, that's right. I think uh, five episodes have now dropped. I think what HBO Max did is they dropped three episodes, and now this past weekend they dropped two. So there's five. I got through the first three and now we'll take a look at the next two it's a it, it appears to me to be kind of an unusual release schedule but hey i'll, I'll take it um i love to binge these these 8 10 12 part uh serials as opposed to waiting 12 weeks uh it's not easy to binge through stuff with the schedule but that's my preferred way of watching these shows now at the very least try to watch you know you know, three or four episodes one week and then three or four another week, you know, at, at the very least that. Although I have, I sat through uh, season one of, my wife and I uh, sat through season one of 24, the old Kiefer Sutherland movie, and it, it, it and we did it like in almost 24 hours. <laughs> it's, it's, we watched, we were just got so sucked into Kiefer Sutherland with all these terrorist tactics <laughs> and, and trying to get confessions out of people. And uh, we had a great time watching it. We started watching it on Friday night and Sunday morning we were fucking done. It was amazing. I remember I was with my friend back in the day, Michael, and when that show first came on, it, uh, it was right after 9-11, I think, uh, or, or at least 2001-ish. And every like break from football, they would show that fucking trailer of Kiefer Sutherland screaming at the top of his lungs, who are you working for, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> my, my friend Michael was like, 
God, I'm never watching that show or another movie with Kiefer Sutherland ever again. This fucking, this commercial has made me hate Kiefer Sutherland. That's right. And I, I always made fun of the way Sutherland did it on that show is that he would say the line twice. And so the first time it's, it's a yell, but the second time it's a super yell. So put that gun down put that gun down that, that was the rhythm and the way he barked out his lines throughout the entire 24 hours but it was a it was a clever premise for a show you know it's a, there's a terrorist attack everything happens over a 24-hour span it was really well done let me tell you one more quick uh, my cousin had a similar thing i told you how my friend michael hated Kiefer sutherland mm -hmm. it's Kiefer sutherland because of that trailer you remember when uh Howard Dean was like, we're going to Washington. We're going to, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Kill this candidacy. Like that night, it was over. The, the day that happened, my cousin, the one that's locked up now is a junkie now, but he was like, and he was really, he's really country, you know, he was like, God, I, I wanted Howard Dean to win, but not now. <laughs> After that scream, he was like, I hate Howard Dean. <laughs> he was rooting for him in the fucking primary. That's and hilarious. as soon as he saw the scream, he's like, I hate that guy now. <laughs> but anyway. That, that is hilarious. <laughs> uh, Tooch, what else have you seen that you uh, want to recommend or tell people to stay away from? I, I, I did see The Matrix, the new one. Oh. It, was, it was okay. I mean, I have a hard time buying Doogie Howser as, as a villain. You know? I thought that was a good twist. I didn't see I it coming. <laughs> Is he like really smart villain or? Yeah, you see, he's, a, yeah. he's Keanu's therapist. Yeah. Early in the movie, you think it's his therapist, but he turns out to be the villain. It. Mm. it I don't want to interrupt you. It was too okay. Much. I mean, it was okay. I it was great. Yeah, it was okay. I mean, it's like. Because, I mean, they kind of get you with the, uh, you know, like, uh, is it all in Keanu's head? You know, he's a video game designer. Or is he still in the Matrix? I thought that was clever. You know, and it was yeah. okay. Yeah, it was all right. See, Aldo, this is one minor spoiler. Uh, so when they put him back into the Matrix, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Keanu's character. Mm -hmm. But while he's back in the Matrix, they make him a video game uh, programmer and he's made the Matrix 1, 2, and 3 on video game, whatever system it is, and it's a smash hit. So it's everything that happened in the first, second, and third movie, he's he's thinking that he's making it up and made it into a video game. Mm -hmm. So he's seeing a therapist because he's trying to discern. He feels like, even though he's writing this shit for a game, he feels like it's real. He's having a hard time understanding or discerning what's real and what's not. And that's why he's going to a therapist, which, again, the system wants him to do because, again, they just want to keep forcing him to take these pills and to stay in the system. I thought it was good. I'll yeah, give it a shot. I've got it on HBO Max, so it's a no-coster. It. Yeah, when when it's those new features, when they're released on HBO Max, it's not an additional cost, is it? No, no, not no. at all. Okay, good. No, so I like the... The Witcher on Netflix with Henry Cavill. I've been watching season two, and uh, for me, Isn't it's the uh, new season supposed to start. Uh, it, yeah, it, just, it started last Friday, I think. Oh, okay, and uh, it's really good, man. It's like it's got a ton of action. It's got enough hot chicks and boobs to keep you interested. <laughs> Monsters, and it's got a great story. It's like uh, you know Game of Thrones light. 
that's got Henry Cavill kicking some ass. You had me at boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, the the girl who played both of the main girls are super smoking hot. The one uh, one girl, she's like half Indian, half uh, English, and she's super smoking hot. And uh, then there's like a, a young princess that's also now smoking hot too. She's like the Daenerys of Game of Thrones, that white hair, you know, same petite. Mark says yeah. that the girl that plays Renfrey is hot as fuck. Renfrey, uh, maybe it means Jennifer. Oprah Winfrey? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Mark means that. Hey, let me tell you about a documentary that I saw that uh, Dan is not going to bother to watch it because he's not a comic book fan. Yeah. Um, but John Santucci, I know, is. Have you guys heard of Batman and Bill? Ah, I, heard, I heard of it, yeah. All right. That's well, the, the story of the guy who really created. That's right. Right. And, and well, here's here's a, a quick. Well, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play the trailer. It's Batman and Bill is about a man who helped to create the Batman character, but never got the credit that he deserved. And it's been turned into a documentary because there's been a, a writer who has been, just been who learned of the story years ago and has been trying to correct this wrong so that Bill Finger can get the credit he deserves for helping to create uh, this Batman character. So let me uh, play Zetuela Zet now. This story for me was uncovering a big superhero secret. Bob Kane is the man who has been credited on Batman for most of Batman's history. When you open the comic book, there it says created by Bob Kane. When you see the movies, it says created by Bob Kane. Correcting that is something that terrified everybody, I think, for decades. Bill Finger was the dominant creative force of Batman, Robin, the Joker, Catwoman, the Riddler, the Penguin, the Scarecrow, Commissioner Gordon, Bruce Wayne, and Dick Grayson, and Gotham City. I know Bob tried to take credit for everything. Everything you think is good, that's Bill. So how could this not have been so well known? Sorry about that. <laughs> I saw it and I loved it. It's a great documentary. I highly recommend it. Even, cool. even Dan, you would like it. Uh, I know you're not a Batman fan, comic fan and stuff, uh, but it's just a fabulous story. Very well told. Uh, so I highly recommend it. If you're looking for, if you're in the feel, in the mood for a documentary, um, as I was uh, a couple of weeks ago when I saw that, it, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty, pretty, pretty. <laughs> exactly. I got another one for you. Uh, documentary on HBO. Uh, the Murders at Starve Rock. You guys I saw that. I saw this. Okay. Th this was outside of Chicago, right? That's yeah. right. I used to go there a lot. Me too. When wow, I was a kid. I wow, went a couple cool. times. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I want to say it's southwest of Chicago. Yeah. About yep. LaSalle, Illinois. Yeah. So, um, 
for people who don't know, it's a three-part documentary series. Each episode is about an hour long. Um, somebody was uh, t- uh, admitted to the crime or or at least uh, signed the confession and uh, was tried, sent to jail for the rest of his life, and now a documentary filmmaker, the son of the prosecutor who threw the guy in jail, is now asking some questions. Wait a minute. Maybe, you know, there was a miscarriage of justice here. Um, highly recommended if you're into crime thrillers. And and besides it being a documentary about the crime itself, the guy who is the documentarian, his, his father was the prosecutor. It's his story, too, about how that whole family dynamic thing worked out. I mean, you're questioning the the lifetime work of your dad. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting dynamic. You guys like where, it? Where did you all fall on at the, when it ends, I don't want to give the spoiler to people that might watch it, but when it ends, the creator, the, the director, whatever the guy, like you said, it's the policeman's son. Mm-hmm. He seems firmly in the camp that the guy is guilty. Uh, where, where did you all lay with that? Because after the second episode, I was like, man, this dude really is innocent. Yeah. And then the third one, it did convolute it where I, I don't know. And he's such a befuddled old man. Now you feel bad for him because he, he, they keep asking him like, what did you do 62 years ago? You know? And mm-hmm. he's like, the dude's like 88. He can't fucking articulate that shit anymore. Nope. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll answer before too. I felt like this guy was uh, trying to hide that uh, he committed the crime with somebody else. Um, that's the feeling that I got. But, you know, I, I wouldn't, don't take my word for it. Take two just, two just, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm about to watch this one because my wife and I just oh, loaded okay. it into our queue. But uh, I, I took my wife there before we moved to Iowa. Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. went hiking with my son and uh, the girls. I think the the my youngest daughter I had to carry on the you know like she wasn't walking back then. I had the strap. We went to the you know French Canyon and the waterfall and stuff. Was like there that. any talk about it? Or the, the, you know, cause the, no, I you know, I, book, I, I had know. never heard the story. I heard I heard the story about why it was called Starved Rock. You know the mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, the origin of the of the name. You know, with the Indians on the top of the rocks getting starved out, but uh, I uh, I didn't know that there were murders there. But so not when I when I loaded my thing, I got to find out now. You know, because we were just hiking in there. My 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 smallest daughter and I were in the waterfall. You know, was, you know playing around. And this is summer, I think it was maybe August or something. Mm-hmm. You know, went wading in the waterfall. But uh, yeah, it was it's beautiful down there. Well, Start it's a good. It's a good documentary. Uh, if you guys are into those uh, uh, crime docs now that are so prevalent nowadays, you know what I noticed too is uh, when I went down there, I was like, uh, Illinois got a ton of Casey's mm-hmm. General Store. You know, you know, yeah. It, has it made it to the gas station? You know, the Casey's gas station. Uh, it's like a little General Store gas station. I've uh, seen them when I was up in Galena, I believe. Did you? But yeah, not it's like an Iowa thing, and now it's I went up, last time I went back to Illinois, they were all over the place in the mm-hmm. suburbs and stuff. And I'm like, man, I don't want you guys to have our Casey's, <laughs> <laughs> they have really good pizza, you know. It's like, 
PJ says, Tooch moving to Iowa sounds like he is in the witness protection program. Actually, PJ, uh, the three of us are in the witness protection program. That is not really the picture of Dan Aguirre that you see up on yeah. your TV screen. And my name is really not Aldo Gandia. That is yeah, what, you guys really think Aldo Gandia was a real name? <laughs> what was that guy? Said, so did anybody think Aldo Gandia was a real name? Yeah, right. Definitely not a real what did you say, Dan? I said, saying that I'm from West Virginia does sound like a witness protection thing. Fucking A, it does. Yeah. I'm like Ray Liotta on Goodfellas, wherever the fuck he was at the end. See, PJ's telling us there's got a bunch of Casey's. Ah, in central Illinois. They have really good pizza, man. I would go there. You could get two slices and a like a you know bottle of pop. Mm-hmm. For $4.50. Wow. Mm. You know, nice size pizza slices, yeah. too. Stephen Mee says the Get Back Beatles documentary is fucking amazing. Highly, highly recommend it. Are you, any of you two guys interested in watching Get Back? That's the Peter Jackson one? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to see it, definitely. I have what not seen you? it yet, though. What about what you? Is like it a- Apple TV or is it? Apple TV, correct. Apple TV, okay, yeah. No, I, I appreciate the Beatles and, again, the formula that we use in music now, which is just, you know, verse, chorus, verse, is because of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. So I understand their impact on music and culture and everything, and I give them the utmost appreciation, but they're not my band. And I think, especially the early stuff, they kind of sound like the Backstreet Boys if they were transported to the early 60s. It's like true. that, I want to hold your hand. That shit's awful to me. So now I now when they got on drugs and shit and like by the White Album, like I can start digging a little bit when they had beards. But uh, I, I'm not a Beatles guy, so I don't really give a fuck to watch it. Honestly. Wow. Fuck you. <laughs> I love the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Beatles. I don't yeah. like Paul at all. I Even Why? to this day, I don't Why? Like Why don't you like him? You fucking hate him. <laughs> I don't. I don't hate him, but I always said this is like I, you know, I, it's something stupid I said as a kid. But I thought at the time. But you know, I mean, it's not cool to articulate it today. But I'll say it. I always said, man, they killed the wrong beetle. <laughs> Jesus. Like God. Lennon was like, you know, the fucking star, man. Mel- Lennon's the man. It'd be, you know, like if uh, Jordan got shot, you'd be like, why couldn't they fucking kill like? Fucking Will Purdue or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like maybe it's not fair to call uh, Paul McCartney Will Purdue in that, but he's not as good as Scottie Pippen. I don't think he's not the. Uh, Steven says go on to Disney Plus. It's also uh, it's on there. You don't have to be a Beatles fan. Uh, suggests Steven. and Brandy says the Beatles is also on Disney Plus. She just started watching it. And then Mark says, uh, I think it's fair to say that Dan is the Ringo star of this podcast. <laughs> that's a good one. Hey, well, that, I think that's a jab, but I'll take it either way. <laughs> it was, he said, just kidding. He was joking. Uh, he's a comedian. Um, PJ says he really doesn't watch a lot of documentaries, especially not about bands. Come on, PJ. Jeez, come on, baby. I, I, I was watching, uh, there's a, George Clinton Parliament Funkadelic documentary. Oh, yeah. Really good so far. I started yeah. watching that on Amazon Prime. That was my that man. That was really cool. George Clinton. Yeah. Um, uh, any uh, movies? Any uh, Anything else you guys have on your watch list? Yeah, yeah. I got a lot to say. I haven't, right. uh, haven't told you mine at all. But before I do, 
let me tell Tooch in case he doesn't know. Euphoria season two starts January 9th. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Mm. Zendaya. Yeah. Oh, I saw yeah. episode one, season one, loved it. And for some reason, I didn't go back to it. So I got I to gotta finish that season. Well, if you do, you have to uh, be, be advised that they, they started to film season two in the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. So there's two like standalone episodes that that aired after season one that are completely and utterly not like the first show mm -hmm. it's more or less an epilogue but i'm sure it'll be relevant going into season two so if you watch season one and you finish it and you're like ah, i'm gonna start season two there are two other episodes you have to watch gotcha all right thanks for that tip yeah they're both on there uh they're just not listed together these other two are not listed under season one is what i'm saying gotcha um but yeah uh quickly because we didn't get to talk about it last week are you caught up on dexter and yellow jackets because there's a lot to say on both of those yes i i just want to say real quickly i love dexter this new season it's outstanding it's perfectly done in so many different ways if you're a lover of the original and if you felt like maybe the show lost its way the last season or two. Don't worry. It's found its way again. Dan disagrees with me. He thinks that those later seasons were just fine. But be, whatever well, The is, last one was had really fallen off. The last season okay. was the worst. Okay. And so, I, you know, whatever, I think you're going to like this new season. And I hope, uh, we don't know yet, it hasn't been announced, that they renew it for another season because I could see – that they can do a lot with the characters that they've established in the storylines. Now, Yellow Jackets, I'm still with it, but man, it's a little bit of a tough watch for me. I haven't watched the latest one. That's what I was going to try and watch it. Tonight. My wife went into work early, mm -hmm. and I don't want to watch it twice because if I watch it and then she'll be like, you know, mm -hmm. I need to catch up. I don't want to backtrack, but I, I enjoyed the Yellow Jackets. I just was getting a little bit lost there. I need to go back and watch some parts that I miss because I'm yeah, talking about, you know, jumping back and forth. Yeah. That, that show yeah, but, really does. But the, that show you get like, like, let's say it's seven minutes. Mm -hmm. Hypothetically, they do seven minutes of 1996. It goes to 2021. You get seven minutes of that. And then it goes back to 96. It feels equal. The, the other shit was like 90% 2044 or whatever fucking year it's supposed to be. Uh, I, I like the stuff in the first episode, but I digress. Uh, the the, the I, younger I was, girls they, look exactly like the older girls, you know? They're like the cast. The casting for Yellow Jackets is really good with the young girls. And you, you know who they are in the in the yes, future, you know, because they look a lot like the, the high school versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. I have to speak vaguely since Tooch has not watched where he's trying to get caught up on Dexter. I don't want to give the spoiler, but I wanted to say this to you, and then I'll I'll be vague on Yellow Jackets as well. Uh, the the thing this week with Kurt and Harrison mm -hmm. and Dexter arriving, God damn, they really built in some suspense there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew something was up, but when he came back with the mask and was like, I'm sorry, son, it has to end like this or whatever, I was like, oh. <laughs> like, yeah, that. The last episode before Sunday night's one was a little weak. It was the worst one of the season. And then they came back with this motherfucker, mm -hmm. which was like probably the best of the season. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And and what they've done is 
everything is closing in on Dexter, and it's almost hard to imagine that they could possibly come back because it looks like he's fucked, you know. Uh, so it's going to be interesting what happens in these last two episodes. I, I know I'm not giving away anything by saying that. It's I just think it's very, very well done. And if something does happen to Dexter, like he's killed off or he goes to jail or something like that, that perhaps is the ending that people were yearning for when the series concluded back uh, 10 years ago. Uh, people were looking for some conclusion, just like with the Sopranos, you know, the whole fade to black thing. Wait a minute, did they shoot him? What happened? And so forth. People were were, were pissed off about that. So this this Dexter season could be leading to that ultimate conclusion that a lot of fans are yearning for. And, and I agree. And in Yellow Jackets, which I have to be vague again, the part with the wolves, you know, did you you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, no, I don't. That was in the last episode Sunday night. You had a death. Oh, Sunday yeah, yeah, night. yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, going back to 96 yes. and you see like, yeah. That was man. That's like I said. That was pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for Tooch, mm-hmm. um, but I thought that that was man. Wow. Plus, in the future part, you got the uh, the uh, they're being blackmailed, and you know you have the chase there. You know, mm-hmm. like oh, who who's the person blackmailing us? And I I think it's solid. Like I, I don't like it, I I understand that my opinion isn't like paramount to anyone else's, but. Like, I don't find that show to be a hard watch at all. I really enjoy it. Tooch? He's talking Yellow Jackets? Yes. Like, who's blackmail? Yeah. I'm, I'm, obviously, we don't know who's sending the text messages, right, with the 50K. Not yet. Right. Yeah, we thought we were going to find out for a little bit on Sunday night, mm-hmm. and it didn't go that way, but there was a lot of anticipation. Like, the last episode uh, I saw was the one where Misty kidnaps the reporter. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, so that's why I, I haven't seen the the next one. But like, the Misty character is the best, man. She's just so devilish. She is. She <laughs> is Christina Ricci. Yeah, so good, man. No, we're all of the characters are well drawn yeah. out. Yeah. Um, you know, the character that I really hate, mm-hmm. and I liked her as a kid. I don't like the current day one. Is the one that's like running for office. Yeah, oh, I don't. Yeah. I don't like the storyline with her fucking weird son. Yeah, and bizarre. And the lady yeah, in the tree. I, I just, that bores the shit out of me. I liked her as a kid on though, like the younger '96 version of her. I, I like, like storyline so twenty-one. Mark asks if it's worth it. I I say yes. I, I'm enjoy. I enjoy it, but uh, I mean, it's not for everybody. I, I'm I'm sticking with it because I've invested what six seven episodes into it, so I want to see where yeah. it goes. But so far, with so much good stuff out there, I I wouldn't put it on my my the first page of recommendations, so to speak. Wow. Of stuff. I, I disagree. I think it's fucking phenomenal, and it's already been renewed for a season two as well. Fuck, man. I'm enjoying. I, I I don't know who the lady in the tree is though. You know, is that? I don't think that's been revealed yet. Either. That yes. goes along with that weird storyline with her kid. That's right. Yeah, that bores exactly. me. That's the only one I don't like. I don't like that storyline at all. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that one is yeah. just so superfluous. They could write. They could cut that out, and the show would be, you know, it would still be a moving. You know, they don't need I, that weird shit. I've wanted to watch Yellowstone for quite some time, but Paramount Plus doesn't offer 
like all the seasons and i have a paramount plus subscription but it's like it's their best show and they don't, they don't even offer it you have to pay for per episode like a, it's on it's on uh, i got an episode or something it's like i got i got that peacock at work because the lady i was working with wanted to watch that show because she loves kevin costner you get it and you I, get it. I just dropped the five bucks for peacock so she could watch that show you got I've been watching old ass. Did you say you got cock at work? No, I said I got peacock. <laughs> that Yellowstone is on peacock, is what I was saying. The reason, because there's a lady I work with that loves that Yellowstone show. The reason I got it was because I saw all oh, all the old SNLs were on there. So I was wanting to go back and watch like Eddie Murphy's run because that's before me. Mm -hmm. Like my era of SNL was like Dennis Miller and Weekend Update through Norm Macdonald. That's my wheelhouse. But they cut out all the music acts, and each episode is like some are 48 minutes, some are 32. So they cut out some sketches too, which I don't like. I was hoping it would be the complete episodes, but it's still it's cool. Like I I had never seen Julie uh, Louis Dreyfus on SNL before. Or, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy. And I didn't even know Randy Quaid was on SNL at one point. So yeah, I've been watching some of those. But the reason I brought this up was to say that you were talking about Yellowstone. It is, it's on Peacock as well. Uh, which, Because, like I said, I got it from my friend Robin at work. So it's not free, right, Peacock? It's it's five bucks with, with ads and $10 without ads. Right. I just paid the $5. It's like, look. You'll have the ads, but you can you can watch it at work. Right. Yeah. Now, the first two or three months it was released, it was free. Then they went into the pay system three or four months later, if, if I recall. Yeah, that. as soon as she watches the show, I'm going to drop it. Yeah. Somebody, because the SNLs are edited. That's what pisses me off. Uh, somebody was asked, uh, I was reading the Sunday paper, and somebody was asked, uh, actually it was on Entertainment Weekly to each your, your publication, uh, there was a question asked, you know, how do you, you know, keep up with all these streaming services? This stuff is so good. And so what he recommended, the columnist, I forgot his name, but he said, what you do is you subscribe to one or two services and then change it up every month. And so you're not, you don't have to pay for all these st streaming services throughout the year. You know, that's four, five, six hundred bucks if you, Maybe I don't know for sure how, how much it is, but it's 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 a substantial amount of money. Uh, yeah. So he said, what you do is you change your service every month or so, and you binge watch the stuff that you you're interested in, and never pay for any two or three uh, at the same time. That to me makes a lot of sense. I gotta talk to my wife. Get to work, honey. Save us some yeah. bucks. <laughs> hey, I got a show to tell you about. I haven't seen it. It hasn't started. But it starts in February. The trailer looked good to me. It's got Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Uma Thurman in it. And it's about like the two dudes, uh, I guess, they're fighting over the start of Uber. Yes, I saw the preview for that. It looks oh, wow. good. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to watch that, at least the first episode or two, to see if I if I like it. It looks good. I'm a big fan of that uh, young guy. but He's not young anymore. Joseph uh, Gordon-Levitt. First time I saw him was on uh, the third rock from the sun. Uh, yeah. Then he got into feature films and very, very successful feature film career. And then I started following his podcast a year ago. I've only seen, I've only listened to two or three, maybe four or five episodes. It's about creativity and how, um, you know, how to inspire your creativeness in you. And the way he does it is, 
um, listeners submit a question. And so he then finds a guest that can help him answer that question in a very robust way. And uh, if you're interested in the whole, you know, opening your your creativity up, it's it's a pretty good podcast uh, to follow. Just Google Levitt and creativity, it'll pop up. I sent you the picture of the girl from the other day. You asked what she looked like. What girl? Oh, shit, my phone died. Let me see if I can do it here. The one from the movie. Uh, we told you I went to Matrix 4. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my gosh. Hot, hot, baby. And I enjoyed, like I said, that Bradley Cooper movie a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's I, just too bad it's a box office bomb, apparently. I, I, I'm I don't, so I don't know what that movie is about, to be honest. Nightmare Alley is... Yeah. Uh, oh, I can tell you this, and then, Dan, pick it up from here. I first... I saw the black and white version. Um, it's a... Just recently... It's a, a 1950s feature with Tyrone Power. He plays a guy who works at a carnival, uh, gets into a, a, a scheme of, of, you know, pretending he's a mind reader, sees a lot of success, but, you know, it's a kind of a film noir, so you know what his ending is probably going to be like. The, the black and white feature I saw was fantastic. Fantastic. And Guillermo del Toro, the director of the new version, is one of my favorite directors, so I'm anxious to see it. Dan, you saw it, and your thoughts? For one, that episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm that I told you about, the incest group, survivor group, Yeah, one of the ladies brings that actor up, Tyrone Power. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he's a black gentleman, right? No, he's a, he's a white guy. He's been in a lot of... Oh. Good movies, swashbuckler movies. I'm pretty sure that's his name, though. For some reason, I thought he happened to be black, but I'm pretty sure that's who she brings up. But I don't know if I can, if I can tell anything about this movie without giving spoilers, though. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing I, like I said when you were pissing, it feels like it could have been a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, I heard you know that. The, when you know I was that one back. season, uh, season four of Twilight Zone when they, they were hour episodes versus the half hour ones. Yeah, excellent stuff. Yeah, you know, the 60 minute one, that's kind of the way that it felt like one of those longer Twilight episode, Twilight Zone episodes this movie did, or maybe like Tales from the Crypt. The uh, the point is like everything comes back on Bradley Cooper, like irony and karma and all that shit. And mm -hmm. it's again, I can't really say anything else without telling you like what happened. And you know, I don't want to do that, you know. Well, uh um Kate Blanchett yeah. is in there, right? Kate Blanchard. And Willem Dafoe. And, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Kate Blanchard is hot. Of, uh, the lady that played the girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh, really? Uh, Rooney Mara? Yeah. Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara. And at one point in the movie, that's the lady he's having sex with. Uh, he try, She's the one that he tries to stage like the seance thing with, with the person coming back from the dead. Mm -hmm. She's He's going to use that guy's grief and, and make her dress like the, the, her dead or his dead lady or whatever. On the old movie, he, he he's working in the carnival. Same thing with, with the newer version, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought maybe that what I was saying, maybe that wasn't in the older one, but he's a hustler. So, uh, he is, he leaves the carnival and basically starts rich ripping off rich people by telling them, you know, exploiting their grief and shit. Like, there's no internet, but still he finds ways to find out their backstory, and he just tells them shit they already know, 
But this one guy has spent so much money, he's demanding that he conjure up a physical manifestation of his ex-love, his loved one that died. Okay. Because otherwise, Bradley Cooper's a hustler. And so he he wants the, the buck stops here. Like, you're either going to, you know, you have to show that you, you know, what you've said is true or I'm calling you a fucking liar. So now he's like, what do I do? So he gets the Mara girl to dress like the dead girl and make it seem like, you know, she's the loved one that manifested because they're outside. So he says, you know, I'll make him pray and then you can get the fuck out there and disappear. And I'll say that, you know, you just disappeared. Obviously things don't go the way they plan, but uh, yeah, that's all I'll tell you about. I don't want to. Well, I can't wait to watch it. And um, Tooch, put it on your list. Okay, brother. <laughs> Guys, we've, uh, I, I'm looking at the clock here. It says four hours and 20 all minutes. Right. I think we can start closing the shop. Here. Predictions. Yeah. And we've had a long show in a while. I like it. I know. This is your cup of tea. That's what I'm saying. We could do, man, it would be great if we could do a late night Friday show. But if you can only do two hours on Friday, we should still do that. Because I think it'd be a kick. Um, this yeah, I can do Fridays now unless there's a game or something to preclude it. Um, so it it is possible, but there are some lim limitations in you know in some regards. Well, we can work around that. Uh, anything to listen to your uh, baritone voice and your recollection of Bears history plus an occasional sex story. <laughs> or John Madden stories. Or John yeah. Madden story. There you go. Gooch, uh, what do you want to plug? Uh, what do you want to say as we head out the door? You got a, you got a winner for me? Oh, look at man. I got my fucking draft. Uh, my phone died. My, I got 16 straight losses. I, had a, I, need I, had a a, I think I did pretty good today for my subscribers. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. Let me see. I picked two bowl. I played two college bowl games. Gave out two winners. Give me one winner for Actually, tomorrow. Three. Yeah, two winners. The over oh. and over in the Louisville game for uh, bowl game and uh, uh, Air Force Louisville. That was an easy winner. And then uh, Houston minus two in the other bowl game. There's uh, those two early bowl games. And I uh, gave out like three, uh, four college basketball. Those all hit. I think I'm like six and one today. I lost the Toronto Raptors pick in the NBA, and I haven't checked the NBA, so it could be six and two today, but. What's the Thursday night football game? Thursday night football is Jacksonville at New England, I think. Really? Get the fuck no, out. Sorry. sorry, there is no Thursday game this week. Yeah, you're right. There isn't a Thursday game. Yeah. I miss no it. No Thursday. It's all Sunday. I hated the Thursday night games, and now I like them. And one Monday, Cleveland-Pittsburgh. So Yeah, no Thursday night games. All right. So No uh, Saturday games either. What's what's your what's your feel? What's your gut telling you about the Bears Giants? Well, I tell you, uh, Bears six six point favorites. Uh, the last four or five games of the Giants, they've lost by 11, 16, 15, and twenty four. So I mean, the Bears have a chance of covering that spread. You know the uh, Dan, Dan Aguirre, take the mortgage and bet it on the Bears. <laughs> No fucking way. But I do think Bears, but I do think that if the Bears lose this game, it would yeah. be pro Matt Nagy. But I, I think that they're gonna win this one. Yeah, I do too. 
I, mean, I think this is a win for the Bears. Just uh, Matt Nagy getting a, a two-game, little two-game winning streak here. I don't, and that we finish up with, at the Vikings, I think, right? I'm taking right. the six points and the Giants. <laughs> Fuck that. Fuck Matt Nagy. I, 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 I that fucking uh, horse that touchdown uh, two weeks uh, ago fucking cost me three hundred dollars. That would have been a great. You know who enjoyed that touchdown? Win. Me. Because I didn't bet any shit on it. I was were just you, really uh, were you were you masturbating during the game? Because uh, <laughs> I, I can't imagine anybody being able to keep an erection with Matt Nagy as head coach. <laughs> no masturbating, but that touchdown I enjoyed. I was I'm glad we got it. <laughs> That's good. Right? Uh, <laughs> Hard to keep an erection. And Nagy's still coach. I can't keep it up. <laughs> there you go. That, that would be a killer for your libido. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny, man. Um, all right. Uh, make sure you follow John Santucci at John Santucci VIP. Danaguay, what do you got going on? What do you want to plug? What do you want to tell people? Tell people what your uh, uh, Twitter account is, too. Uh, it's uh, BearsFan underscore Dan. And uh, I think, because I got to stay up. Remember a few weeks ago, I told you I went to that dermatologist appointment? Yeah. You had they like- said I it was washing my hands too much, and it gave me eczema. Right. Or whatever that shit's called. Uh, so today I've got to go to my like follow up where they, they take more money from me, but they tell me if I'm like, where, how I'm progressing or whatever. So I've got to stay up all night because my appointment's at 840 in the morning, which would have been no problem, but I took tonight off. Mm. So now I got to stay up for sure. Cause the point, you know, like I said, otherwise I'd have been at work and get off at eight. So what? But I took tonight off for this. So I got to stay up. I think I'm going to go home and put in the DVD that you gave me when I was in your house. I think I'm going to start Mad Men. Oh, dude, you've watched Mad Men? No, but I... I oh, fuck. I know. I, it's like something I would like, too, the advertising world, you know? Exactly. I was just going to yeah. say that. Bourbon drinking, just, you know? <laughs> excellent storytelling yeah. The show doesn't have great production values. It's done on, on a shoestring budget. So right. I, I right. wish they could have recreated the, the 60s better. But nonetheless, the character studies uh, is just phenomenal. Um, what did I give you? Season one. Uh, and the wardrobe. Yeah, yeah, that'll be enough to, to get you to want to continue to watch other seasons. So yeah, please get, get started on that. We can talk about it next week. Yep. Yeah, I really feel like you know, from everything I've heard about it, it seemed like a show like, you know, why why did I miss that? It just it seemed like one I that I would like. I think so. I think so. Uh, given that you like uh, Power of the Dog, uh, Tooch, if you have that sensibility, you'll love Mad Men. It it, it uh, not only works for mass audiences, but you, you can also get an appreciation for what's going on in between lines and and subtext and all that crap. Right. That, I, that I don't know anything about, but people tell me about. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, great job. This was a fun fucking show, man. Four and a half hours. Yeah. Toot you the best for sticking around and oh, putting up our nonsense. Dan, you're the man. I, Dan, I, I, any prospects for new sex uh, this weekend? No, I, I doubt it. Like, you know, she and I, uh, she's uh you know she lives a little bit away like we met halfway kind of deal you know mm-hmm. uh but 
she's probably going to Florida, like independent of me, like for that same festival, uh, which is what kind of got us talking anyway. Like, uh, so I don't know, like, I'm not really, you know, like I, to play off the Eddie Murphy thing. Like, I don't want to like bring this into fruition or like manifestation, you know, or like a manifest herpes. Like I'm so afraid of catching that. Like, I don't want to, I don't know. Like, I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm just going to lay low on that front. I think. Well, I mean, what happened to that box of 15,000 condoms I sent you? <laughs> <laughs> you got through that already? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, don't get sick out there, man. This whole fucking resurgence of COVID and venereal disease on the uprise and all this shit. What the fuck's happened to our world? We sh- everything should be going the other way around. It's fucking yeah, I, 80 I, I degrees about in Chicago. The- the COVID thing, man, it's like they're starting to cancel shit again, flights and things like that. So it's just like, fuck, man. Like at some point, are we ever just going to live again? You know, yeah. I mean, I know that, you know, I'm not trying to sound like a conservative in this and a denier of it, but I mean, I'm fully vaccinated. That's all I can do, man. I don't want to go hide back in the house again. Yeah. Not but me. I never got to do that anyway. I'm just saying that, like, I worked both jobs regardless. Mm hmm. But still, like it, like fuck, man. It just uh, are we really gonna have a lockdown again? I'll tell you, I uh, I've gone through the to the senior bowl three straight years, and last year I couldn't go because of COVID. And it looks like this year I, I may not go because of all the concerns going out there, and there's some other shit going on. So it really fucking sucks. I'd love to get down there uh, to Mobile, Alabama, see some of the seniors play, and report to Bears fans about potential uh, players for the second, third, fourth round draft picks that the bears have. But if I don't get down there, we are, uh, we're friends with the media people. So we'll bring back interviews and some of the uh, highlights of practice and stuff like that, which is uh, great fun for those of and us who follow the draft or, or get prepped up for the draft. I want a sequel. I want to know if Brad Biggs is still trying to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> the story was that, was that Phil? It was Phil. Was Phil. You wanted to fight Phil, yeah. Yeah, but didn't he think that you were Phil? Oh yeah. Okay. So the, real quickly, uh, Phil Otosha used to work here at the bar room. For those people who don't know, draft doctor Phil. So, um, but before I heard the story with Brad Biggs bringing up draft doctor Phil's name, I was in the area where they weigh in the athletes and. Every once in a while, there's Brad Biggs walking by, and he's fucking staring at me like I fucking stole his wallet or something. And over and over again, I'm looking, and, I, and I'm thinking, is this, does he think, you know, maybe I said something bad about him? I, I start thinking, you know, maybe he heard that on 100 Proof we made jokes about him and stuff. And so it happened four or five times the last time Everybody it happened jokes about bad brad biggs and the buffet at the games and stuff yeah. you know it's, like, <laughs> it's right. funny he was at the buffet too i'm walking to get in line i go past him and he again he's staring at me i'm like started to feel like this guy wants to kick my ass so later that night lauren cox uh calls me and he says you're gonna you're gonna die when you hear this story uh I'm walking with my friend, I forgot his buddy's name, and, and but we're walking into a bar and Brad Biggs is seated there. And so we go up to say hi to him and he looks at my friend and he says, you get the fuck out of here. 
I'm not talking to you. You make fun of me. And the guy, oh, his name is Owen. And so Owen is saying, what are you talking about? I've, I've never said anything bad about you. And so Lauren, he he walks away. <laughs> he just walks away. And so after a while, he, he meets up again with Owen. He says, what the hell is going on? He says, he thinks I'm this guy being draft talking to Phil. And that, that I'm, I was making jokes about him and, and talking shit about him in, in, uh, on social media. And so he had to, Owen had to explain that he wasn't draft talking to Phil. So I'm thinking, you know, he probably thinks I'm draft Dr. Phil or, or something. So I'm hoping uh, Greg Gabriel is good friends with Brad Biggs. I'm hoping that he'll bring Brad onto the show. And when Brad sees me on the video, <laughs> he's probably going <laughs> to stare me down and say, well, you're the motherfucker I want to talk to. <laughs> well, Greg will fuck him up for you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, he will. Fucking Greg is, is ghost. I don't know. He's like in his 70s. He goes to the gym every day and he's fucking deadlifting 250 pounds. What the fuck is going on? I'm like drinking. Greg 250 seems like beers. his backstory would be he's like he he's an, a former Marine who worked out with Chuck Norris in the mid 70s. <laughs> and he had a lot of secret CIA ops that he just won't tell anybody about because he the guy's really good at keeping secrets, man. He's, he's clued me in on a couple of things and he's, he's, he's told me, if you repeat this, I'm going to come over to your house and kill you. Okay, Greg. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Ah, uh, uh, this is fun. Uh, PJ, Stephen, Foster, Mark, all of you guys who have been with us for the last uh, four hours, or three of those four hours, or two of those four hours, or even ten seconds. Uh, we really appreciate you very much. Uh, that handsome gentleman next to me on the screen is John Santucci. Follow him again at John Santucci VIP. Dan Aguirre is at Bears fan underscore Dan. And you can find me at Barroom Network. Hit the subscribe button here on YouTube and you will get alerts every time we go live with a new show. And we will be back here tomorrow morning at, or actually tomorrow afternoon. Bar down Blackhawk talk uh, talking NHL hockey and the Chicago Blackhawks. And then uh, tomorrow night, it's Buffon 55. We'll get a preview of the New York Giants-Bears game. All right, everybody, thanks a lot again, and we'll see you next time. Hey, final thought, final thought. Final thought. One more, one more. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that on the show. <laughs> one more thing, one more thing. Sure. Um, this is our final broadcast of 2021. Yeah, New Year's Eve right. is Friday. So, so right. Should, right. We, should we do something special for our New Year's? show actually this was the new year's show right <laughs> we gotta do i you know, was thinking about maybe taking all of the media stuff that we've done over the year and and using that as a retrospective of the bears season that might be kind of cool that might be quite depressing for all of us to relive some of these yeah i don't want to fucking especially go. <laughs> if we use jd man you know you know one idea that i had this would be cool tooch and i can write the script and dan you can uh narrate it to do like an NFL films style, the old NFL film style on the 2021 season, you know, and Dan reading, you know, these kind of uh, uh, Steve Sable lines that Tooch and I will come up with, very poetic stuff, you know. <laughs> Mangy, a certain shit smell. It sounds a very certain angry. ineptitude. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll write that stuff and and then you you track it and I'll put some pictures to it. It'll be a fun little video. <laughs> I love that. I would do it. I would, I would be down. 
All right. We got a promise out of them. Anything else, guys, before we I hit the button that says goodbye? Well, the last thing, the okay. absolute last thing <laughs> is it's just to bring it full circle. Man, it fucking sucks for Jeff Dickerson, his family, and obviously John Madden, right, and right, even right. former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. What a shitty day yeah. December 28th was. But yeah, we turn yeah, it into yeah. something good here, but for the for those people all to die like at the same seemingly the same minute it felt like yeah at least for the the news of their death to disseminate at the same time indeed sad stuff all right uh on that note we will say goodbye and good night <laughs>